just a bloke in a bar. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of Bloke in a Bar. Uh, first of all, we just want to get straight into uh, Paul Green. First of all, rest in peace to Paul Green. Uh, condolences to his family, his friends, everyone that knew him. I knew him personally for a couple of years. He was at the Broncos. He was our kicking and catching coach. Um, yeah, I mean, w- what is there to say? There are no words that can make this better or it's just a devastating moment for the rugby league community. But you know, sometimes in devastating moments, we, it shines a light on all the great things people did. And Paul Green did some pretty incredible things. You know, I would argue, you know, would North Queensland have a brand new stadium without Paul Green? Maybe not. Would Thurston have ended up in probably a mortality? Maybe not. Would Cowboys have their first premiership? Maybe not. Uh, he had a massive hand in all that. So a man, a giant, a giant amongst the game to achieve incredible things. And I just hope that his family... Is, is just, you know, doing the best they can in such a heartbreaking circumstance. Uh, throw to you, Guru. Yeah, um, devastating news last week. I, like, I obviously didn't know Paul Green personally, and you mentioned his coaching. Like, what he did as a player as well. Mm. State of Origin Australia. Bigger footy nerd like I am. I think it was 93. He won Player of the Year in the Queensland Cup. Mm. Came down to the NRL and won Player of the Year in the NRL two years later. Wow. So pretty impressive. Mm. Pretty impressive stuff. Um, and he's like a small fellow that just ripped and teared. Uh, like you go back and watch those tapes of him for Cronulla. There, there was nothing to him. Mm. Just tough as nails and smart footballer too. Yeah, real, real smart. Real smart. Timmy? Yeah, tough one, mate. It's uh, I think it's not many people in society these days who haven't been Im- impacted uh, by this sort of thing at some point in their life. Um, within family, friends, extended friends, whatever it might be. So it's hard not, not to resonate. Uh, then it happens to such a great of the rugby league community. He, he's unfortunately, well, he's left a tremendous legacy in the game of rugby league. You mentioned as a player, as a coach, and what he's done up at the Cowboys. I remember before he got there, the Cowboys were just, you know, they're almost there to, to make up numbers at times. And that's the way it felt. They were yeah. out of sight, out of mind within <coughs> rugby league media and whatnot. Uh, and what he went and did up at the Cowboys just put them right in the middle of the rugby league map. Uh, they became front and back page to the Telegraphs, the Courier Mails, all these sorts of things. So uh, we'll remember him for, for the wonderful things that he had in his involvement in rugby league. Absolutely, absolutely. And like just me personally, and this... this um like this will mean absolutely nothing to most people and it will sound like such a tiny thing but it's actually like a it's it's stuck with me for for many many years and it was honestly really important for me personally like coming into rugby league i never got any appreciation for like the tough stuff so like the tough carries and you know being tough i actually there was even you know i was getting negotiating with another club and at the time one of our managers at the broncos literally said um He's an incredible finisher, incredible footy player. Not that tough though, and that got back to me, and it's fuck, it stung me because I was that same year, you know, I'd I'd done some tough things like my lung had collapsed, my ribs. I'd try to come back. I'd played with broken ribs like three weeks after. Anyway, not to say like it was just frustrating because I'd put my body on the line. Anyway, a few years later, um, I honestly, I honestly cannot remember many video sessions at all. There's literally only one video session I can remember, and it was Winham. We were at Winham. We were struggling. And we just couldn't find our way to get a win. Um, the boys end up going on to win the comp that year. But just in a video session, um, Greeny like highlighted a run that I had made, a tough run that I'd made. And, you know, in front of everyone gave me a rap for that tough run and basically said like, you know, it was tough or whatever. And for a guy that had never, had never had gotten appreciation for anything like that, being a smaller player, um, 
that honestly, it stuck with me. It literally stuck with me, that one little comment. And I know it means nothing to everyone else. Like everyone else sitting there going, bro, that's such a nothing thing. But for me, constantly struggling with that, like I was a soccer player turned uh, NRL player. It honestly meant everything because I finally had someone go, you know, you do do the tough stuff. You do do the tough stuff. So, you know, he's not here anymore, but uh, thanks to Greeny for uh, giving me that moment. Um, and yeah, uh, as Timmy touched on, you know, mental health, all that stuff does not discriminate, guys. If you're struggling, seriously, reach out. Just even there's text lines. There's, you know, we'll, we'll get Maddie to put up a text in a, a call line um, on the YouTube here. Um, you know, there's so many ways. Just Google it. You can Google it as well. Even to a mate, just reach out to a mate. Whatever it is, um, set a plan. Maybe just give yourself two weeks to just go, look, you know what? I'm going to go to the gym, be healthy for two weeks and, and lift yourself out of whatever you're going through. But please just reach out if you are struggling. Seriously, just that one message might change everything. Um, now, on to the rugby league. Uh, the huge news. Uh, Seraldo signs a five-year deal with the Bulldogs. Uh, Guru... I'll get your thoughts, mate. Yeah, obviously, a lot of hype around Cam Serraldo. Is he uh, the most famous assistant coach he might of all be time? The greatest assistant coach of all time. <laughs> um, yeah, and you know we've spoken about this before, and you can probably touch on it more. But you know, everyone loves the assistant coach. Mm. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how he goes. I mean, <clears throat> Penrith signing the assistant coach out of Penrith—that's meant to be the next big thing. Mm. We have seen this narrative before, yeah. obviously, with Trent Barrett. I know myself, I heavily brought into that. Mm. Um, that obviously didn't work <laughs> out. But you know, I'd like to think the Cameron Serraldo. Hopefully, it'll be a different story because Canterbury, I think they're at a different point as well. You know, despite a poor loss on the weekend, I think Canterbury are definitely heading in the right direction. And hopefully, I, I think having Phil Gould in the building with him as well, hopefully it helps. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, ho- I'm hesitant, but I'm hopeful. Timmy. Yeah, I think uh, former Kuma Stallion Brett White would have something to say about most famous assistant coach in the game. <laughs> Whitey calling the shots for the Raids on the weekend. He, he had the, uh, the blue trainer shirt on calling the shots at halftime for the Raids. So I was down in the capital on the weekend, actually. A bit of, bit of finals fever there, wasn't it? Oh, <laughs> give me a break. Give me a break. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, on Seraldo. Uh, it's just it's exciting height. We're going into this new era at the Bulldogs. You know, where mm. they're starting to come out of what's been a really dark period <clears> for them. And I suppose if if the wraps on Seraldo are there, what better way to do it than with a, a first time NRL coach? Mm. There's going to be a lot of pressure on him, especially off the the success that Mick Potter's had at the mm. Doggies at the back end of this season. Uh, like we've heard all the wraps, but let's see if they can evolve into success at NRL level. He's going to have the roster to do it. I think next year we spoke about it quite often now. Um, it was. It's also an enormous show of faith to go with Serrado over interim coach Mick Potter, who's been wonderful for them. Um, and Serrado's obviously been the, the long-term target, so we'll see see how it goes. And yeah, good luck to Serrado. Yeah, really, really interesting. This one. It can mean like two things because if it's a glass half empty, I'm sitting there going, why? If a coach is keen to come, why does he need to sign a five-year deal? You know, like if he really wants to be a part of that club and build it. And that's the club he wants to be at above all other clubs. But then there's a glass half full where you're sitting there going, well, no, actually, if you want to give this guy a fair crack, you give him four to five years or three to five years. And so I guess time will tell what was the right answer. Time will, you know, tell. But five years, look, I've got no evidence for it, but surely there is some clauses in there. 
Surely on the back end, there's some clauses mm. in there. There would have to be. Five years is a long time. Like look Five what years is a long time in rugby league. A though. week's a long time yeah, in rugby league. Look at the storm right now. They bloody, they've done it again. Against me nature. I was like, it, when I was saying, I don't know if they're going to pull it out this year. There was a, a loud voice in my head going, they're going to do it. They're going to do it. So, and they did it. They've, they've proven me wrong again. Um, not to say that I'm fully convinced yet. We'll, we'll get to that. But the Serraldo situation, like, look at Anthony Seabold. He took that Rabbitohs, it was a stacked Rabbitohs side, to a prelim, went to the Broncos. It was a disaster, yep. an absolute disaster. And he won coach of the, rookie coach of the year or coach of the year? Coach, coach of, of the, the year. year. Yeah. So the coach of the year went to a club with more resources, better squad, Better everything, pretty much. And, like, that's no disrespect to Bulldogs. Like, when it comes to – I'm talking about the setup for a coach. I'm not talking about, you know, um, the, the club as a whole. Um, and it didn't work out. Yeah, and I think this is where people – and I had a lot of people, people – yeah, but look at Craig Fitzgibbon. It's like – Craig Fitzgibbon isn't the example, though. Mm. He's the exception in yeah. the history of rugby league, realistically. <laughs> yeah. So, and he's been been hanging around for a long time, learning learning a trap. Uh, yeah, I, I remember talking to Fitzy on my podcast about two years ago, and I sort of yeah, I was in the mix of <clears throat> which of these ten fucking clubs is Craig Fitzgibbon going to coach? He can have yeah. any of them. And I remember he said to me off mic, um, "The strongest thing you can say sometimes is no." Mm. And he just said no, no, no to so many until the right one came. Mm. And, you know, I'm not saying I think this is the wrong one for Serraldo. He's, he's been touted and talked about for a long time now. But, yeah, Craig Fitzgibbon, he went the long way around. Yeah, he, You know, his old man was a coach in the NRL as well. Like, there's been a lot that's gone into Fitzy. It'll be mm. interesting to see what happens with Serraldo here. It's, what's, what's crazy is if this was like a, a two- to three-year deal, I think we'd all be saying, boom, nailed it, nailed it. I mean, I think there'd be a small part of me that'd be going, I think Potter's been a bit uh, done by here. He's coached the Tigers to ninth. I know that's fucking not, you know, but, you know, look where they are now. Sorry, Tigers fans. So it wasn't like Potter was that bad. Um, and then Potter has literally turned the club around in a season. Like, I, I have no doubt in my mind if Potter was there since round one that they're fighting for the eight. I don't know if they'd make it, but they'd be fighting. But the other thing about Potter that I look at, and you're right, he has turned their season around. I think he's turned their season around with very common sense decisions that mm. should have been made in January. And yeah. we don't need to rehash over those, mm. but there's there's something to be built there at Canterbury. And, oh, for sure. you know, as per usual, there will be guys, I think, that will follow Seraldo mm. over there. Penrith Panthers are obviously going to I think Critter is gone. You reckon he's gone? Yeah. Like, I mean, like, like their, their New South Wales Cup team is <clears throat> the equivalent of their first grade team in New South Wales Cup. Mm. So there's a heap of guys there that are fantastic depth that are ready first graders, but just can't get a gig we in got this. Penrith side. Taruva. Taruva, you've got, you know, your Falls, your Jamin Salmons, your Matty Eisenhuths, all mm. these guys that are sort of fringe first graders that they would shit into the starting mm. side of Actually, Canterbury. Actually, Matty, can you t check if Crichton just recently re-signed, as in like the last 12 months? But if he hasn't, because I, I just reckon that... So yeah. he's contracted to the end of 2023. Okay, okay. Wow. But it's interesting though for Penrith, because if they start, if, even if they lose one or two guys... They've lost Sean O'Sullivan, Isaiah Katoa, Api Kurosau, <coughs> Viliami Kickout. Like, there's a number of Robert Jennings. There's a lot of guys that are leaving this side now. And where's, gonna Robert, have, where's Robert gone? He's going to the Dolphins, I believe. I'm pretty sure he is. He'll be a good pickup for the Dolphins. He will be a good pickup. Yeah. yeah, and he's a, he's a classic. You got injuries, you bring Robert Jennings in, you're fine. Yeah. Mm. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens there because I, I do think a few will. Follow. I, I think Critter. I I think that. I don't know how patiently he's going to sit in the centre for the rest of his career. Yeah, and, and clearly be looking at him there going, 
he'll want to do everything he can to keep his one, six, and seven together. Mm-hmm. Um, Nathan Cleary, we know now's on $1.3 million a year. We'll get to that shortly. Uh, and I've, I find a lot of successful franchises in recent years or of all time, you know, we've seen Melbourne do it. They pay up for those big positions. And particularly when the success comes and, and guys like Critter emerge and know they could command money elsewhere, that's the first position, like a centre, where a coach goes, sorry, mate, we can't hold on to you for 700000 8000 plus a season when you can get it elsewhere. So see you later. I, I think I'm with you. And he's the first bloke who could be straight out there to play fullback at another club on close to double the money. See, because I can see Critter in a Bulldogs fullback jersey, just quietly, just quietly. Because when you think about it, like, He's not going to get like a million a year or whatever. At the at the um, Panthers, we'd have to check it, but he might be on what four five hundred k. I'd say. I think it was actually let's just say four five hundred k. Whereas doggies could probably forward a fullback, you know, six six mm. seven hundred k like for a fullback. Mm. And I feel sorry for Avrilo because he's just starting to find his feet. Um, not not to say this is going to happen. I'm saying if it were to happen, what do you got there, Matty? So we we just checked the the top one hundred uh, rich list. Uh, and it says that Crichton is on 6.15. So if that is the case, then I don't see him going anywhere unless he's desperate to play fullback. It's 6.15 at centre in a premiership winning comp club. Yeah. I think you've also got to keep in mind too that they've arguably got the best left edge in rugby league and I think they'd be paying them peanuts right now. Mm. Like Tongue on Taylor May. So something's going to have to give it Penrith over the next few years. They're going to have to make hard decisions. They already have with Appy and Vili, uh, Vili Ami Kikau, But Can you check how long Edwards is signed for, please? Um, because just quickly with this top 100 uh, rich list, so Dave Riccio, um, quite a few journalists came together and put this together. And so I actually spoke to Dave Riccio and I was, I was kind of like, mate, like, how do you know what they're on? Like, I, it's a private thing. Like, they should, they should be able to have that privately. It shouldn't be public knowledge. Um, and then Matty Johns said, Matty Johns was like, mate, back in my day, like, you never spoke about how much you're on ever in a, in a team environment. And I, and I was the same at the Broncos. Um, but Riccio assured me, he's like, mate, I'm telling you right now, we speak to CEOs, player managers, football managers, directors, we speak to everyone, and these numbers are relatively accurate. Um, so, like, I have to take them for their word. Like, I, I don't see why he would feel the need to. So, Edwards is signed until the end of 24 and Crichton 23. Okay. Yeah. Um, look, I mean, if he is on 615. K a year, does that mean that they may lose Talon May? Didn't Tungle just re-sign? I think he did. Interesting. I just, I'm, I'm... Tungo is the end of 25. Yeah, I'm just struggling to see how they can afford to pay a centre 615K. Yeah. When, when's Talon May signed to? 24. I guess losing <coughs> kick out there, losing Appy, um, but still. 615. Y- y- yeah, you wonder. Yeah, questionable. Maybe it's an origin clause that's bumped that up. Mm. And and who, and that's the other thing which we'll get to the list shortly, but there'll be a number of, of figures that are swayed by back-ended deals. Mm. What's not to say that's not a back-end where we got paid 200 grand last year, yeah. but 600 this year, you know, to be 400k a year sort of thing. So yeah. we do have to consider those sorts of things. Interesting, interesting. Um, to be honest, though, I still see, like, maybe the doggies do offer him 800k to go fullback and he wants to play fullback because I, I just – I cannot see him being satisfied sitting out in the centre because mm. he's so like when he plays fullback he's amazing he is amazing Edwards is just so good um, what's the most you'd pay for him as a one? Oh, see I would have paid about 600 for him as a one so would I <laughs> um, 
But if he's already on that, as I said, like, I always feel like these numbers are inflated. I really do. Yeah. But I put it to Dave, Dave Riccio, the journalist, and he is one of the better journalists. Timmy, you've... Yeah, Dave. Dave's one of the, the real good ones out there. Uh, very, very reputable journo. Great fella. So you'd, if he gives you his word on it, I'd be taking it. Yeah, exactly. And so and I, I said to him, like, I said, mate, like, how do you know it's like... I just don't believe it. I don't believe it. And he was like, I'm telling you right now, we do a bunch of research, we speak to the right people and we get the right answers. So going to have to trust it. Mate, th- okay, there is a case. There is a case for... They identified him as this next-gen freak, because he was, and then they just went, you know, four, five, six on a three-year deal just to stop. Because, like, there are players like Critter that come through and other clubs will literally just pay 600K because of his athletic ability. Mm. And so there could be a, a, a case where that's the truth, uh, like that, that could happen. Um, anyway, we're getting a bit sidetracked here. Seraldo to the dogs. I think, like, the positive for the dogs right now is they have a massive backing in the laundry group. These guys own like they're substan- They're going well. They're going really well. <laughs> <laughs> they're going really well. Um, Not eating cans of tuna for dinner. Exactly. And so when you go, oh, it's a f-, when we go, oh, it's a five year deal, and and rightly so, I'm a bit like, oh, it's a five year deal because because of things we've seen happen in the past. The positive is is the laundry group. If they do need to pay him out to go, they're probably going to be able to afford it. Mm. Like so, that's a positive. Um, when it comes to coaching ability, the positive as well is I'm pretty sure Seraldo has been a head coach. I know in not the environment that is the NRL, but I'm pretty sure he was the head coach of the under-20s. And so a lot of these guys you're seeing killing it now, he had a huge hand in their development. So, yeah, I, look, I think it's good. I think it's good. I think it's exciting times for the Bulldogs. Yeah, it's also a good little – like, obviously, Seraldo, you said he coached the under-20s. When you coach that Penrith junior system – they all go on to play first grade somewhere. Like if you go yeah. back and have a look at that 20s team, like there's so many players from around the league that have come through that team too. So it does give you little connections. Like I'm pretty sure, um, you know, just the way it works, like, like Corey Waddell was the back rower in that side. Mm. You know, like he's obviously at Canary, but there'd be other little connections that Stroud would have around the league off the back of that. Yeah, for sure. And the good thing is his profile is so big now, he probably won't struggle that much to, to sign players. And plus he's got Gus Gould behind him. Uh, look, in a perfect world, I think a three-year deal would have been perfect. But if you're – put it this way, you're a director of the Bulldogs and you, you think Serrado's the guy, would you be willing to give him a five-year deal to get him there? Because it seems like that's what needed to get him there. Yeah, and I, I would be ha- – because I think in rugby league and especially if you are the Bulldogs with a bit of coin behind you, uh, five-year deal is scary on paper, but – if it doesn't eventuate, it doesn't eventuate, yeah. and it's fine. You pay you out a year around it. Yeah, it's not. It's, it's. I think five year. And I was the same when I first read it. I went, "Oh my god, it's the wild west at the moment. What's mm. going on?" But the more you think about it, I think the less scary it is. Do you think it's also to send a message to potential recruits? There's stability here. This is the fucking coach. This is the direction that we're mm. going. Yeah, and I think that's what a lot of clubs <clears throat> need to be very careful of. You don't want to be the club that seemingly has a new coach every. Three years. Oh, it looks. It's an awful look, yeah. and Canterbury have got to be careful that they don't land themselves in that basket. And the history would show if you have coaches every second year or every third year, it doesn't actually help. Doesn't help. What well, do you reckon, Tim? Yeah. Well, yeah. What have they done the last ten years? About four coaches, have they? Yeah, got quite them. a lot. Yeah. They've had. Um, well, they they've had Des, Dean, Dean Pay, Barrett. Barrett. Is there anyone in between? Was it Des straight to to Des, Dean Pay? Yeah. Des. Straight to Dino. <laughs> Then to Trent Barrett. Mm. So he'll be their fourth in 
Yeah, 10 or 11. Yeah, um, yeah. Timmy, what do you reckon? If you're director of the Bulldogs, are you doing it? Five, you deal? Uh, probably not five. I think like three is lengthy enough for a bloke. But it's, if, if five is the only thing that's going to get him, like he's in like, he's I, saying to you, I'll come, but I want five years. Yeah, provided the right, uh, as you said, details were put into the contract, as in whether it be performance-based or whatever that might be. Um, if there's the right clauses that say, all right, you know, if we are under a flop here and he can't handle it at top level and he's no good in the first two years, that we can get rid of you if you finish below 12th in those two seasons or whatever. So there is an out clause mm. for them. Cameron Seraldo, like, obviously he's done a lot of hard yards to get where he is, but, geez, he must be considering himself lucky because... <coughs> As an assistant coach to be offered a head coaching gig in the NRL, five years, he'd be going, he wouldn't be stupid. He'd be looking at the, the volatile nature of NRL coaching yeah. and how easy it is to be out of a job in no time, yeah. half the time through no fault of your own, going five years, how good is this? Lock yeah. and load. Yeah. It's, it's, and also, if you back yourself, as most coaches should, and you're going, I've got five years to make this work, I know he could get pushed out or, or whatever, but... If he wants to, he could dig his heel in and go, no, nah, not going. Like, not going. I want to work this out. Then eventually they just have to pay the whole thing out. But um, I, I think it's exciting times. As I said, perfect world. You get him on a three-year deal. But it sends a really strong message. It sends a real, real clear message to the players and potential players of like, this is the direction we're going, guys. Like, we've got a direction. Get on board. Um, I'm sure there'd be clauses in there. I, I think the clauses in there would be like, we want top, you must finish top eight in the last two years or something like that, or maybe the last three years, and then top six in the last two years or something along mm -hmm. those lines. Um, yeah, so, yeah, exciting, really exciting. And it's the good thing is, is that I know the Doggies lost on the weekend and they played pretty poorly. Outside of that, they've been great. And you look at their young squad, they're probably, it's a probably going to be a huge factor in keeping Burton. I'd assume Burton has a good relationship with him. That may have played a big part in getting into the club. Well, that's the other thing. If they think there's a potential of getting um, Critter as well, all of a sudden you've got Critter, Kikau, Burton, like all these guys he's worked with at Penrith. Yep. Um, so, yeah, exciting times, Doggies fans. Exciting times. I do think Potter a little bit hard done by mm. here, though. Oof. A little bit hard done by. I think they would have been faced with a tough choice of we can get Seraldo now or we can risk losing Seraldo to another club and give Potter another year. And they just went, you know what? Let's go with the young gun. If you're one of these other clubs that needs a coach, do you look at Mick Potter? I think so. Yeah. I, I honestly, like, he took the team from basically heading towards Wooden Spoon to competitive against top four sides. Um, the thing is now, every every coaching job is really taken now, though, which is bizarre to say. Um, apparently, there's been, like, 21 coaches sacked in the last two or three years. Two seasons or some shit. Three seasons. Jesus. Incredible. Um Okay, now to the NRL rich list. As I said, guys, um, I've been assured that these numbers are correct. Uh, and so we'll just work off that. Now, we're not going to go into specific... We might speak about like one or two specifically the amount that they've been said to be on. But what I wanted to do is I wanted to get... Who has the most players in the top 100? So like 1 to 16, who has the most players all the way to who has the least players in the top 100? So, for example, Dragons are number one. The Dragons have 10 players in the top 100. Now, we were talking last year, last week about, I cannot understand how the Dragons haven't recruited anyone. I think this answers our question. It all makes sense now. It makes sense why they've been unable to recruit anyone. They got no, their cap is like completely squeezed. Completely yeah. squeezed. Well, like, yeah, have a look at this list. I think the number 100 is at 500K. 
Mm. So if they were 10 guys on absolute Hell. minimum, there's 5 million. Yep. Which is yep. not for those playing at home. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It's, uh, mate, it's absolutely amazing. And then, that. and then you consider Ben Hunt's, what's third on the list at 1.1 million. Yep. That is a lot of money tied up in 10 players. Mate, it's, uh, it's, it's really, really interesting. It's, um, I, I just, yeah. It, unfortunately, you'd have to say that outside of Benny Hunt, the, the players that are getting paid that up are underperforming. And so you're not getting your bang for buck. Whereas, you know, second on the list is Eels, which right now the inconsistency of it, Eels have eight. You'd have to say they're probably not delivering. Uh, Roosters, <coughs> they've begun to deliver. Uh, Rabbitohs, you'd probably say they're definitely delivering. Storm, they're still sitting top four. Panthers, seven. Um, I'll read the list out. So it goes, this is this is one to 16, one being having the most players in the top 100, 16 being having the least. Dragons, 10. Eels, eight players. Roosters, eight players. Rabbitohs, seven players. Storm, seven players, but that's including Nofawaluma. If you took him out, you'd have six. Panthers, seven. Bulldogs, seven, which is interesting. Uh, Broncos, six, which I think is pretty good spot to be sitting with where they're at. Uh, Sharks, six. I think that's an incredible spot for Sharkies to be sitting. Titans, six. That's scary. Raiders, six. Cowboys, six. Knights, six. Manly, four. Warriors, four. And Tigers, four. Not including Nofaluma. Um, <clears throat> it's weird because do you, do you feel that, like, for example, Tigers and Warriors being at the bottom and also essentially being at the bottom of the table, are they not being risky enough and throwing enough big money at the big players. Yeah, potentially. I, I think it also comes down I, – I had a look through it yesterday and sort of – I think, you know, it, it's hard to get all this data, but it is interesting as we go through to take the context of what positions these guys play as mm, well. Mm. Like, I, I was shocked at how many in the top 50 are front row forwards. Mm. Like, that that really surprised really? me. Yeah. What do you mean? Like, like you? Oh, I, I, I expected them to be high for sure. Yeah. But, okay. but oh, yeah. I, I like. I, I expected there to be that many that are high, but I just, I personally wouldn't build a team like that. Yeah, yeah. Same, yeah. same as centers, as Tim said before. So, I, I, I shouldn't say I was surprised. It's just not how I would go about it. Mm. But in saying that, when you've got a premier front row in front of you, and he, you want to give him five hundred, he wants seven hundred. Yeah, I, I see. I, can, it, I see the way. Um, the way you when I was there, it was basically like. Your halves, your nine. One actually didn't used to be hectic. Your fullback didn't used to be anywhere near as hectic as it is today. And then it was your front row. Yeah. Like centre and winger were literally down the bottom. Um, and so I can understand why front rowers, because it's so hard to find a fucking good front row and they're so important to go forward. Whereas now in the modern game, like, like fullbacks are almost as important as your seven yeah. or six realistically. Seriously. Seriously. Um, so it's interesting. Like, do you... Do you admonish the Warriors and Tigers for saying maybe you need to be a bit more aggressive in the market? Or is it they have been aggressive, they've just been unable to land people? It's yeah, a tough one. I, I think it's more so they're unable to land people. I'll be unable to land. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see where Tigers sit on this list next, next year, year. Yeah. Um, with a couple of recruits they've got. Um, I think really good signs for Broncos and Sharks to be sitting at the six mark with so much growth left. Um but yeah, Dragons is the interesting one. Ten up at the top by themselves. So they just they've essentially got ten starters probably on massive coin, and they're coming what ten or eleven. Wow, 
is it is it are you concerned for Dragons seeing that? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I was concerned two and a half weeks ago. I think we all were yeah. about this. Now, this is just evidence why we should be concerned today. And, like, you, you go through that list and, you know, as I said before, it's not like they're all on 500 either. <laughs> yeah. So, does this prove that the Dragons are, in fact, not doing the money ball approach, as we've said all year, or as everyone said all year? Yeah. I guess so. I guess so. And, I mean... Uh, just, just talking off the top of my head, like, like your modes and stuff weren't on this list, were they? No. Like it's no. not even the, the young guns that they're just trying to sew up, so they're paying them overs to keep yeah. them there. Mm. It's all the other guys. Yeah. It's the other guys that when they get injured, they bring the next guy in, and I'm like, maybe it's the money ball approach in the sense that you've got guys that used to be worth, you know, like Josh, a prime Josh Maguire, that used to be worth seven, eight hundred k, he's gotten for five hundred k. And so I think that might be more the money ball approach that was getting thrown around, um, that he's got these like veterans that have gone down a bit in value that potentially could add a bunch. If they can find their form again, they can add a bunch of value. Um, but, yeah, they, the Dragons got to sort that cup out. And they got to oh, – holy. Ten. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, massive congratulations to Nathan Cleary too. 1.3 <laughs> Benny man deserves it. It's yeah, that um, Mate, congratulations to all the blokes on this list. How yeah, bloody good. good like, yeah, bloody oath. Get your money, boys. Um, yeah, so if you want to check that out, it's uh, the Delhi Telegraph, pretty sure. You go there, you can see the top 100 that um, I'm assured is accurate, or at least as close to accurate as you're going to get. What do you got, Matty? Just breaking news, the Warriors have released a statement. Their Roger Skuivasa Shek fan is not banned for life. Oh, thank God. God. I was going to talk about that. What an absolute joke. And talk about the Streisand effect. Like, because you went and told him he had a lifetime ban, you made a massive deal. Whereas if you don't kick him out and he does his little thing, yeah, we have a laugh. No one's talking about it. No one gives a shit about it. A bloke did a shoey. We've seen it a million times. Good on him. It's funny. Who cares? But the fact that because they made a deal out of it, it's the Streisand effect. It fucking made it way bigger. Um, Yeah, so... Congratulations to Roger Skuivasacek or Skuivasacek. Just on the on the rich list and interesting seeing those numbers, Campy. I'd had a look obviously at the individual um, wages coming out, but I hadn't sort of considered it from the perspective that you've just thrown at us. And as like a, a super coach rugby league nerd who I love roster management and all these sorts of things, and the balance of squads really just um, to take some words off my old mate on the left coming off the dome, but. Um, <laughs> Like you can, you can take so many every squad and the way they've gone about their roster can be approached in so many different ways and and I look at Manly for example who in recent years have been very what I suppose call a top ended roster where they just throw a lot of their money at you know Tom Trebojevic, Daly Cherry Evans, Jake Trebojevic, these guys in key positions mm. and it's that can be such it's it's a high risk high reward approach to putting your roster together because you've got like three to four absolute stars in mm. key positions that can be match winners and can take you to a premiership we saw them you know get on the verge of it last season they've looked good at times this season but when you're also investing your money in all those players if one or even two of them go oh. down like we've seen with tommy turbo this mm. year yep. you can be stuffed yeah so you're like you're, you're not balancing yourself out very well your depth becomes a massive issue mm. and then looking at Parramatta, they're another one who surprised me with eight players on the list in that we've sort of said they're one of the most well-rounded rosters in the nrl their depth at the club is incredible i thought 
due to how good their depth has been and their one to seventeen is successful that maybe they wouldn't have been as high on this list. But yeah, uh, yeah no, it's, it's it's a very fascinating list and, and a fascinating way of looking at it the way it's been put together. Yeah, just like it just shows how much of a sweet spot there is to win a comp. <coughs> like you look at the Penrith Panthers, you know, with, with seven players there, <coughs> incredible considering they've got number one. Well, what's interesting is that let's say. Like, I think most people would make the argument Broncos and Sharks and Cowboys are probably one big recruit away from winning a comp. Mm. And they're sitting on six and Storm and Panthers are sitting on seven. So, like, it, it, it probably shows you that that seven number um, is right about where you want to be because uh, you don't want to be down at the bottom because then you fucking... And isn't it also, like, we look at the Eels and the like the Roosters, all I felt like I've said for the last few weeks is it's almost like they've got just one too many stars to make it. Mm. all sort of gel it's interesting you know that's obviously not a direct reflection of that and Parramatta's the same I look at their team and just go 1-17 to it's unreal it's so good yeah I don't think they can win at Colm yeah on the flip side I would argue that I'd love to see this list for the last 20 years and see where the most successful teams have come from but we say the Melbourne Storm and again I know it's a bit of a an outlier because of how good their spine was but talk about top-heavy rosters where they just went in on your Cronks, uh, you know, Munster at the back end, but like Cronk, Smithy, Slater. Mm. Now, them guys had incredible longevity in the NRL. Like Smithy hardly missed a game, Cronk hardly missed a game. Slater, probably more the back end of his career, started missing a few, but had a pretty good run as well mm. in these key positions. So I wonder during those years, would they have had four and five in this top 100 because they were so heavily invested in them guys? Mm. Um Maybe not, but they would have been on huge money. So I would imagine they would have had to have been. Yeah, it's um, interesting. So, so it's not to say that you can't win it with only four or five in this top 100. And also being in the top 100, having numerous is a show of your success. We look at the clubs there, Eels, Roosters, Rabbitohs, Storm, Panthers, all up top, the most successful clubs. So, so you could look at it a million different ways, yeah. but it's fun to dissect. What's, yeah. a, uh, what, what's a minimal contract in the NRL? I think it's 125. Be interesting think, to see uh, like yeah, how many or one twenty five, yeah, something around there. It chops and changes a little bit, but be interesting to see the teams how many players they had from five hundred k to two hundred k, yeah, around that mark to see. Well, it's like it's interesting because like okay, so that means that Tigers have if you went the the underneath five hundred k, sorry, if you went five hundred to four hundred k, Tigers probably have the most there. Mm. Because they've got the least in the above that. They'd have yeah. to. They'd have to. Because yeah. otherwise, how are they spending well, their on, money? On this list, who's the Tigers highest paid? Uh, Luke Brooks. Oh, of course. He's in the top 10, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But I mean, it had it had Hastings on like 700K. Yeah, but I, I don't reckon he'd be. Five. No, he was lower. He was five. Oh, he's he? five? Okay. Yeah. Obviously, you know, his, his contract at the moment is an opportunity to come back. That no, but be- I actually think that might be overs. As in, like, he's worth that for sure. But, like, he was coming back from the Super League yeah, for, a, for an opportunity. Yeah. 500K is a great contract, and he's probably not getting paid that much more at Super League. Mm. Um, so that's actually a bargain buy. It's well, funny. It's, it's, it's interesting that of those four players that are on the list, Joe Offengawi, they're all at the very bottom end of it, aside from <laughs> Brooks, who's right up top. Offengawi, 550. Noffa, 510. And then... Hastings 500 so they're not even the the top end of it so they just must be like bang on like their most of their squad must be between 400 and 500k and I guess and that's the argument for you know maybe it's they couldn't recruit or whatever but it's like that's the argument for you're actually paying for an average list mm. instead of going you know what 
let's go balls to the wall. Because, like, for example, no one in there – I know uh, Brooks is on 960, but, like, they could afford to go and pay someone 1.3 right now, you know, a superstar. In saying that, just off the top of my head, and I don't know if there's more, they're obviously paying off – David Nofaluma to beat the Melbourne Storm. They're playing Mozambique to beat the St. George Illinois oh, Dragons. I don't think they'd be paying Nofaluma. I think I think Storm no? would be okay. paying the rest well, of the they're, year. Well, they're, they're playing Moses. Is there anyone else the Tigers would be chipping in for other contracts there? Um, it says the Tigers are tipping in about half of Mbai's salary, and that's 900K. So you could almost chuck in another one there for Mozambique, realistically. Yeah, wow. Next season, I think you'll find for the Tigers, um, IPAP, provided he gets to the Tigers, he'll be on it. So he's confirmed that he's going. He has? Yep. Awesome. Yep. Great news Great for the yeah, sure. uh, IPAP, um, Coruscant uh, as well. And then Adam Dewey, I'd be surprised if he didn't end up on 500 plus by Surely. next season. So, Surely. So their four next season could flip to along with Brooks and Hastings, depending on how that half scenario works out. All of a sudden could have seven players on this list. It can change pretty quick. See, see what I don't get is like, it says Moses is on 950. So like... The argument around him being a million dollar player is irrelevant. Like, that, like he wants a million dollars. Like, it's clearly not true because he's already essentially on it. Do you think? Mm. Do you think fifty grand is going to stop yeah. Mitchell Moses from saying? So, yeah. So really, really interesting, guys. Uh, the you know it'd be as as you said to me, it'd be really interesting to look at like the last five to ten years or even twenty years and see what is the sweet spot. Do you want seven to eight players in the top one hundred of the salary cap? Or do you want to land around the six or five to six? It'd be real, real interesting. Um, now on to uh, see on to the next bit of news. Uh, ooh, just wait a sec. Sorry, guys. Just getting through this hundred list. Um, team of the week. Team of the week. Uh, now, I had Munster at fullback, um, Suwali'i at two, Olam at three, Manu at four, Oates. At five, Corey Oates, he was so good, man. Fuck, he was good the other day. Then I had uh, Amon at um, six. SJ at seven, I just thought that, I just was happy for him to be able to do what he did on the weekend. I had Nelson Asafa Solomona at eight. I had, mm, ooh, whoopsie. I had, um, well, I've got Verrills, Cook or Grant. I'm not really sure. Which one do you guys go? Verrills. Verrills? Yeah, Verrills. I had uh, Hargreaves at 10, Fafida at 11, Colin Matungi at 12, um, Cam Murray at 13, uh, McGuinness at 14, Adam Fenor Blake, um, and I had um, probably Latrell at 16, Latrell or Brimo, and I had Boyd at 17. What did you guys uh, I, mine's actually pretty similar to yours. I had Latrell at fullback. Cobo and Suwali'i on the wings. I had Ramian and Olam in the centres. Uh, six, I went with Amon. How good was that to finally see him? Oh, fuck. I can't, devastated they lost for I him. Know, for uh, him. I know, he could have scored six. Stoked, but. <laughs> hey, mate, he, was, he was incredible. Uh, seven, I went Nico Hines. Just thought he had his fingerprints over everything for the Sharkies. AFB, Lodge up front. Sam Verrill's at nine. Uh, back rowers, I went a little bit different to you. I thought Bo Fermor was great for the Gold Coast Titans. I chucked him in there, and then I had Hudson Young from the Raiders. Cam Murray picks himself at 13. How good would it obviously. Actually, I would have had cheese on the bench. I would have had cheese on the bench. Sorry. Yeah. Um, I had Latrell, Cotter, Radley, and Brandon Smith cheese. Mm. 
I thought Radley's game on the weekend was unreal. If Radley can get back to his best and we've mm. got Murray, Yo, and him going head-to-head in this final God. series, it'd be great. I'm t- like people, There's a few people that disagree with me in regards to Radley's ball playing. Like, Do you agree he has the best ball playing for a lock in the comp or am I fucking crazy? Oh, I, I think he does. I think he hasn't shown it over the last two years, though. Mm. And I think that's Two years? Really? Yeah. Okay. Oh, compared to an Isaiah Yo, mm. I think so. Yeah. yeah. I thought about it all weekend uh, <laughs> because of how how good Cam Murray was, how good his ball playing's been. Mm. But Isaiah Yo still number one. I think Radley's okay. two, and then Cam's probably three. Wow, that's Isaiah that's Yo's ball playing's unbelievable. It's oh, it's really good. I just I, think yeah. Victor Radley's got the best. Ball Radley's playing. probably got the better like killer touch, like like we saw on the weekend that lofted ball to score a try. Mm. Yo, he's not really going to pull that one out, but just his service as the link man is next level. He never mm. makes a mistake, Isaiah. Yeah. So he's you'd have Isaiah Yo at one as well. Now I would, and it kills me because I'm the biggest Radley fan in the wow. world. But yeah, Maddie, who who do you have? I mean, I'm so biased. I love Murray, but if I took him out, just I'd, ball playing, not ball, the, not the whole. Yeah. We're not talking about the whole thing. Just the ball playing. I'd probably go like Yo for um, he's he's like. As you said, probably everything's an 8 out of 10, does it consistently. Mm. Radley can find the ground a few times, but like his ceiling is probably the highest. Mm. Interesting. I thought it was a fucking sure thing. I'm oh, I think surprised. if Radley can put together a season of football where he's not injured and he's not suspended, mm. I think he's he could rock it straight back to number one for yeah. me and very quickly. To be clear, guys, we're just talking specifically about their mm. ability to ball play, not about the whole package. I would say right now, form-wise... Um, Murray is probably the best. I would say right now, who is the best thirty in the comp? It's Isaiah Yo. Um, actually, probably Radley would be a little bit further down because I just think he's been he struggled a bit with form on the weekend. He was outstanding. Um, oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. I reckon Locks were the best position on the weekend. You had Murray, you had McGuinness, you had Cheese, you had Curran. They yep. all just killed it. Radley, Jack Bird went hard. Jack third, Bird yeah. for the Dragons. Um, Wow, that's, interesting. that's oh, interesting. I think it's fair to say that Radley's got the highest ceiling as far as ball yeah. playing. I yeah. would yeah. never right, argue with that. Yeah. But just the consistency that Isaiah Yeo's done it for the last two years on the biggest stages, mm. I can't ignore him. Mm. Yeah, okay. That's that's cool. That's cool. Um, now let's get to the game reviews. You got a team for us? Oh, sorry. Sorry, mate. <laughs> Fucking hell. Brushed. Here comes the Kimberator 1-7-8. <laughs> I know where I stand. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, Savage, Rapana, <laughs> uh, Latrell Mitchell, wingers Cobo and Suwali'i, centers Olam and Ramian, halves Amon and Sean Johnson. Love putting Sean Johnson in there. He was awesome on the weekend. Uh, props Toru Harris and Totola, Sammy Verrills at nine. Back rolls Fermor and Kenny Bromwich. Lock was Victor Radley. Bench Cam Murray, Adam Elliott, Brandon Smith and Nico Hines. Mm. Mate. Not a bad side. No Raiders. Was there any Raiders? Uh, Adam Elliott got in there for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, couldn't, I couldn't pick Hudson Young for an eighth straight week, so I had to change it up a little bit. <laughs> did, you guys, um, did you guys not think Munster was at one or you knew he was at one and you chose Latrell anyway? I chose Latrell, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. I thought Munster was fucking unbelievable. It was good. That's uh, the hard thing about these team yeah, of the yeah. weeks. It's, Latrell was good though. Especially in a position like, like if you – there's three or four gun back rowers. You can squeeze them in, but yep. they fit so many ones in there. I mean, Troll was unbelievable as well. So it's just sometimes there's so – like the fullbacks especially, like they play so fucking good and it's just hard to get them into your side. Um, but, you, yeah, you could you could interchange Munster and Latrell. I just thought the fact that Melbourne went to Penrith 
and did what they did with yeah. the mad dog monster fucking pulling the strings. But then like, you know, the rabbit is going to fucking the power and doing what they did. Um, anyway, let's get into it. Let's get into it. Storm have done it again. Fucking hell. Every time, every time. Like all year, all fucking year, we've been saying, nah, they'll prove us strong. They're sweet. They'll come back. And then the one week where we go, well, I'm, I won't speak for you guys, but for me, I was like, you know what? I think it might be a bit of a, you know, a quiet year for the rest of the year for the storm. Like they may still pull it, but pull it out. But, and then they come out. And if you ever wanted to see um, the, there's a new Melbourne storm in town in regards to their attacking flair over the last few years. And Cam Smith actually told, said that after they lost that Cronulla Sharks grand final, they went back, him and Belly Ake and, and Billy and that went back and said, we need to change our whole game. We need to change everything, which is crazy. Think about that. You lose a grand final and that's your standards are so high. On the last play. On the last play, your standards are so high, you go, we need to change our whole game. And that's when they became the new style of storm we're seeing that break records or whatever. But if you ever wanted to see a traditional storm victory, what the storm is known for, what it was built on, what this, this incredible organization was built on, Go and watch Panthers v. The Storm on the weekend. It was gritty. It was tough. It was down in the dirt. It was everything a Storm performance is that we got come to love and know. And on top of all that, with all the chat before, all the chat before about techniques, this, that, and the next thing, Storm said it was almost the worst thing you could do to a Storm team because Storm went, oh, you're going to question you know, our, our techniques and, and whatever. We're going to hold you to zero. Um, and that's what they did. That's what they did. Absolutely incredible. They they continue to impress us as an organization. I will be clear though. I'm still not 100% convinced that the Storm are back. But I tell you what, they took a massive step towards being back. And the growing animosity between these two clubs, I think it just got even bigger. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm not 100% convinced the Storm are back. I think they've got three really tough games coming their way. I think they've got the Broncos this week at Suncorp. Then they go to the Roosters and then they finish with Paris. So uh, I'm very keen to watch them over the next few weeks. Just on what you said there, I wish the NRL would play this game round one. It feels like the last three years, whenever this game comes, it's just injuries galore. Mm. I feel like I haven't got to see a proper Penrith-Melbourne storm For a while, since yeah. the grand final, essentially, or mm. since, since the finals last year. Um, I thought... Melbourne Storm's cover defence. Mate, that's the best defence I've seen all year. Do you remember two weeks ago we were sitting there watching the left winger, I can't remember who it was, and he was backtracking a metre and a half into his in goal. He and we slid just going, yeah. into his in goal. Like, I was just sitting there going, I have never seen that from them before. The The defence they came out with the other night was sensational. And, yeah, obviously Penrith, they're, they're missing troops and whatnot. I think Penrith still would have scored three to five tries against any other team. Any other team. And I understand, like, people are like, oh, they they looked like, uh, you know, they had no direction and the halves, this, that, and the next thing. Like, to a degree, yes, but it was the Storm's defence that hold it. There were a million times where an incredible play was done by Appy or Isaiah Yo that the Storm just held them up before the line. Like, yeah, I don't I don't subscribe to the idea that, that Penrith were just terrible and the Storm just got lucky it was there was two or three times where i thought brian Toto was going to score there was yep. a couple of times where i thought isaac tungo was going to go through like there were so many opportunities in melbourne just it was that old melbourne storm where you go where are these bodies coming from yeah where are they all just appearing from so yeah i'm with you i'm not convinced they're 100 <laughs> back but uh it's a good little warning signal to send out they had the ball 70 percent in storms in 
70% of the ball was Jeez. in Storm's end and they managed to hold them to nil. An incredible performance. Um, oh, fuck, I forgot what I was going to say. Timmy, what do you reckon? Yeah, I think Craig Bellamy deserves a lot of credit for, for his team decisions for the 17 that he ran out for this one. We've been probably a little bit critical at times this season, particularly in the last month or so with Melbourne, that their packs just lacked a bit of mobility and they've picked some obviously very good players in that pack, like starting with like Josh King and a few other big boys. But it's been too immobile. Mm. Finally, he brought Brandon Smith, who obviously had that suspension a few weeks back, but into the starting team. Tui Kamikamitho, who I think has been excellent in the last couple of rounds. They're two that I think immediately bit more agility in and around the ruck, particularly with Brandon Smith playing 54 minutes. Uh, that made an enormous difference. He avoided the temptation to put Cam Munster back into the halves, despite Jerome Hughes going, uh, being out this week. Could have easily put Meany back to fullback. Yep. It made sense. No one would criticise it, whatever. He said, nah, Munster was unreal at fullback last week. I'm going to stick with that and go with Meany and John's in the halves. Yep. Big decision. And it yep. paid off, obviously, big time. And the other one there, which... I may be wrong with, but I was surprised when Nofaluma and Coates came back together last week, obviously Nof with his first game at the club. They played on different edges to what they normally do. Um, so uh, Coates ran out on the right with... Right? Yeah, with Nofaluma yeah, on, yeah, on the left. Yeah, with on the left. Now, Nof played nearly all his time at the Tigers on the right wing, uh, and then Coates spent a lot of his time on the left. Mm. So he switched them around, and my, my theory to that one is just that Look, Coates isn't the best defender in the NRL, but I think his reads are decent enough. You know, physically, maybe not the best at times, falls off the odd tackle, but Noffa's read isn't fantastic in defence. Mm. We've seen that for a few years now. Yep. He swapped them edges for when Coates came back uh, onto that storm right edge, which has been really, really poor defensively this season. Mm. And I think that shored that up a fair bit. Um, yes, yeah, so I, I think I think Bellier got his decisions 100% right with that. You now add Jerome Hughes back into this team. Hopefully this week, but if not this week, it'll probably be the following week. Uh, yeah, looking all right. Just on that, well, Craig Bellamy did too, playing Nass out on the edge. Mm. Imagine Nass being was... Sean O'Sullivan and showing up and then yeah. fucking you're, you're expecting a you know to give away 20 kilos to a back yeah. rower and all of a sudden you're giving away 40 to Nelson. Nelson was is honestly probably the best game I've ever seen Nelson play. He was amazing. And they, they also put him on kick out mm. and did a wonderful job on him. How are them two boys colliding? Oh. Mate, seriously. Um, I think it is really interesting. I know you're not convinced, Guru, but I think there is a bit of a blueprint being built on how to handle the Penrith forward pack, and it's kicking early. Kicking early, you turn them around, and then when you're coming out of your end, a lot of side-to-side football. Um, I think the Melbourne Storm identified that. They identified it from New South Wales game, Queensland versus mm. New South Wales. I think they identified it. Cronulla did the similar situation. I know Cronulla ended up losing, but the first 20, Cronulla were just kicking early, turning them around. And, like, in the first half, Melbourne Storm kicked for 100 more metres than um, than the, the, the Penrith Panthers did. And I think that there may be a little bit of a blueprint being built on because when the Penrith Panthers get in their rhythm, I'm not sure if you guys agree, but I'd assume you would, they almost look like they're impossible to beat. Like yeah. you're, you're almost sitting there going, how are they getting off the line so quickly every single set? <laughs> they're, they're like quicksand. When, mm. the, like when you just start to lose it, you're gone. Yeah. There's, just, just, there's no way to recover yourself. You. They'll just strangle yeah. you. And so I think, again, now you know, Penrith will probably, you know, combat this you know they'll find a way to, to fix this but i do think there is something to be said if you go on to play the penrith panthers you spend the first half kicking on tackle four minimum every set and just kick chasing kick chasing to upset the rhythm to get their forwards to have to chase back come back out um 
and also, so their outside backs aren't there in time. So it's it's going to be interesting to see if we see clubs begin to look at the Queensland versus New South Wales game three, um, or even game one and three, and start to go, look, maybe we could take a few things from that. Dummy half kicks. I think Harry Grant kicked the most I've seen him mm. probably ever mm. kick. Um, I look at his, his metres for – and, like, Harry Grant is not a known kicker. We all know that. Um, Harry Grant, where is it? 167 kick metres. Like, not – I'd have to go back and look, but he had four kicks. I, I can't remember last time. He doesn't normally kick that He doesn't much, normally yeah. kick, and it's actually something that he's needed to work on in his game. And I know Smithy loves to be able to kick out a, a hooker because it just upsets rhythm. And also, they have to now constantly think, is he going to kick? Is he Like, look at Benny Hunt out of dummy half on the weekend. With that 20-40. So Harry Grant, this whole season, hasn't kicked over 100 metres. But in the last two weeks, 174 against the Titans and 168 against I'm a genius. the Panthers. I'm a genius. Yeah, and obviously <laughs> without his halves there as well, had yeah. to step up and kick a lot more. So yeah, Munster still kicked a lot though. He, Mun- he kicked Munster four. did nearly all their kicking yep. despite playing fullback. Yeah, he kicked for 489 metres, yeah. uh, 15 kicks. Cooper Johns, 8, 234 metres. Um, so it is interesting, whereas you look at uh, the Panthers – Essentially, Sean O'Sullivan kicked by himself. Now, Salmon had 79 metres and Sullivan had 18 kicks for 385 metres. So you look at that, like, it's not even close kicking metres. And I just think that that may be a way, if you look at the kick metres, like, you look at every other stat, every other stat. So Penrith Panthers had more run metres, they had more runs, they had more post-contact, they had way less line breaks, which is really interesting. They had uh, less... uh, Tackle breaks, but more kick return meters. Um, you know, so it's uh, what a game by the storm. What a game by the storm. The interesting thing now is, though, is like Munster, it's. I mean, I know when Pappy comes back, you put Pappy back mm. there, but far out, oh. he's good back there. He's so good back there. He has to play there for the rest of this year. Yeah, I, I know we so. floated a couple of weeks ago, and I stand by it. I think if they're going to win this comp, they're going to need something different. They've got mm. injuries, yeah. so they've got to take some punts. And once again, if I'm playing the Melbourne Storm and Cam Munster's named at six, I go, fucking beautiful. He's no. going to be on that edge. He's going to be sitting there. And I, I know he can still break me open, yeah. but I know what to expect. When he's at fullback, it's a fucking nightmare. Fuck, he is Just, a nightmare. Yeah. And on that, like as you said, kicking early, obviously they're, they're missing their fullback and one of their wingers, mm. but origin and against yeah. the Sharks. It's one of those things, if that is the way to beat them, have these teams revealed it too early? Yeah, it's a good point. That's a good point. Really good point because Penrith will have an answer for it. Like, they're not just a one-trick pony. They'll have an answer for it. I wonder what the answer is, though, you know. Do they yeah. also kick early and it's just a fucking a race to, for fitness? Whoever, whoever can go the longest with kicking early and kick chasing will get the win. Um, it, it reminds me. I'll never remember. I'll never forget after the Roosters Melbourne was that 2018 Grand Final. I think mm. it was. They spoke to and you know like Roosters just gave it to them in that game. They were all over them. And I remember Victor Radley did an interview after, and they said, "Oh, last time you played them, this happened." And he sort of said, "We knew how to beat them then, but we couldn't show them we knew how to beat them. <laughs> we had to wow. wait until now." Wow, that's fucking so hectic. It's so hectic. Um, so yeah, Storm. What? What? Just a. What a, a stamp on the organisation. Like this, just a reminder of, it is not an accident this club has been dominant for fucking 20 years. It's not an accident. They are an incredible club to go to Penrith. And, you know, there are going to be some people, and it may, may be Panthers fans, it may not be, that are going to go, well, they were missing Cleary, Luai, Bisher-Harris, Edwards, Kikau. But, you know, the Storm was still missing uh, Hughes, Pappy, Walsh, um, which are key players in their side. 
So when Bellamy came out a few weeks ago and said, I'm not sure if we can turn this around, we're running out of answers. Spare me, mate. <laughs> he knew exactly that they were capable of doing this to Penrith. Yeah, really, really impressive. I, I did not see this coming. I, I did not, especially the, the zero. Um, so really good. Again, I'm not 100% convinced that the Storm are back. No, I don't. But I do think that maybe Bellamy has identified, like maybe we need to go a little <laughs> bit back to that real gritty mm. style of rugby league um, to get the job done. Yeah. Well, and once again, just builds the narrative of uh, Dylan Edwards, doesn't it? Oh, mate. He's so they fucking just lose valuable. every time he doesn't play. Every time he doesn't play. They, it's like Cam Murray for the Rabbitohs, seriously. Yeah. Um, he just gets through so much work, so much work for them. Um, I, I, you know, well, let's get to the Penrith Panthers. Um, I thought Isaiah Yo and Api Korosau were fantastic. Mm. I thought Api Korosau was almost the difference. He was like really, especially in that first half when they're under the pump a bit. Every time he got the ball, he would have a half break or he put someone in a hole. Um, I don't think this is worrying signs at all for Penrith. Like, although I do think they still had a good enough side to beat the Melbourne Storm, and although I do feel like that they didn't play their best. Um, you, you cannot hide from the fact that they were missing, um, not kick out, they were missing, they weren't missing kick out, were they? No. Fisher Harris, sorry. Yeah. Edwards, Luai, Cleary. May. And May. May, I can cop a little bit because, you know, he's a rookie. So he's he, like. He's still unreal. He, he's out of still, he is. Like. But like, if you're, if you're leaning on the fact that your wing is gone, it's like, fuck. Oh, yeah, but, but you're, you're compounding that with. The best front row in rugby league, the best player in rugby league, premiership winning five eight. Like it, it adds. I, I I understand the argument. And I, I had a post the other day where I said, "Oh yeah, Penrith missing all these guys." Yeah, but Melbourne are too. I get it, but Melbourne aren't getting the vast majority of those guys back. Aren't or are? they? Aren't like like yeah? They'll, they'll get Jerome Hughes. They get Felice Kafusi. Mm. For me though, losing Nath, Jerome, Fisher Harris, Taylor May, Dylan Edwards. Like I, I, I think Christian, those, I don't know, I don't, I don't know. Christian Welsh is like a. But, he, but Christian Welsh isn't coming back. So as far as this finals race goes this yeah, year, they're not getting him back. But it's, they still aren't playing with him. Yeah, no, no, no. I know that. But in order for Melbourne to win this comp, they're going to have to beat this side again. Yeah, I, I think like we're more. Well, I don't know about them, but I'm speaking specific this game specifically. Like nothing before, nothing after. Of like best seventeen on the field. I think it was relatively even mm, for players okay. out. Okay. Like, because you've got Corfusi, Welsh, Luai, Papi. Um, who else? In, in, in a vacuum of this game, yes, I yeah. agree with you. But I just think long term, which was sort of my point during the week, that like this Penrith side is going to be completely different in three or four weeks' time. Oh, for sure. Like, that's the reason why they're favourites. Like, yeah. I think most people would agree that they're favourites to win the comp. Um, I, I, like, I just think that the game on the weekend. If you really wanted to like go through it, you could probably make a case for Penrith missing maybe one extra player. So you've got what, May? You've got uh, Luai, you've got Cleary, you've got Fisher-Harris. And Edwards. And Edwards. And then they had Welsh, Pappy, Hughes, Kofusi. Remus. And Remus. So it's probably even, mm. probably even. Um, so <coughs> that's where I feel like if you're if you're a Penrith fan and you're just saying, "Oh, we had all these players out," that's why we lost. I I actually think that it was relatively even in regards to players being out, and it was just a a great match from the Storm. It was a great match from the Storm. In saying all that, in saying all of that, I don't think Penrith have anything to worry about. We're talking about they lost six. They only had sixteen points, like put on them 
by a storm that, yeah, okay, the storm did give them quite a you know, few errors in key moments to give them a chance to score. But, like, if 16-0 to the storm is devastating, that shows you how high their standards are now, the Penny Panthers. I think Ivan Cleary would have been stoked. They needed a loss like this for sure. It's a good little... It's a great loss. Because it makes... The fact they didn't score a try, they're at zero. And, like, I don't know, was it you, were you saying you could go for a run or was it... Anyway, you know we're talking about going for a run? As in, like, going, not for a run, on a run. Um, I think they needed to lose a match. and I think they needed to feel a bit of pain to bounce, to go forward. Now, I know they'd lost to the Eels, but I actually don't think, in the grand scheme of things, this is a bad thing for the Panthers. Yeah, that, that, that was me, and that was before the injury to the halves. I, I thought they'd, I honestly thought they'd be okay, but now that it's here, I don't mind it. Yeah, it really isn't. Like, I think that... I will, I think, I almost would place my house on it. I didn't even own a house. But if I did, I would place a house on it that the Penrith Panthers boys are fucking fuming with that loss. Timmy, what do you think about the Penrith Panthers? Yeah, I wouldn't be too concerned, mate. As you said, you boys covered it pretty well. But any team missing their one, six and seven, uh, you know, the big boy James Fisher-Harris out up front. The one thing I will say is that we know so many games of football are won and lost in the middle of the field. That's where it starts. The pack was full strength outside of Fisher-Harris um, and they were dominated by Melbourne in this one. Um, but then you, you already spoke about, you know, missing Taylor May on the wing there as well, Dylan Edwards. For a game plan that's revolves so much around the yardage of your back three, they're missing <coughs> replaced with Taruva and Charlie Staines, who both ran for nearly 200 metres, but a lot of that was just dirty carries coming out of their end to like a relentless line speed from Melbourne. Um T- to be honest, I, w- I wouldn't be concerned at all if I was no, If they know these players are all coming back, yeah. Mate, fine. I was um, like, I know he had a, an error or two, but I thought Taruva was fantastic. Mm. Nearly 200 mm. metres in your debut game, six tackle breaks, which is equal most of anyone. I, I like, Taruva's going to be something special. I, I'm really keen to see where he ends up because he can't sit in reserve grade for much longer. He cannot sit in reserve grade for much longer. Do you think they keep Taruva? I, th- I think it more so comes down to if they keep Stephen Crichton or not. And what do you think they might bank on Taylor? Who would they play centre then, you reckon? Probably Taruva. If, if Stephen Crichton centre? go. Well, it, he's been playing a lot of centre down in cup the last few weeks. Oh, really? Yeah, That's which, interesting. which has surprised me. Because well, he's a fullback, isn't he? Yeah. Well, the last few years when I've seen him play, he's always been a fullback. He's mm. always been incredibly good there. But he has That's been jumping centre and stuff. That is from interesting. From what I've seen. I'm pretty confident on that, yeah. That is really, really interesting. Because, um, like, players, when they play New South Wales Cup, it's not just, like, willy-nilly. Like, the head coach of the NRL will often send messages down to the Q Cup coach or the New South Wales Cup coach and say, I need this rookie to play yeah. in this position because, as a club, this is where we're a bit light. Wow, that's interesting. Especially at the Panthers. Like, Ivan Cleary rings oh, him and says, hey, sure. you need to rest these <clears throat> nine dudes. I need them next week. So wow. it very much so works that so way. Do you think, so do you think Ivan Cleary sat there going, okay, we know Dylan Edwards is fucking tough as nail. He's going to play a lot of games of footy. But we also know Stephen Crichton can jump in and play fullback. So we, let's put Taruva at centre because we at least have one fullback in front of him, which is Crichton. Whereas right now, they probably have, I don't know of any backup centres they have outside maybe Jennings. Is Jennings still there? No, he's not still there. He's leaving next year. He's he's leaving next year. Yeah. Um, Sorry, so so just for context, his last one, two, three, four, five, six games in New South Wales Cup, he's played centre, fullback, centre, wing, (laughs) centre. That's interesting. Do you reckon that, like, 
Maybe we're reading way too far in it, into it. But do you reckon that is but preparation? The first ten weeks, he was the fullback. So do you reckon that is prep? That they're getting the feeling that maybe Critter, maybe. Ooh. It might just be also coverage for you know if there are any injuries or like getting yeah or. getting him ready for first grade like saying well we might need you on the wing, that's interesting. Um, outside of that, as I said, guys, like as Panthers fans, your standards are so high now that a loss sixteen nil to the Storm is devastating. That's incredible. Like it's almost a like you want to see your boys pissed off. You want to see them stinging. Like whereas you know Penrith from four or five years ago. If they lost 16 nil to the Storm, they'd almost be like, yeah, okay. Like, yeah, it sucks we lost, but it's not um, – we didn't get towed up. And so, yeah, I don't think there's much to worry about. Did it um, Did it surprise us that Penrith went for Charlie Staines at fullback instead of Critter to start the game? It surprised me, but I think that's because, like, who do they have ready to go in that centre position? Mm. Yeah, they sort of had to – it did it to me initially as well, but the more we speak about it, like, they just don't have the centres, yeah. do they? they did, and like Critter can be, he's so good in centre. Staines has also been picked at fullback ahead of uh, Critter at times in the last mm. couple of years. So we've seen probably Critter more recently, but yep. for the team set up, it made probably I mean, you, you could have picked Taruva at, at centre. He's obviously been playing there a bit in Reggie's. Charlie Staines on the wing. Mm. Quite an, I, I, I think they could have made it work, to be honest with you. So I thought it was interesting. And put Staines on the wing, Taruva yep. at centre, Crichton yep. at fullback. But do you think that's too many rookies in your front line? Yeah, quite possibly. Yeah, because I do know like a lot of coaches are very reticent to go, like put put rookies in really important positions. It would have also meant that he would have been defending Justin Olam, Ooh, that's which fair. he really wouldn't have wanted to do. And Critter's defense on the weekend, I thought he made some pretty good, some really good tackles. Um, yeah, like is there much to say? I mean, I, I I don't think I just think that the goal line defensive storm was just another level. Like mm. I thought they did create opportunities. It's, it's a really weird one because, like, if you took the score out of it and you just looked at stats, you'd say great win by the Panthers. Like, great, great win. Like, they got the most metres. They had the – like, outside of the line breaks, obviously. But it's not like they were just completely dominated in every asset mm. of the rugby league game. So, yeah, there's, there's really not – I mean, Sorensen came on and fucking ripped and teared as he always does. That's uh, really interesting. People were a bit, a bit concerned about Liam Martin getting injured. And being out for a prolonged period of time, I think Scott Sorensen on the edge there. I think he might go alright. He doesn't want to start him. He, like, it, yeah, no, he hasn't he, said that, but he goes so well off the bench. Yeah, well, every time that they they're missing their back rolls and whatnot through Origin, they they'll bring in. So Chris Smith, when Kikau was out a couple of weeks ago, mm. Smith came in and started on the edge, and Sorensen kissed out on the bench. <clears> now Smith was dropped to New South Wales Cup this week. But there's every chance he comes back in and starts on the edge again with Sorensen. It just shows how highly he thinks of Sorensen yep. as an impact roller. It's almost like a compliment to Sorensen because yeah. you're like yeah. you're so important mm. to the side. But I think he might be forced to put him there. I, I don't. I like we've all sat here every week and gone Scott Sorensen off the bench because he might be one of the best bench players mm. in the comp. But I, I I would be tempted to give him an opportunity to just Surely. the next three or four weeks to see what he can do starting. So yeah, wouldn't be stoked about it, Luke Garner. Yeah, that's true. That's they'd true. be looking at going, hopefully that's my jersey next yeah. year. And if Sorensen gets an opportunity, he's going to kill it. I think he'll go well. Yeah. Give him uh, – and, like, don't just give him one week. Give him three or four weeks to build a combination. And in saying that, it's almost a bit unfair to put him in there because he's going to be going in there with two halves that are, you know, not the main halves. So he may not get as much good ball as <coughs> Luai is going to deliver to kick out or Lick Cleary to Martin. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I like, I, again – Storm were almost playing, had everything to play for. What did Penrith really? And I know people don't like to hear this, but like 
what did they really have to play for? They've pretty much won the comp minor premiership. They played really well last week. Um, you know, I did see some comments about people, you know, having issue with the way Sean O'Sullivan and, and Salmon played, but I think I don't, I don't think they were that bad. Like, yeah, okay, there was a bit of directionless. We're talking about two guys here that have barely played any NRL. Right, Salmon hasn't played as a half in two years. Yeah, he's so been training to be a back rower. Like, well, I, yeah, I, I, I think Kurt Falls has to come in for Salmon and mm. Salmon played oh, in that bench sure, role. Like, for sure. So he's been named on the extended bench two weeks in a row now. I he's don't, just come back from injury. He is, yeah, yeah. yeah. So did he, do we know if he played New South Wales Cup on the weekend? Not sure. Might have been he. So he's got to be very close. So I wouldn't shock to see him named in the halves this week. But like, for example, Sean O'Sullivan, like granted, yep, a few kicks didn't go as well as they did last week, all that kind of stuff. He played really well the week before. But they still got themselves in a position mm. to to score tries. And what's what's the seventh role? It's to lead his team to around the park to get them in attacking zone. And then, you know, okay, the last blow wasn't there, but I don't think he was as bad as some people, I guess, Penny Panthers fans are kind of saying. Uh, Falls played reserve grade on the weekend. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so yeah. I'd, I'd assume he'd be there. Salmon, he'll take Salmon's spot yeah. next week. Um, so all, all I would say with the Panthers fans is just be, be a bit patient with Sean O'Sullivan. Like, you have to remember he's played, like, what, five or six in a row games? Like, yep. since he's been at Penrith. Be patient. He's proven he can do it. He had three tries this last week. He did lead the boys around the park enough to get them in good field position. Um, outside of that, something I, I'm a bit not concerned about at all, but I, I, it made me wonder. Spencer Linu, he hasn't really mm. – has he – like, I honestly – the impact he brings is fucking incredible off the bench. And maybe Ivan Cleary loves that, but I just don't think he's... It doesn't seem like he's been given the next opportunity that you would assume of a guy with his talent and so young. It almost feels like to me that Matty Eisenhuth might have jumped the queue a little bit there. Mm. It, it, it's very similar to Scotty Sorensen in that every time they have these outs over the origin period... He ne- he's never tempted to start uh, Lenu. He oh sorry, he's done it at times, but that's mm. when there's been other injuries and origin yeah. outs and sort of things. But just loves him in the impact role off the loves bench, him. and Eisenhuth always starts above him when yeah. above him when available. But the, the reason why I ask is like Spencer Lenu, super young, super like his future is extremely bright, and I wonder whether like if you give him those runs early, it's going to help him long term. He's played more than 33 minutes once this season. He played 41 minutes against the Knights in round 14 when, from memory, they rested plenty of players. The, the origin contingent maybe, round 14, or did they back that, up? No, sorry, that was against the Tigers they rest heaps of players. Okay, so Knights they might have. Well, yeah, he played 41 minutes in round 14. Outside of that, hasn't played more than 33 minutes in a game. Yeah, interesting. I mean, maybe they're just being really patient with him, you know, because Fisher still has plenty of footy, Leota still has plenty of footy, but he's the heir apparent, I'd assume, at that mm. club. Like, he is the... When Fisher retires, I assume he's going to be the guy. I mean, it could be wrong, but... I mean, the last three weeks, he's played 14, 11, 19. That's what I mean. It's, 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 it's a bit... I hadn't really picked up on it, yeah. Wow. And he's played 50 NRL games. So, That's, uh, and he, like, he, I'm pretty sure he was represented New South Wales, I think. Can you check? Like, he is a fucking gun coming through, mm. like, well, the you, main guy. You saw it in the finals last year. Like, when he came, he came back to replace Tavita. Tavita, yep. And he had huge impact in that Melbourne, in that Melbourne game. And really interesting. Maybe he's carrying injury or. Yeah, he played like Origin 20s and, and all that jazz. Yep. Did he play for Australia or for, for New Zealand? Uh, Apologies if he's not from New Zealand. Um, as in, doesn't have heritage there. Uh, but yeah, Spencer Lino has just been a bit... Because like last year, 
I, like honestly, with the trajectory he was on last year, I was like, this guy might sneak into a Origin squad mm. in the next twelve to twenty-four months. Well, for, for Freddie was talking about him last year, wasn't he? Yes, he was actually. I think he was. Actually, he played for Samoa this year. Okay, and he was born in New Zealand. So okay, but grew, um, up, but grew up in Penrith. So. Was it Leota that he was talking about, Freddie, or was it Leonu? Leota, Leota was it? Okay. Um, anyway, it, I just, it was just something that I've noticed over the last few weeks, him getting less and less minutes. When you think at a time when they kind of need, like Fisher-Harris being injured, you'd mm. think he'd get quite a few minutes. But um, again, not a concern, just a, something that stood out to me that I was a bit uh, just pondering about. Um, outside of that, look, Toll runs for 193 metres, Crichton 186. Like literally all their outside backs ran for more than 150 metres, which is super impressive, super impressive. Charlie Staines, 21 runs. Taruva, 23 runs. To'o, 23 runs. Crichton, 20 runs. Tungor, 18 runs. Hasn't Tungor just like, he's a victim of his own quality? Like we're talking about a rookie here and he plays so good every single week. We just go, oh yeah, boom, sweet. He's in his rookie year essentially. Like he played what, four or five games last year? And he's come in, nailed down that spot, delivers every single week. Very rarely is he run less than 180 metres. If that was a centre at any other club, we'd be sitting there going, fuck. But because it's the Penny Panthers, we go, oh, yeah, sweet. And, yeah, he played his four or five games last year. They were in the back row. Yeah, off the bench. On the other side of the field. Yeah, so impressive. And he's just getting started too. So nothing to worry about, Penny Panthers fans. Um, I just cannot wait for these guys to meet again. Ooh, it's getting real spicy between them. Week one of finals. Oh, yeah. Ooh, could you imagine week one of finals? (laughs) Oh, shit. The chat will come out. Another thing will drop about, you know, this ex-player thinks this and fuck, it'll be great. Um, I, I will say I, I would be concerned playing Penrith next week because they're going to be up for it for sure. Ricky Shield will be free that weekend. We might fly him up, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, eh? We'll see. <laughs> Early days. Oh, that hurt him. That hurt uh, him. Got him right where it hurts. I was actually going to say as a side note, big news in the, uh, the bloke studios. New chairs and <laughs> radio, they're, 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 they're comfy, but old Matty over there constructed them. My elbow's getting an absolute dream run. Just getting a rest here. Guru over here working his ass off. Your your arms are down there, mate. What's I like to on? lean. I'm a leaner. Oh, are these are these not adjustable? Oh, no. They must. You must have just. I, screw, I just screwed him in. I don't know. Yeah, mate. I'm cruising here. What? What are you oh, doing? Oh no! no here we go. Boom. Uh, oh go. shit! Man, I'm relaxed as shit. Guru, you you just hit. I'm a table leaner. You're yeah, working too hard there, mate. Enjoy the luxury. That is luxurious, yeah, isn't, good, it? isn't it? Ooh. It'll force me to like, not slouch as well. Yeah. Fuck yeah. We'll see how long Guru goes before he stops being proud and uh, yeah. lifts Arrogant. the bar like Ego. Rest. Just, mate, just put your elbows down, mate. Yeah, welcome <laughs> back <laughs> to the number one sports podcast <laughs> in the country. <laughs> um, okay. The Warriors. Let's go on Warriors, baby. They're back. Premiership. Honestly, they could win a premiership this year. Seriously, that's how fucking... They're, they're back. <laughs> the boys are back. Mate, how good. Warriors fans, so happy for you guys. Seriously, big win at home. SJ, vintage SA, dummy year, dummy there, try time, baby. Um, mate, the Warriors looked great. They looked great. Uh, interesting, though, like, did, so did Curry end up starting or did he come off the bench early? He didn't start, he did he? off the bench. Again, mm. he did get quite a few minutes, so 47. Um but look, what a, what a win. What a win. I thought Adam Fnor Blake was outstanding. Um, I thought uh, Assis uh, had some really good uh, like floating bombs in that. Um, 
Yeah, like what a win for the Warriors. After so much like, I guess, disappointment, they come out and they not just get a win against the Doggies, they towel them up. Um, what about Watani Zelezniak's intercept flying down the wing? Um, yeah, like I'm just – it's weird because like you watch them last week and you go, what is going on there? Then they come out this week, Tohu Harris, 234 metres, 33 tackles, only one miss. Fenor Blake, 200 metres, 18 tackle, no misses. What a win for the Warriors. Is this – obviously it's not – we're not going to sit here and say, oh, the Warriors are back and, you know, this and the next thing. But is this – like, obviously it's good signs, but can we take a lot out of this victory or were the Bulldogs just pretty poor? Guru. Oh, fucking enjoy it for what it is, Warriors fans. Yeah. It's been a tough two years. Enjoy the win. Um, I thought they played well, you know. I don't think Canterbury were fantastic, but to win in the NRL, you have to play well regardless. So, um, yeah, I don't know if it changes my opinions on where the Warriors are heading as mm. far as the next few years, but definitely a positive, a good win. Great to see it at home. You mentioned a couple of guys there. Ed Cossey, um, we sat here 14 weeks ago, I think it was now, when he played the Melbourne Storm, and I think Xavier Coates scored five tries on him. He had an absolute shocker. He was dropped, came back. Um, I, I had some numbers that I posted the other day. In the first four games, he had one try and one line break, and he broke three tackles. Over the last four weeks since he's come back, he scored seven tries, had nine line breaks, and broken ten tackles. Crazy. What an improvement out of nowhere. Yeah, and it like just shows you that whether it's the right environment or whatever, like he is the same bloke he was 14 weeks ago. Yeah. He's physically the same. He's everything's the same. The only difference has changed is his probably his confidence. And now he's he's outstanding for him. Outstanding. Big body, plenty of potential. Oh man. I, I didn't even think he's reached close to his potential. Uh yeah, I agree. So good to see because you're right. That game was like you were sitting there going, I feel sorry for this poor Yeah, player. and like it's great to see he's turned it around. But like honestly, I would say it was probably one of the worst performances I've seen by an individual. It was tough to watch. Like <laughs> it was tough. You just to saw watch. his confidence was shattered after twenty minutes. Yeah. And then it just got worse and worse and worse. And like everyone around him didn't help him because they yeah, were all exactly playing right. yeah. as well. But so. because it was Xavier Coates marking up against him and made him him look like a fool. Mm. Um but yeah, good on him for going away, working on his working on his game and come back and doing what he's doing is great. In such a short time too, because like usually that can decimate a season. They have to go away, have an off-season, get their heads right. They come back ready to go in the preseason. He's done it in, what, you know, 10 weeks or so. Warriors fans are calling it Cossie's Corner now. <laughs> oh, mate, yeah, good. Cossie's Corner. And he has got so much potential, seriously. Um, outside of that, yeah, Toho Harris, far out. What a knock. And Adam Fenor Blake, just reminding everyone, like, he is a premier front rower, seriously. Um, but my man of the moment, uh, well, two men of the moment, SJ, Incredible. But Josh Curran, fuck, he's he, like, I just love the way he goes about his work. I love the way he goes about it. So much passion, gets in everything, works his ass off. Uh, Timmy, what do you think about Warriors Bulldogs? Yeah, I mean, to state the bleedingly obvious, it's funny what a home crowd can do for you, isn't it? Yeah. Just to see them get up and we saw them knock off the Tigers first game back there and then a good win on, win on the weekend. Now, there's not shouldn't be any disillusions. Like, the Bulldogs were very ordinary, but... They beat them well. Uh, it was a very – they looked good in attack. You mentioned the halves. SJ wound the clock back a little bit, and I thought he was fantastic. That was even before he scored that, really wound the clock back with that try. IGL was good to watch. Yep. But Dion Arcee was really good. Um, so said, there is a bit of life in the Warriors from that game going into next year, hopefully – well, not hopefully – with the, the home ground back. The one – and I don't want to take attention away from the Warriors win too much, but 
sort of been waiting for you weeks to say for the Warriors to win and to get the timing right. But I, I think Reese Walsh is a star. Mm. Like, we know he's good. Yeah. We know he's a very talented footballer. But what he's been able to do for the Warriors in a tough few seasons for them, I just think him going to Brisbane next year, we're going to see one of the next stars of the game. And, you know, people say... No shit, Sherlock. Like, yeah. we watch footy. We know he's good at footy, but I think he's next level. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, Brisbane will be so excited to have him coming. Um, but, yeah, the Warriors, the, the, the one, six, and seven were so good together in this one. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was, would be very excited for those those boys on the weekend. Yeah, Reese is going to be a big, big loss for him next year for sure. No doubt about that. Um, it, and it just shows you the power of a home, like a home game. Mm. Because, like, they just you can just jag one every now and then you just get it because it's a home game and the crowd gets behind you the the atmosphere is there whereas when you have like no home games put it this way imagine how many games they would have jagged last year if they had have had you know eight home games or something because they weren't playing bad footy last year it just you know they'd lose by you yeah. know two here four here sometimes the home crowd and that atmosphere is worth 12 points yeah, yeah. like it really can be um, it sounds a bit bizarre to say, but it, like, it's just the vibe of it and everyone getting on board and the feeling of it. And so just so good to see. And also, how good is it just to see, hear the drums beating? Oh. The, it's just Mount Smart. It's fucking great. I love it. Um, yeah, so like the, the problem is I, I would still say though, I would still say I, I think that they need to still recruit a little bit or hopefully unearth a few local juniors because I just don't know whether they're going to be competitive for the eight next year with this squad or well, with the squad that they're going to have next year it'll be interesting to see what this COVID period the impact it has on them and their junior development because mm. uh, obviously the team hasn't been there for two years or whatever um, I, I hope it doesn't have a big impact but it's it probably worrying. Will. it probably yeah. will like how, how can it not you would have to assume it you know will, what yeah. two and a half years of like no contact no with the first grade yeah like fucking hell it's got to have it. like think about that's two years of like crazy talents that could have probably been poached to union like and the other thing about it is too that during a lot of that period like the other clubs haven't stopped their scouts over there no like i, I know the roosters have like but they've got an under 16 squad over there of about 15 kids that train twice all yeah week, like. smart and every club would be a lot of the clubs would be the same and that's where like i feel like I, you know i bring it up a lot so i apologize guys but that's where i feel like the nrl should step in and like give some kind of incentive for the Warriors to just get all those players. Like we, we want to create, we want to bring in another team and we want it to be in New Zealand. So why are we allowing clubs to just continue to go in and just pick all the best players out and bring it to Australia? Now I, I get the argument that's like, well, you know, why are the Warriors getting extra help and no one else isn't, but surely everyone can see it's best for the game if the Warriors are going well. We're never going to expand if they don't go well. We're never going to expand. And also, like, the Warriors, it's it's a blessing and it's a curse because they're called the New Zealand Warriors and they, above anyone else, any other team, have the added pressure of they should be playing Kiwis. Like, it's because New Zealand Warriors represent the country. Whereas, like, the Brisbane Broncos, like, does anyone care that much if we have 17 players and only two are from Brisbane? No, no one really... The Melbourne Storm, no one cares that they're not from Melbourne. It's it's an added pressure. Whereas New Zealand have to go, we need most of our team to be Kiwis because that's it's it's a part of the culture. It's it's representing the country. And so the NRL needs to step in and go, well, if you have that added pressure of the fact that you are the New Zealand Warriors and most of your team should be Kiwis. No, I mean, it, look, they could go out and just recruit anyone, but then would they lose their DNA as a club? I'm not sure. 
the NRL should, I believe the NRL should step in and go, here's extra money in regards to development. We want to build a centre of excellence, whatever it is, just to create a pathway to keep other clubs from coming in and taking all the good players. And it makes it tough. Like I remember talking to Peter O'Sullivan when he was there and they, they had a six-month battle with um, with Rugby Union over there to get um, Eli Katoa. And they finally won it and they had yeah. him and he just said, this this guy, he's very talented, do, do this, do that. Melbourne just go... Well, thank, thank you. you. It's crazy. It's, and so, like, and in five it, years' time, we're going to be talking. Eli Katoa, I'm sure, I'm sure he's going to do well at Melbourne. Oh. And we're going to we're going to praise Melbourne. We're going to say all these things. But it was the Warriors that pulled him away from. Like, imagine trying to convince someone to move away from the All Blacks, all Blacks. to the New Zealand Warriors. Hundred percent. He's spot on. It was also the Warriors who didn't want to play him in their seventeen. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, for yeah, sure, yeah. for sure. But let's say it's like a it's a chicken or the egg thing because let's say okay, put it this way: look at the New Zealand side on paper. Would you say it's as good as Australia? You're pretty bloody close. Pretty to bloody it. close. Yeah. Would you say it's as good as Australia? Yeah. How many play for the Warriors? Didn't they have in the Torhu? If if he makes it, like he might yeah. be off the bench. Yeah. Did, when we had Rep Brown, New, the New Zealand Kiwis did not have a Warrior in their team. That's what I'm saying. DWZ yeah. or was he? No, they, they didn't have a warrior. Yeah. Maddie, can, can you do all that? I'm sure it's That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So oh, we've I'm got, with you boys for sure. Yeah. Like, give them the extra money to find the grassroots and the development. Yeah. Because 100%. In, a, in a perfect world, most of the Kiwi side should have New Zealand warriors in it. Yeah, be great. And, and the, it's, just, it's, it's, un, it's not unf- like I understand the argument of like, how is it fair that the warriors get extra you know, funding or whatever? But it's just a bizarre world where the New Zealand national team mm. Doesn't have a single New Zealand war- New Zealand Warriors doesn't have a single player in these. So that if there wasn't evidence that that 16, 15 other clubs aren't going into that backyard and taking their best, I don't know what is. Melbourne had five that game as well. Yeah. So, and, uh, yeah, and then it's like after spending two and a half years basing themselves in Australia, because the fear is obviously, as you mentioned, the pushback from other clubs saying, well, why don't we get this extra funding? But after what they've done the last two and a half years, now's the time to do it because other clubs yeah. be look very uh, petty to come to come back and say, don't give it to them. Like, Absolutely. They deserve it. Absolutely. So do it now. Do it now. And also the other reason you can put in there is like we're trying to put another team in mm. New Zealand. How are we going to be able to field another team when the team already here is – you know, struggling at the bottom of the table and has been struggling for quite a while. So, and that's the other thing. Like, if you're if you're a 16 year old playing in New Zealand and you know you got the Warriors after you, or you've got one of these other teams like the Roosters, for example, they they're Harold Matson SG Ball. They fly over two and three kids to play in those games. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And if you're one of those kids, like, of course you're going to go there because then every other scout's going to see you as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's just they need to do something. They need to do something, in my opinion. It's it's. It, I just think it's unfair. It's not. <laughs> It's not unfair because it's part of the game, but I do think it's a, it's a we're in a bad spot as a game when the New Zealand side has no New Zealand Warriors players. I think that we've taken too much from New Zealand and not given enough back to them. Um, and I grant it, it's an Australian competition, I get all that, but everyone t- talks about we want to expand, we want to grow. This is how you grow. This is how you grow, giving pathways to players in developing areas that we want to get into. Like, we're never going to be able to beat the All Blacks if we don't put money into it. And if you refer back to the rich list, they were right at the bottom as well. Right at the bottom. Mm. So, and that, that, but that's the thing. Like, I, I, I get the argument of, like, we shouldn't give them more money to be able to bring people over because that will unbalance everything. But they should be given some kind of allowance for juniors because, as I said, they're the only club, in my opinion, in my opinion, that has 
a massive weight of we must play New Zealand players. If there was all like different culture players that come and played or whatever, people would the, the fans I would feel wouldn't feel represented by who they are. It's like let's just say a team was called the Australian the Australian Titans or something. And and they all they were, let's say they were called the Australian Titans, and fifteen were Kiwis and two were Australians. As Aussies, we'd be sitting there going, oh, "Hang on a sec, mm. like that doesn't represent Australia." There. Anyway, mm. so that's my thoughts, guys. Could be wrong, could be wrong. I just think as a game, we need to to look into something like that. Um, not extra money for salary cap, but I just mean extra money for development to to combat the fact that, that all their best players get taken. Plus, not only do they get taken by the NRL, they get taken by the All Blacks as well. Yeah. Oh, there's always the you know obviously next team we're gonna next year we're gonna have an uneven amount of teams and there's the 18th team thrown around to come in. New Zealand's always thrown up. That'd do the Warriors in, I think. But I think it's a it's almost like not a certainty, but it's a pretty sure thing they go in New Zealand. Fuck! Imagine if you were the Warriors though, just going. We're fucked. We're already competing with all of you that send your scouts over here. And the All How Blacks. How the hell are we going to compete with another side? Yeah. And the All Blacks. They're competing with one of the most well-known teams in sport. Period. Like. They need some help, in my opinion. They really do. Um, so, great win from the Warriors. Great win. Uh, now on to the Doggies. I, I reckon I reckon Doggies fans should be pretty disappointed with this. They've made so much progress over the last few weeks. So much progress. And they come out and get absolutely put to the sword by a Warriors side. That You know, it wasn't like the Warriors side was breathtaking or anything. The Doggies just, just didn't turn up, unfortunately. Um, look, is it panic stations? No. Are they back to where they were, you know... A few months ago, no, I don't think so. But I think it is a little warning sign to them, boys. We have to keep these standards, otherwise, it's we're not that far away from where we were a few months ago. Um, you know, outside of that, I thought uh, the intercept try from Adokar was incredible. Watching him fly like that, um, Max King had a solid game up front. Uh, but uh, Raymond Fatella Mariner. Uh, he also had quite a solid game, but as a team, as a collective, like even Burton, Burton only kicked for 273 metres. Mm. He usually kicks for around 600 metres, five mm. to 600 metres. Just just a real down game from everyone. I think it might might have, I think they went over to New Zealand early. Maybe that had a, a bearing on it. They were over there for too long. The boys were a bit over it. I'm not, I'm not sure. Uh, what do you think about this game, Gurit? Uh, yeah, I thought Canterbury were pretty disappointing. I mean, you consider that, you know, they lost the first half. They were down like what eighteen six or whatever, and then they came out the second half and they lost the second half as well. They scored off an intercept, Flano crossed as well. So I don't know, it just wasn't much. I never felt like they were really in this one. And then when the Warriors, you know, the last ten minutes, they obviously really blew them out. Three try scorers there, but I never, never felt like Canterbury were in this one. By the time it from started. the from the essentially the first few sets, I didn't see the same Bulldogs that I'd seen. Even that, even their first try, it was uh, Valia that scored. Like the way that SJ held the ball up, the Canterbury line was just in disarray. Mm. Like, and they, they just haven't been like that the last few weeks. I I would argue the last six weeks they've played what I would call top eight footy. Yep. But this was uh, this was definitely back to bottom four sort of footy. Timmy, yeah, there's no way of sugarcoating it. Uh, pretty ordinary in this run, the doggies. But uh, like, I wouldn't be that concerned. As Guru said, six weeks worth of really really good football. Let's remember where they've come from the last couple of seasons. You know, it was only about five, six weeks ago that we were thinking 
their every chance to win the wooden spoon this season. They've turned it around. We look at the best sides in the competition. Mm. They have down weeks. Mm. Well, this is a side who was fighting for a wooden spoon a month ago. So, you know, I think one trip over the Tasman, one poor week, uh, it's very forgivable. As you said, you're right in the sense that, all right, we've had a good six weeks. Let's not let standards slip. But mm. I think one, you know, if, if it happened two weeks in a row, then I'd be worried. But one week, like, it happens to the best of the best. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Like, very, very disappointing. But it's not like, oh, fuck, the season's, you know, we're back where we were and all that kind of carry on. I think it's still exciting times with the Bulldogs. I think they've still got such a bright future. And I think I still believe I will be surprised if they're not battling for the top eight next year. And it's so hard for a side to get up every single week if they're playing for a minor premiership, top four or top eight. They're in this little section now where they're playing for nothing, yeah. really, except for pride. Mm. And they've done it for so long. So yeah. that is hard to get up for week in, week out. Probably a good little transition, but obviously Canterbury, I would say, you know, that's their, that's probably, for me, their most disappointing performance of the season. Mm. In, it, I don't think it's their worst, but, but disappointing. disappointing. Yeah. Considering where they've come over the last six weeks and what we expect from them now, then obviously we'll get to Parramatta in a second. That's their, by far and away, their most disappointing performance of the season this weekend. They play each other next week. Oh, really? 3pm Saturday. It's not good for the dogs. Because Eels will probably be angry. I, I've never been more sure of an Eels premiership. <laughs> it's not bad. Every single week now, oh, you still think the Eels will win a premiership? First of all, I never said they will win the premiership. <laughs> I said they're a chance to win the premiership. And you know what? It was halfway through the season. I said, regardless of how they go, the rest of the year, good or bad, as long as they make the eight, I still think they can go on a run, potentially in with a premiership. Not fucking definitely win it. Um, but anyway, back to the doggies. Like, yeah, look, I, I Kires had some really good moments. Um, I love Shop's aggression. I really love his aggression. Um, but it's not, it's not really much to take out of this game because it was just a, a bit of a nothing game for the dogs. Mm. Like, they just didn't really seem to... They just didn't – I know it's the old cliche, they didn't turn up, but it really did seem like they just didn't have the same energy as they usually have each week. Yeah, I get a worrying vibe from a couple of teams that we might have a few more of these in the back end. As in oh, a few other teams? A few, Yeah, just a few games that are sort of going to be – as it always is at the back end of the season. Yeah, I reckon they should do what they do in Super League, um, have that million-dollar game or whatever, so they get all the teams that are basically either in the bottom eight or, or – or can't make finals. I think it's the bottom eight, whatever it is. And they play off for X shield or whatever. In and the I, finals or in the... Not, not in the finals. Like they play off in a, like a little tournament or something along those lines. So I, I, like, so it might be in the finals. So it might be in finals week. I'm not sure when it is, yeah. but it's basically the bottom teams playing for... It's just to make the bottom tier teams entertaining. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Imagine, if, imagine if like Bulldogs, Warriors, Tigers... Knights were actually playing for something right now. There would be some really interesting games. Whereas when they these bottom tier teams play, like it's kind of like they've got their promotion relegation <coughs> system where they drop the three clubs mm. uh, the bottom of the season because there's so many clubs and so much depth there. They can afford to sort of bring them up and down. Mm. Um, just very different system. But <coughs> I see what you're saying in that some incentive. Like there's something to like you know liven up that bottom yeah. end of the table. Like even if it was a million dollars for their development or something. something. Because like the good thing about that is if a bottom tier team wins it and then they could get to put, they have to put a million dollars into like development, not only is that good for their community, their area, but also it, it may be just the tiny injection they need to go into the top eight. Um, and I know it's like, you know, it's technically unfair, but in saying that, like the grand final winners, I know it's, they win 
barely any money, but they, they win a, some money, don't they? The grand final. So. 250K yeah. or something. Which is nothing when you think about it, yeah. seriously. Well, um, I think the the minor premiership's like 100K. It's so embarrassing. <laughs> like, that is, like, honestly, yeah. it's almost shouldn't even bother. Like, that wouldn't even be a day worth of organisation costs. Or maybe, maybe a day. Seriously, maybe a day. I'm trying to think. Well, what, it's half of a minimum salary for a player? Well, it's just under a minimum salary. Yeah. So you, you basically get... The 26 weeks of fucking mm, grueling. And yeah. you, you win the minor premiership. They've got a fixed start. But the problem is you don't want to give them too much because then they get even fucking better the next year. Um, That's a, I, you know, Obviously, when all that Melbourne storm happened 10 years ago and they said, we're going to take your minor premierships off you, I was like, <laughs> fuck, Who my cares? God. Here's no some loose cares. change. Yeah. Cheers. Um, but yeah, doggies... Nothing to worry about yet. You've done so well to turn it around. Great signing. Um, and Serraldo's coming. The, the greatest assistant coach of all time. Easy. Uh, really, you know what I can't wait for though? The excitement that it's going to bring next year. Like we all know Serraldo is, is at least a decent coach. Like I'm not sure how he goes as a head coach. It might be great. It might be okay. It might be bad. Whatever it is. But the excitement around the Bulldogs. It's going to be interesting regardless. Exactly. Like the excitement that it's going to generate for the doggies. And also that players turning their season around have, are going to add to that excitement because they're the ones that turn mm. the season around. And don't forget, guys, the dad drop is still live. The dad drop pre-sale is still live. Head to bloke.shop. You can choose one of grumpy dad, best dad, cool dad, Plus, you get a dad uh, stubby cooler for fifty nine ninety five. So we sold out of the, the packs. We sold out of that in like, I think it was nearly the first night we sold out of all the packs, which is incredible. Thank you so much. But we still have the shirts there. So the grumpy dad, the best dad, the cool dad, you can buy that individually. Or we've, we, um, we ordered more stubby coolers that should be with us soon because it's a pre-sale, obviously. So we had a cut, like time to do it. And so we've made it that you can get a good dad, best dad, sorry, Cool dad, best dad, grumpy dad. So one of those shirts and a stubby cooler for fifty nine ninety five. That's a bloke dot shop. We've got a, we've got other shops, uh, other shirts there too. We've got our our grey bloke shirt. We've got our black bloke shirt. We may have some hoodies left. So head out to bloke dot shop. You might find something that you really like. Uh, and if you've got a dad or you're a dad, spoil yourself. Grab a dad shirt or grab it for Father's Day, which is coming up in a couple of weeks. I think uh, September, early September, yeah. Father's Day. Early so perfect gift. Per fifty nine ninety five. You get a shirt. You get a stubby cool that says "Dad" on it. Perfect gift. Uh, also, grab a case of bloke in a bar from your local. Boom! There it is. The original bloke. Perfect beer for watching the footy. Now we are in every single celebrations. Bottle O, Porter's Liquor, and IGA Plus Liquor in New South Wales and ACT. So if you are listening to this right now, you live in New South Wales or ACT. If you've got a celebrations or Bottle O near you, or an IGA Plus Liquor. Head in there, they will stock bloke in a bar. Or if you're in Queensland, we're in every single celebration superstore. Or you can go to blokeinabar.com, you use our store locator, you put in your postcode, shows you the nearest stockers for even our midi or our original lager. So grab a case of the beautiful beer. And if you haven't tried it yet, if you haven't tried it yet, give it a try. It's a beautiful beer. The recipe was, we came up with the recipe with one of the best young brewers in the country. Like this guy is, he speaks at uh, beer events, some of the biggest beer events actually. And he come up with the recipe. So it's a high, high quality beer. It's not fruity. It's not hoppy. It's beer that tastes like real beer. It's beer for blokes that turn up, turn up for their family, mates, and good times. Uh, so turn up for a bloke in a bar beer. Now let's get back to the footy. Actually, let's skip this game. It was versus Rabbitohs, not important. 
Not important. <laughs> Not important. Roosters, Cowboys. What, what a match. Um, no. Eels versus Rabbitohs. Holy moly. Are the Rabbitohs back? Ish. They're a weird side. Were they ever out? For me, they were. Yeah. For okay. me, fucking like they were. Winning a comp, are you saying? Or? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, okay. That like for me, they were. For me, if you had a said six, no, maybe longer, ten weeks ago, for me, making the eight was a win. Now I'm going. Are they a bit of a smoky? Now I'm not saying they're one of the favourites at all, but I wouldn't want to play this team come finals. They're, I would not want to play yeah, them. I agree with you. I think they're going to be. You're going to want to avoid them come finals. They're just tonight. fucking. They just have these freaks of nature. Mm that can just turn games on their head when they want to. But they're a wild footy side because they started with a tough draw. They didn't do too well. Then mm. they had a soft draw. They didn't do too well. And now all of a sudden they got this tough draw and I'm going, oh, they're in a bit of trouble and they're doing heaps well. Six from seven. Six a- from and, seven. And the loss was only in Golden Point as well. Yeah. So six from seven, their only loss is to the Sharks by a point and Latrell missed three field goal attempts. Yeah. On top of that, they've beaten the Storm and the Eels twice in that run. So it's not like they haven't beaten top-tier teams. I, I, mate, I think Demetrio deserves a massive rap. Um, now, obviously, we have to wait till the end of the season. Mm. But it could have been a disaster this year. It's, it's the first club that Wayne Bennett has left that has continued finals footy pretty much, if they, if they do make it in the end. Thoughts, Guru? Yeah, I, I definitely think they will play finals footy. I just think they're on such a tear at the moment. I think there's other teams, like the team they played the other night, Parramatta, that are struggling so i think that they will play top eight footy this year can can they push for a top four berth matty yep. is, it, is yep. it possible what's absolutely storm is sitting on 30 they are sitting on 28 points and they're four and against don't you play Mel- do you play melbourne over the next three weeks no nah, but we play penrith uh this week penrith penrith then who, then cows roosters. penrith cowboys roosters so they're about 70 points behind storm so it's not it's not terribly bad Fuck, how good's that round 25 game going to be? Oh, fucking hell. Seriously. Seriously. It, it'll almost be like a grand final. And the, it's like it's already sold out. Fuck, I want to get to it now, eh? Oh, man. It's going to be mad. I want to go to it just to experience yeah, it. Just to be there. Yeah. Fucking hell. Um, I, I could be wrong, but hasn't it lined up to that I think the Swans are meant to have a home final that weekend? Is that right? Did I read that somewhere? Oh, so it, it could cool. potentially – you could have – 150,000 people at Fox Studios that night. It could be insane. Mate, it's, yeah, it's going to be incredible. Incredible. Yeah, no, I thought they were very, very impressive in this game. Uh, Obviously, Parramatta, far from their their best, but I don't know. I feel like Sassini would have beaten most teams the other night. They were really good. Just in good touch at the moment. And they just looked like the team of last year where they had this crazy line speed and Totola has gone to a whole new level. Like, to think a team... With Tom Burgess, would go as well without Tom Burgess, like as their main guy. I know he's still he's still to come back. He's serving his suspension, correct? Uh, so he served his suspension, but then he got injured. Okay. So he's, he's he's having like he, he was training today. I just read and on light duty, so he's no certainty to come back this like, week. It's even a groin la- injury. Yeah. Even last year, if you said to me they don't have Tom Burgess, I would be like, mm, I'm a bit worried that they won't get the go, go forward that they need. So it just shows you how far they've against come. Parramatta. I know. To toll Laurent for 200 metres. It's arguably the best pack on paper. Probably is. I, I, you know what? I'd go as far. If it's not, it's, it's one-off. When it's, it wants to be. Yeah, yeah, when it wants to be. Because, like, you look at it on paper. You've got Madison, Papali'i, RCG, Paolo, 
lane, lane that's in career best form. Like that that right there is like even you've got Leota, Fisher Harris, uh, you've got Martin, and then on the other edge you've got Kikau. I would probably say that the Eels might just have got Isaiah Yo. Maybe Isaiah Yo tips them over the edge a little bit, maybe. Mate, but I, it's I'd, I'd say that Lane's probably the most informed out of all of them. And like you, he'd probably be the last one I'd name. Yeah. Which is it's it just shows you how strong that four pack should be. But anyway, let's get back to the Rabbitohs. Um, yeah, thoughts about the game? Yeah, I, I, you mentioned Totola there. He's been incredible. I, I I saw your post the other day. He's just he's gone to a new level mm-hmm. over the last few weeks. Uh, and I agree. Six weeks ago, I was sitting there going, without Tom Burgess, they're in serious trouble here. Last two years, I've been sitting there going, they're short front rowers. Yeah, same. He has just come on. He's been incredible to Tola. Um, yeah, obviously, we're missing the halfback. Ilias was out of this game, so Hawkins came in. Thought he did a pretty solid job. Mate, they look the, they look yeah. the same. Yeah. They look the same. If anything, I, in periods, they kind of looked better. And, it's, again, it's, I'm not saying it's the Ilias <coughs> is the reason. I'm just saying, like, to lose your key seven and to look better, it's pretty impressive. I'll tell you the other thing, too. Like They've, lo- they've obviously lost Reynolds. They've lost Gagai. They, they, they've made up those spots. But I remember watching that grand final last year going – Blake Taff is going to be so important next year. Mm. They're not even using him. Yeah. Crazy. They've Crazy. got Nick Arima in the squad. They're not using him either. And mm. they're just, they're fine. Mm. It's really impressive. Seriously. Like, Cody Walker looks better. Damien Cooks looks better. Latrell, obviously. Cam Murray is just a beast. I think Jai Arrow's line running on the edge is, is so crucial to all their great players. Like, that line run, it's it's the do or die. Like, if you don't get that right, you don't hold the defence up and they don't have the space on the edge. Alex Johnson is continuing to score just try after try. Uh, Timmy, what do you think about the game? Yeah, there are a few examples on the weekend of, of I think, the, the class side starting to peak towards finals. And we know that um, this is the time of year that the good coaches start to get their sides up for. And when I say the good sides and the class rosters, it's these sides who have done well in recent years and do have the good rosters. And it's it's Melbourne lifting for a big game. It's the Bunnies and the Roosters lifting for really big games. Um, so I don't think the timing of the season is any surprise that they've all got up for it. Uh, and the Bunnies, uh, they were fantastic, weren't they? I mean, it's very hard trying to work out what sort of side they beat because you don't know with par and we'll get to them shortly. But, I mean, the Bunnies on what they've done the last six weeks, They've just flipped things on its head and you'd be brave. And I was with you, Campy. I'd sort of been pretty close to putting a line through in this mm-hmm. season. You'd be a brave person to rule them out based on what we know that they can do with ball in hand because their ball movement and, you know, we talk about Latrell's who finishes with a little tip on here. We talk about Cody who goes deep into line, but it all starts with Cam Murray in the middle. Yeah. And, and the amount of defenders he attracts and just the service he's giving, it all starts with him. So... From going from one side of the field to the other, they're just electric. Yeah. It's, it's what we saw last year. Yeah, it really is. Like, yeah. maybe they lack that little bit extra bit of class that Reynolds can obviously deliver mm. um, and Gago in the centres. But, like, I think um, I think Tass has been really good since he be brought back in. He, he came in, he had those errors. Then he's – since then, since he's been brought back in, he's been outstanding. 208 metres for Tass. One try assist, 12 tackles, only two misses. Um, and if you look at Tass as well, if you go back and look at the game, most of his runs would have been one off, the, like tackle one off the ruck, like Toto does. Like he oh, takes so many tough carries, so many tough carries. Like he, he's been outstanding. Uh, and we have to remember, Campbell Graham isn't in the side. We're talking about their best back, pretty much outside Latrell Mitchell. Due back this week with a bit of yep. luck. So that's huge for him. Isaac Thompson, he's been unbelievable. Where the fuck did he come from? Hey, I- 
great story on that one. So. Uh, one of my good mates, Nick Campton Journo, he put out a story on Thompson the last couple of days. He didn't play a game of footy for five years between 2017 and 2022. What? Yep. Hame Sele is a good mate of his, mm. and he got on the phone to him and sort of got chatting to him, started GMR, saying, mate, like, you're, you're a gun. We need to get you up moving. Uh, I think it was Demetrio and one of the other coaching staff at the Bunnies had coached him in lower grades, and they mm. sort of said, oh, yeah, sweet, like – Get him up and going. Let's bring him in for a pre-season on. I'm, I don't know the complete detail, but it would have been training trial at absolute best. Yeah, it was, it was training train train and trial. Training trial. Yeah. And he went from not playing a game of footy in five years to being in the NRL. So that's why he's come out of nowhere. Because yeah. he is a fucking beast. He's mm. massive. Mm. And like he... He looks like a veteran, seriously. Like he plays like a veteran. He doesn't look overwhelmed. He he takes the right hit ups. He makes the right calls in defence. Like I cannot, I just cannot believe this guy's come out of nowhere. Like nowhere, but not just come out of nowhere. Like he's come in like a veteran. Like when they said he was twenty four or five, I assumed that he had been this veteran playing in, in New South Wales Cup mm. and just grinded away and eventually been given his, his shot. But then I was like, how is that possible? A guy this good hasn't been picked up by another team that needs big, strong wingers. Mm. And I guess that explains it. Amazing stuff. Um, yeah, it's just... And then you've obviously got Johnston uh, who continues to score. I mean, he might be the greatest... I mean, he really might be the greatest fucking line winder in the world. I posted a thing last night about um, Sue Lee and, and Cobbo for the Australian team, and someone commented, "Why aren't we talking about AJ?" Mm. <laughs> yeah, fair, fair. Call. I mean, Why? he deserves to at least be in the comp. I just think maybe his carries out of the trouble aren't just comparable to the best and the best. Yeah, fair. But I mean, he's going to be the greatest try scorer of all time. Yeah, it's and a good we're point. not talking about him. Yeah. What What is with Rabbitohs and finding wingers that just can find the line, like Nathan Merritt? At the worst club, they were struggling so bad. He was like leading try scorer. Fucking. You've also times. got like, like a guy like Thompson. Like it's not the first time they've done this. Matty, who was the fella? Twenty was it Everingham. Yeah, Andrew Andrew Everingham. Like he came from. He disappeared into. I think he went to. He went Japanese to rugby. rugby yeah, something. Japanese rugby. Yeah. And then who who was your your centre you won the comp with? Of Dylan Walker and Kirisami Ava. Ava, like he came from nowhere as well. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's incredibly impressive. Yeah, I just. The, the Rabbitohs, are, man, I, if I'm being honest, at the start of the year, I just thought, man, the history of Wayne leaving and clubs, like, there's something going on here. Like, it's just not going to pan out. But, like, Latrell Mitchell, what, what he has done to this squad, the confidence that he's brought, but also the deliver and to deliver in the way he has. Uh, just, it's just, I just, the re- there's a reason why he's Latrell Mitchell. I think we kind of, because we're used to seeing him play now, that, we've kind of become, I guess, a bit desensitised to what this guy can do and we've just, we appreciate it, but we don't actually realise what we're witnessing in front of us. Like, we don't actually realise that here is a kid that is still only just turned 25, he's done everything in the game and he has still so much impact on a team that he can take them from, they'll be lucky to make the eight to literally some people going, fuck, I wouldn't want to be playing them in the finals. That's how good Latrell Mitchell is. We're scratching the surface as well, aren't we? Like, Easy. He's still so raw in his time at fullback due to all the games he's missed. It happened quite recently from joining the Bunnies. Like, I feel like there's so much more to come from Latrell at fullback. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Full, another full preseason under his belt, all the mm. fitness, everything like that. He just, he's incredible. Like, wow. How good is it for rugby league, whether you love or hate the Bunnies, 
just them firing at the moment. Like mm. with the history of that club, but more importantly, just as footy fans, they're such an exciting team to watch. Mm. So for them to come from the abyss and, and when we say the abyss and battling, they were always around the, the eight, weren't they? They yeah. had never went that dark, but to see them firing, I just, I really look forward to watching the Bunnies every weekend again. Yeah, absolutely. And especially considering that they're the youngest club at the comp. It's pretty incredible that they've been able to do what they <laughs> such did. such little time. <laughs> in such little time. <laughs> like to build such a heritage in such a short span, it's fucking amazing. <laughs> do you think the borough formed, what, 18 years ago? Oh, yeah, that's great. Like 18 years ago and they've put their roots this deep. It's amazing. It's All amazing. in the shadow of the roosters. So oh, incredible. Oh, okay, that's where I'm drawing Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, got him. There it is. Um, we actually, there was even some people that commented and said, "Hey, you can call my team shit. You can call the club fucking, but I will not fucking cop that they aren't the oldest team oh. in the comp." And this stadium war as well is just reigniting the South. I guess we could talk about it. So basically, South are without a stadium next year, and that's where I go. Like, whether you like rugby league or you don't like rugby league, and all, this is all jokes aside. The Rabbitohs are a foundation club in rugby league. Rugby league is a huge part of the community, but also the Rabbitohs, what they mean to that area is like, you can't put words to what they mean to that area, especially the area they're in. For them, the, the lack of respect for them as an organization, for them not to have a stadium for next year, for me is baffling. Like we're talking about, we're talking about an organization that has impacted people for what, a hundred years? And the rest. And the rest, yeah. what? 112? 112. How many other organizations still exist and have that so much impact in communities that are 100 years old? Like, it's, it's rare. Like, mm -hmm. they, they, usually, they usually kept around because um, it's a, more of a tradition to respect it. It was there, it was there before. We have something that is over 100 years old that still is a vital part of their area and they don't have a stadium yet it is totally bizarre to me it is and maybe there is more to it and maybe the rabbitos have done something like they didn't handle it properly but everything i'm reading is the rabbitos have continually asked what's going on and so could you give us more information on, on what's going on with the, the stadiums basically south were contracted to stay at a core stadium till 2030 but there was a clause in that contract to say if the um, renovation doesn't go ahead, we, we can leave that contract. Uh, yep. So basically the renovation didn't go ahead and now they want to go back to Allianz. And don't forget, they're at Allianz from 1988 to 2005. I'm pretty sure those, those are the numbers. So like they've been there before and before that they were in Redfern. So they've only been in Western Sydney since 2006. Um, anyway, basically they're like, well, we're getting out of this contract now. We want to play at, at the new stadium. And I think it's the New South Wales government that hasn't signed off on it. <clears throat> I don't know why. Maybe it's got something to do with this whole Volandis thing and maybe maybe they're like sales of collateral damage. I don't know. So so is this Roosters same stadium as Roosters? Yeah. Yeah. The new the new Alliance stadium. So does yeah. this do you think it has something to do with the fact that Roosters want to have it as their home ground? Hundred percent. Because Politis and that would wouldn't want South in there. So maybe they're they have a say to, to Volandis as well, but Surely the NRL, NRL would rather South play out of the new stadium. Like that, and and I don't understand why the the government don't want teams in their new stadium. They just built this new stadium. Mm. And also, like the stadium, although there is no denying that the power of you know Pilates and their ability to get things Pilates, their ability to get things done, would have had a huge say in that stadium getting done. I, I'm assuming anyway. I'm assuming. Yeah. 
But that stadium wasn't built just for the Roosters, was it? No, like the seats are literally there as well. Like they have um, all different shades of blue because one's Sydney FC, one's the Waratahs. Like, for example, if the Sharks, the Sharks are going to play a home final there in a few weeks. Mm. Like it's not just the Rooster Stadium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, I actually think it adds more to the rivalry that they play at the same stadium. Like I think it's like it adds more to the rivalry. It's a turf war. It's literally a turf war. Matty be at the front, ready to go. Gangs of New York style. (laughs) You'd be Leonardo DiCaprio at the front. (laughs) Was it Bill the the Butcher? What was the guy's name? Um, The incredible actor from uh, Old uh, Blood. What's it called? Old Blood? Oh, man. Now I'm forgetting. Brain freeze. He's also in The Phantom Thread. Oh, my God. I can't believe I'm forgetting this guy's name. He's literally the greatest actor of all time. Anyway, sorry, guys. I'd say you lost me, but you never had <laughs> yeah. me. <laughs> Gangs of New York. Have you seen the movie Gangs of New York, Leonardo I DiCaprio? I have, actually. No, I don't think I've either. None of I haven't even watched it. It's a bloody classic. <laughs> and I'm the fucking bad guy. You the guys that haven't watched any classic We're cinema. We're trying to get a word in with the drill there. You're talking Jesus to Christ, it's a bloody sense. classic, mate. Well, I tell you what, go and watch it. It'll make your life better. No, no. It's a great beat piece of cinema. Um, there will be blood. That's what he's also in. There will be blood. Tell me you've seen There Will Be Blood, please. Oh, my God. Seriously. No culture, no art, you guys. <laughs> I've seen it, but only because you told me to say it. <laughs> <laughs> Have we'll, you seen it? We'll, no, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put it on the list. Um, I can't believe I still can't think of the guy's name. He's literally – anyway, whatever. Um, yeah, like as I said – not like not only have they been poorly handled by the fact that they agreed to a contract that said the upgrades would happen and then they didn't get happen they didn't happen then they should have every right to like that's a community stadium is it not the government paying for it is not the government's funds come from the community so how are they not allowed to play there doesn't make sense to me no doesn't make sense and i just think that it it adds to the incredible and like as a government don't you want as many people using it as possible because it's a community asset that you need to pay off. Like it's, you're, we're in debt. Anyway, if you want uh, to listen to my politics podcast, it's, uh, <laughs> it's going to be up and running after this one. Um, but yeah, anyway, Rabbitohs look incredible stuff. They've also come out and said they're quite, um, I guess, com- uh, confident that they're going to keep guys like Walker, Cook, Murray. Um, well, they're definitely keeping Murray. Uh, and also Latrell. Do you see, that being broken up anytime soon? I don't think so. I think they will. I think especially after losing Reynolds and Gagai, there's mm. got to be some coin there. Well, Latrell is on like unders at the moment, pretty short too. So they're going to have to upgrade him. Yeah, but you know, I don't think Latrell will want a ridiculous amount of money, to be honest with you. You reckon you want a million? He's already turned down a million to be there. Yeah, I don't think he will. I'd really? Okay. He's 25. He's, well, he's got a long time to go. I, I, I think he's earned it, to be honest. I, yeah, oh, I have no doubt he's earned I'm not arguing that, but I reckon he'll be happy to keep himself, Cody Walker, Damien Cook, to tr- try and win a comp over the next few so years. So you reckon, what do you got there, Manny? I'm just saying it is slightly, slightly concerned that those three guys are all off contract at the same time. <sighs> and they can all speak November 1. <clears throat> so let's hope. They're, they're 1, 6, 9, 13. All should be commanding 800 plus comfortably. Like, that's a big chunky cap. Yeah. We spoke about top-ended, uh, you know, rosters before, but... The bunnies, if they're keeping them forward, they're going to be one of them. Yeah, totally. Uh, look, I can see. Uh, well, look, Latrell has proven he will take unders to to be at a club. Yep. Like he he was literally offered over a million dollars by multiple clubs, and he decided to go to the Rabbitohs because of he wanted to play specifically for that club. And that's what, like, you know, I understand some people don't like 
you know, not that they don't like Latrell, but they're not a fan of Latrell or whatever. But, like, that doesn't get spoken about enough. Like, there are very few players that will literally turn down millions of dollars and take a big, big pay cut. We're talking hundreds of grand per year to go to a club. And Latrell literally did that, you know, so... Oh, I think the selfish word gets thrown around way too much with Latrell. Oh, man. It's bullshit. Yeah, that's Wasn't crazy. that long ago, you know, I put... Like if he would have said he was available for game three, I would have picked him in a heartbeat. That would have mm. been another thirty grand. He pulled himself out of that. Yeah, thirty thousand bucks. Be ready for South Sydney. Mm. Go on. Like I, I, I think the the narrative around Latrell's fucking bullshit. I remember the week before. I think he, he played incredibly well, but he ran for sixty meters. Mm. Everyone bade him for that. He he topped the run count this week. Yeah. two hundred and eleven meters. All of a sudden, that went hush hush. Well, I, I, what I love about Latrell is like he kind of defies. He defies your what we expect all the time. Like, this is what the fullback should be. This is the shape, the size, the way they should play. He comes and says, no. Nah. Even, like, the way he played centre, it was just so beautiful to watch. Like, you know, in a selfish way, I would love him to just play one more year before his career's over at centre, just to see that monster on the oh. edge throwing blokes around like he did for so many years. Um, but anyway, yeah, Latrell is incredible. Now, on to any other boys. Um, Keon, again, Far out he's matured, man. He, he, he's so consistent. And, like, how many times have we seen these incredible big edge-back rowers, they come in and they, they have a few good games and then they're quiet. A few games and they're quiet. Keon is, is just constantly consistent now. Like, I think at the start of his career, he had a tendency to, to drop in and out of a season. This year, every single game is just high, high quality. Like, it's always quality with him now. It's just so impressive. Yeah, I, I don't look at him anymore as a... A rookie you know, kind yeah, of. Yeah, I don't yeah. look at him as a rookie at no. all anymore. I just, I know Rude. what I'm going to get every week. I expect that every week from yeah. him as well. Uh, if he was to have a couple of off weeks, I'd be pretty disappointed in him because yeah. he set that standard for himself now. For sure. And I, and I think that you'd be crazy if he's not in Origin talks. I think that's crazy. Like if, if he isn't at least considered for the Origin squad next year. Mm. Um, now, I, I understand you can only pick two players, but far out, like. For example, like a guy like Olakazwatu and Keon, like the next young guys coming up, it's a scary edge back row if they can be consistent. Was it last year that Freddie picked him in Origin, or was that this year in the squad? I think it was last year. Was last in the year. squad. I'm pretty sure. Um, That's good. You know, so like him in a Blues jersey be a pretty scary prospect yeah, on the edge and there. What it what it means for the Bunnies as well, having that strike weapon week in week out. They're obviously a left side dominated attack because of how ridiculously good it is. You know, Cody plays on that left side. Latrell tends to prefer left side. But now they've got Keon killing it on the right with that attacking line. Mm. So like all good back rowers should do, even when he's not getting the ball, he's attracting them. Mm. And then you've got Latrell sweeping out the back of him on the right and Cody often slides to the other side and shifts and plays right as well, just in attacking movements. So across the whole ground, they've mm. got these just attacking threats. Um, like have fun defending them. When, oh, when, the for, when the pack are moving forward and rolling... Yeah. I can score anywhere. And I want to give, throw Campbell Graham back in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I want to give uh, Havili a shout out. He's been great off the bench. Like when he was brought to the club, I was like, "Oh, Cookie's a eighty-minute player. Is it worth the buy?" But I actually think he suits exactly what they need, which is speed and power off the bench. He's been outstanding. Another guy I want to give a shout out to, Joy Arrow. Just gone about his work. Doesn't get the raps he deserves, in my opinion. 192 metres, 27 tackles, zero misses. I think that because he went to such a star-studded side, a lot of people forget, like, at the Titans, he was the guy. Like, he was the guy. Um, and we forget that, like, because he's in a star-studded side, he kind of just goes about his business. But when you really look at it, 
This is a back row, Keon, Jai Arrow, and Cam Murray. Like, you could argue that that back row could take it to any back row in the comp. It really could on its day. And so things are looking good. Things are looking mm. good for the Rabbitohs. I really like where they're headed. Another year with Lockie Elias, um, you know, under his belt, I think next year is going to be even better. I think the, as long as they can re-sign those key players, I think the Rabbitohs are in a really strong spot and they deserve a rap as an organisation for losing such key players and being able to continue on the way they have. Really, really good stuff. Great win by the um, Rabbitohs. Now, on to the Eels. Uh, well, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. This is Parramatta. But it, I don't know who they play in uh, Canterbury next week. If they go and win that by 40, I'd, it won't surprise me. They're just – I don't know. I don't know. Do you know? Any more analysis, Dad? Um, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, what is becoming clearer and clearer to me is just complacency and, yeah. I, and attitude. And I don't think anyone could say that's being harsh because we know that they can match it – not even match it with the best in the NRL. They can beat the best in the NRL – and then they go and drop games to all right, the Bulldogs and the Tigers quite convincingly when they're at the bottom of the table and you sort of sit there going, all right, well, a bit complacent, they're not getting up for those games. But you're like, all right, at least they're getting up for the big games and the big com- competitive games that they need to. We've seen it time and time again. And then this game, they're playing for a top eight spot, massive game against the Rabbitohs who are rivals for that top eight spot slash top four, and they just get blown off the park. And it's, and, and it's, you know, it's, it's across the board, but it starts in the middle and... I look at someone like Junior Bolo, who is, you know, one of the top prop forwards in the game. Mm. But the difference between him and like Payne Haas and David Clemmer is that in bad results for the Knights and the Broncos, they're still running for 180 metres. Junior Bolo on the weekend ran for 74 metres. Mm. And he has these games where he doesn't. And I just don't see what else you can put that down to other than attitude. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. Like Junior Bolo, he's been... Like, he's usually their consistent one. Like, especially last year, mm. if I recall correctly. He only had 38 minutes. Do you think he might be injured? Potentially. Because he played like 60 <clears throat> minutes or some shit, like against someone recently, I'm pretty sure. Well, we know he can do it easily, like big minutes if they need him to. And like, I thought he was great uh, in Origin. And it's not like they were, like, they went into this game, I thought they, they were lucky to be only down 14-0 at half time, but th- they weren't out of it. Yeah, no, they weren't. They actually, like, won some of the starts. You know, so, for example, the week before, the week before he played 48 minutes and ran for 173 metres. the least amount of minutes he's played all year. Maybe he's injured. He honestly might be injured. Because 38 minutes for a key forward like that and their, their backs, their, um, the reserve grade, uh, sorry, the reserves, um, you know, they played a pretty substantial minutes, I think. Again, 49 minutes, 187 metres. In eight games this year, he's run for under 105 metres. Yeah, interesting. One, two, three, four, five, six of those have been under 100 metres. Like, in terms of getting up week in, week out, so I don't have Huss's stats here or Clemmer's, <coughs> but no matter how bad the result is, they're running for, like, 150-plus comfortably. Yeah. I I will, maybe it's an unfair comparison. I will say that, he that, plays a little bit of a different role for... I was about to say, yeah, yeah. a bit more ball playing. And also... You know, they're so pivotal to their packs, Haas, and in particular, Clemmer. But, you know, they've also got a lot of very good forwards, all three of those sides. 
Um, you know, maybe I'm being a bit critical on him, but I was just—it's just frustrating. No, well, it's a good example because, you know, it, yeah. like, I agree. I think RCG and Junior Paolo, they're the tone setters, mm. and whenever Para play poorly, it, they just don't seem to have that energy. And I actually spoke about it around the Origin period where I felt that Eels were a little bit too reliant on those two to deliver for them, and I think that is why they went into the market for a, a really good front rower to, to ease a bit of that. Um, need for these guys to like come out and absolutely brain it every single yep. week be the tone setters it, I, I just yeah it, it, like unless if those two guys are on they usually play really well if they're not they don't so you, you could say that maybe that's a knock on them or you could say it's it's a knock on the the setup that they have where they are so heavily reliant on just two front rowers they're almost like the only team that is like if their front rowers aren't on they're just just can't win. But even then, you've got like Maddo there, Papali'i, who, you know, drifts between middle and edge a fair bit, Sean Lane, who's, you know, very much sticks to his edge. But then they've got some good forwards coming off the bench. Like, why are they so reliant on these yeah, two Yeah, they guys? shouldn't be that Like, <clears throat> all we do is compliment IPAP and all we do is compliment Sean Lane. Mm. Maddo's been fantastic this year. He made his way into origin. Why are they so reliant on these two front rowers? Yeah, it's just, fuck, I, I don't know. I honestly don't know. Because, like, you know, he still made 31 tackles, only missed two. Like, so it's not like, you know, and then you got Campbell Gillard, 31 tackles, four misses, which is a little bit on the higher end, but the Rabbitohs were moving around quite a bit. Yeah, it's a really interesting one. Like, I, th- I think that they would be disappointed with their performance for sure on the weekend. Um, 38 minutes is a really interesting one. Mm. Like, I, I don't understand that unless he's injured or, you know, the coach wanted to go a different direction. Maybe that just didn't – I'd have to have a look, but then maybe that just didn't bring him back on late, was it, because of the blowout score or something? Yeah, and maybe. he didn't get his extra 10 or um, – I mean, Shaw Lane was fucking really good. Oh, he he's was been unreal really this year, yeah. He has been really good. That's the thing. When you look at these para losses, outside of, like, you know – uh, RCG and Junior's numbers were a bit down. Like they're all, they're all their numbers are not that bad, you know. So it's like Dylan Brown still ran for 122 meters, 24 tackles, only two misses. Jacob Arthur still kicked for 457 meters, um, 20 tackles, only three misses. But it's I just can't put my finger on with the Eels. Like I just like, I mean, I, no one can. I don't think they can. Like no one can. Like. Whoa. The only thing is, like, maybe they're just waiting. What do you got there, Matty? So, Paulo came – he started, came off in the 22nd minute, then came back on in the 56th minute, and then went off in the 72nd minute. It's interesting. So, if it's a tight game, he probably plays the last eight, for yeah. sure, you think. So, maybe even that would push him up above 40. Yeah. I know that sounds crazy, but I, I think they're just waiting for finals. The problem is they could literally yeah. bounce out. <laughs> yep. Could you imagine the carnage that's going to happen if they bounce out of the finals? Does Brad Arthur stay? Well, this is the thing with Brad Arthur. I mean, we just went through that entire pack. He brought IPAP over as a reserve grader. He's turned Sean Lane, respectfully, from I thought one of the more inconsistent first graders to this year, one of the more consistent. He's got Matto over here who's now played Origin, got those front rowers. Like he's, he's done an incredible job, but at some point, if you can't take them to that next step... Mm. Are you happy being fifth and sixth? Well, it's tough because it's like, yeah, I, yeah, I am happy being fifth and sixth, better than fucking on yeah, the bottom 100%. of the table. Yeah, but for how long? <laughs> yeah, I know. I agree with you. I'm, I'm totally with you. It's totally... so unfair on Brad Arthur. Oh, do you give him an extra year? <laughs> but we'll be having, uh, I personally will yeah. be having the same conversation because they year. lost Papali'i, they lost Reed Marnie. 
I think it'd be very stiff if they got rid of him for next year, even if they miss the finals. I know that we expect so much better, but Christ, he hasn't been that bad. Like, no, no, I, yeah. yeah, I think we're all. I'd be happy to hold him. Oh, sure. I'd definitely hold him yeah. for another year, at least another yeah. year. And I would say to like, mate, this is the year. Yeah, this is the year. But then the thing is, they may have had that conversation with him already. Mm. This is the year. Well, surely, True. knowing that Reed was leaving, like, surely this, this, I think this was the year. Yeah. I'll tell you what, though, if he became available, if I was a bottom four club, I'd snap him up in a Yeah, because yeah, he's proven he can take yeah. a bottom to the top four. Parramatta shouldn't be where they are when he walked in. We've said it before. Mm. Like, they shouldn't, like, for the position he walked in on, they were an absolute oh. shit fight. They were a basket case, yeah. like a basket case. So, yeah, really interesting times. I know, I know people don't like this, but I, I genuinely still think that they're such a bogey team that they could go get to the finals. We talked about it. Complacency is the issue. There is no complacency in finals. Yeah. And I think last year they showed it. They, a similar thing happened last year where they just went back half of the year. They dove off a cliff. They got into the finals and they they really ripped and teared. Um, but it's not looking good. It really isn't looking good. So so at the moment, like it, it, if they're in finals, do we think they'll be seventh or eighth? That- probably. So they'll have to probably what play. So they're looking at an away game, either Brisbane, South Sydney or Melbourne. Yeah, at least so, our Sydney stay in Sydney, but if you have to go to Suncorp or Amy Park, mm. oh, it's a tough gig. The problem is though, is like they've proven they can beat. They've the probably top got tier. the best record at Amy Park outside <laughs> Melbourne. So, yeah. It's like you know they've proven they can do it. So yeah, re- real interesting. Um, yeah, there's not much else we can say with the Eels guys. Like it's, it's it seems like this every second week we're sitting mm. there going, "Fuck, sorry guys," like just mm. didn't turn up. Um, now on to. Roosters v the Cowboys. Um, I will say there are a few calls in this game where I was like, hmm, that's a tough call. Um, but I do probably think the Roosters, I mean, not probably, the Roosters were a better side. I felt like they deserved to win. But I definitely thought there was a few calls where I was like, man, that's tough on the Cowboys, like really tough. Like there was a one where he didn't even get dragged out and he threw the ball back in, but they penalised but the Cowboys got penalised for dragging him towards the line. You know what I mean? So that rest are like, held, held, held. Yeah. They're dragging him. And as he does that, he throws it. He blows a whistle and it's penalised. Again, I'm not saying he intentionally did it, but I thought, fuck, that's a tough call on the, the Cowboys. Um, another interesting point from this game. Um, oh, yeah, the Verrills one was absolute. I don't, I don't yeah. like, how is that a try? How is that a try? What? Anyway, um, to be clear, though, I, I did think the Roosters were probably the better side. So I'm not saying that. I just thought that Cowboys fans have a right to feel a bit like, oh, we got a tough. But, again, it always comes back around. A couple of weeks ago, yeah. it, it helped you. So it's not like you haven't got your calls as well. Um, I thought an interesting fact. I thought the Roosters looked the best they've looked in tack in quite a while. Um, to put 32 points on a, a Cowboys side is not easy. And I thought, interesting, Tedesco had the least amount of runs he's had in a while. And 18 thought, runs. Mm, which that's is a, a half for Teddy normally. Yeah. And I thought, that's really interesting. Like, do, does he need to just pull back a little bit to open things up for him? Now, it's only one game. And again, like, to be really clear, we're not sitting here saying, oh, Teddy's the reason this, that, the next thing. But I, it was, I thought they looked noticeably smoother in attack. Um, what do you guys think about the, the Roosters? Yeah, I, I, like that's the first time I've seen that with Teddy, but it is interesting to think about. Obviously, Joey Manu had 21 
touches, uh, runs of the football. So three more than your fullback Teddy, which is pretty wild. Um, you know, it's probably only this team that you <coughs> could see that happening to. I don't know. I just this is the first week I've sort of felt like okay, maybe it is clicking. Maybe it is starting to come together. <coughs> I thought the way that they used Connor Watson was really good. Literally mm. took Radley off, put Watson on. He mm. went berserk and they pulled him off. They didn't try and make it all work together. Mm. Watson, go and have your impact. Bang, come off. I yep. thought that worked really well for them. Yep. I thought Lodge and Hargreaves were fantastic. <coughs> um, yeah, I thought Lodge and Hargreaves were like just so good that first 20. I thought they really dominated. Uh it it seems like it seems like Robinson has settled on a game plan. It's almost like this blitzing first twenty kind of footy. Like just go out, go super hard, and then he because he had um, he had Watson and was it is it oh my god it's Mitchell isn't it on the bench, on the bench. Hutchinson sorry Hutchinson so he had Watson and Hutchinson so that's two small smallish players on the bench. I think he has really settled on. We blow them off the park the first 20. So Hargreaves Lodge, I just want you to go crazy. And then we bring on little fellas to almost, at the very least, keep up that pace of game or at the best to increase it again. So the opposition's going, holy shit, this is just too fast for us to handle. Um, you know, I thought Crichton played really well. Uh, Radley, I thought, had his best game in quite a while. Nat Butcher was outstanding in defence, 43 tackles, zero misses. I just think they're getting a real balance to their side. Um, uh, Suwali'i, mate, he is <laughs> like, has he almost locked a position on the wing for the Australia? Like, I know I was talking, like, I was throwing up a Smokies a, a bit ago, but like that Smokey chat, that's not lock. Are we going as far to say that we would lock him in on the wing? I'd pick him. Would you pick him, Tim? So who who would be the other options? So you've got, got Josh Adokar. You've got Adokar. You've got Dan Gagai, mm. um, Valentine Holmes. So we'll have Val will be at centre. Yep. So it's pretty much Gagai that will be pushing him for that spot. Are we assuming that? <clears throat> are we assuming Daniel Tupu's playing for Tonga? Uh, he'll play for Tonga. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Look. So him him v Gagai. Probably well. and like Gagai's form hasn't been the best. I mean, he, I think he had a good game last week, but yeah. hard to argue. Suwali'i, he's just... His contact at the moment, oh. it hurts to watch. Mate, like. I, and his timing, like those are not easy tackles to land. Like they are not easy tackles to land and he does it every single time. And then Robertson has this great game plan where, well, it's a small part of it, but every time the Roosters score points, guess who takes the second hit up? Suwali'i. Mm. And it's to make sure Suwali'i stays in the game. He stays in the game. It, like, because he knows how important he is to their go forward. Whereas sometimes wingers, if, if you don't force them in there, the winger doesn't know when to go in. He doesn't have the opportunity to. He wants to stay in his wing because he's trying to keep the width. Every single second tackle, Suwali'i will take it after the Roosters score points. He kills it every single time. Um, you know, he had two line breaks on the weekend and a try. Uh, I personally think the Roosters are building to something quite nice. It's crazy, like, when I watched them, you know, like I thought Joey Marnett was everywhere that game, the amount of hit-ups he took. He took 21 hit-ups for 170, 177 metres. Suwali'i took 15 for 160. In crazy, crazy. You're basically about nine metres a hit-up as a, as a 19-year-old. Would have looked all right uh, on the wing for the bunnies, Matty. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, bunnies are going all right. <laughs> to be honest, if they kept Suwali'i, they probably would have had to lose Latrell Walker. One of them mm. is going. Just because of the money. That Just because of the money. Way. And like hindsight's beautiful, but I actually agreed with South stance at the time that we're not going to mortgage our club and give you all these clauses. Yeah, for sure. So that, like, yeah, it's easy to look back and say that, but hundred percent, it's a hundred percent. You're totally right though. Like, it's so easy for everyone to go. Oh, if 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 Rabbitohs knew that he was going to turn into this, they prop they may have gone. Oh, okay, but they didn't know. We we're making we're judging decisions made two years ago with information that they didn't have. Mm-hmm. Um, like, but I guess it, what was what I found really interesting though is that Roosters were willing to make that risk. Like they were willing to go, you know what? We're willing to have clauses, all that kind of stuff. Um, but I, like, I think both clubs won. I really do because if you keep, if, if Roos, Rabideau's keeps Wallaby, one of your big backline members is going. There's just no doubt about it. Mm. Um, and Rabideau's are going fine. Aren't, aren't they above the uh, Roosters on the table? <coughs> Yeah, they are. They're, they're Adds another narrative to the story too. Yeah, for sure. Like we love. He's going to be playing to the Roosters. Well, I hope he's going to be playing to the Roosters for the next ten or twelve years, and that's it's going to be brought up all the time. But the concern at the moment is so actually Teddy come out and said that he is open to a switch into the five eight role, and in the comment he also mm-hmm. said like eventually, but he also said that would give the opportunity for Suwali'i or Manu to play fullback. I actually think the Roosters are in a bit of trouble keeping. Manu, like someone is going to give, something's got to give. Surely Teddy, Manu and Suli can't finish their careers. There's just no way. Something's given in that. Just like, like, for example, Manu's taking 21 runs. Like he can, it's almost like he can no longer just sit down on the wing. People, if you remember Manu, Manu two years ago was a, a guy that might have six to eight runs and then four of them were incredible. But so he's been biding his time out there and it's almost gotten to the point where he's like, I can't sit out here any longer. Like I want to get involved in the game. I want to enjoy it. I just can't see, I can't see a world where they can afford to keep, even financially, let's say they had an infinite salary cap. And if. (laughs) Say in the crazy world that they had an infinite salary cap. Um, I just think that Suwali'i or Manu is going to want to play fullback or six. And so they should. And it's fair, fair. Like Suwali played fullback throughout all of his juniors. That's what he is. And so I wonder what they're gonna, how they're gonna shape that. I really, really do like. Because even, even if, even if Teddy goes to six, that means you have to lose fuck, either Sam Walker or Kiri. Mm. And and to be clear, Teddy was talking. He said, you know, in a few years, he didn't say now. But even if they do that, if Manu goes to fullback, that Suwali is still stuck on the wing. If Suwali goes to fullback, Manu's still stuck in the centres. So really interesting. I mean, it's a great headache. That's about having these problems. Oh, that fuck me. Seriously. <laughs> um, now, look, uh, I really I really think that the Roosters are building towards something. And I think uh, I think Robinson is, is slowly beginning to settle on his game plan. Now, is it 2018 all over again? I'm not sure. But I tell you what, they're building nicely. Every week they're getting better, in my opinion. And I think that they may hit real top-tier form come, come finals time. And I think they're just like the Rabbitohs, maybe even more so. They're a scary team to be playing in the finals. Yeah, this is the first week I've sort of sat back and gone, okay, fuck, Trent's working it out now. Mm. Starting to get some momentum. What do you reckon, Timmy? Yeah, very exciting for the old Roosters fans. And to think they've got Lindsay Collins, um, he's due back at some stage. Obviously, mm. had that concussion, still waiting for symptoms to completely clear for that to bring him back. 
Takiaho, Dubak should be this week. They're two <laughs> massive ins for that forward pack. Yeah. And, and I think it's a bloke we spoke about, spoken about a fair bit already, and that's Victor Radley. Missed rounds 11 to 15 this season. They lost four or five in that period. Mm. Since he came back, he came back off the bench against the Panthers. They almost beat them out at Penrith. They've won five on the trot since. Mm. So speaking of the value of a lock and, and a Victor Radley to the club, you know, results say it all there. During that time, they tried things like Taukiaho at lock. Nat Butcher played a fair bit of lock who, you know, they're fine in that role, but they're not the ball playing lock that the Roosters need as that link man, that NRL teams need as a link man at lock nowadays more often than not. Um, so I think they've realised that like, even if Radley were to go down again, surely Connor Watson comes in as that 13 mm. and just in a similar ball playing role, but hopefully they don't have to and Radley can see out the season and mm. keeps his hands clear, mm. stays uninjured because he's had a few troubles, but uh, a lot of it's come down to Victor Radley. It's just it's just completely different note. Just on James Sersky, you now we, we just said he had 18 runs. He still had nine tackle breaks. Yeah, he's fucking The next amazing. best was five. Yeah, he's incredible. Some of the tackle breaks too were mental. Like nothing was on and he was like spinning around in circles and <laughs> shit getting out of it. Mental. Um, also, I'm pretty sure, again, we've we've seen this before, so it's not confirmed, but a report has come out that, that Angus Crichton has been, like they've agreed to terms and their contract is essentially done. Wow. Again, though, we've had we've heard this before. <laughs> we've heard this before. Yeah. But if this, that if that is the case, like, their cap, I don't like. <laughs> Could that have something to do with them? Obviously, really, like Sam Beryl signing with the Titans last week. Yeah, maybe, be, maybe. That's the only I can think of. Why? But like, they're going to have Sam Walker upgrading. They're going to have Suwali upgrading. It's going to be. I just, yeah. And they got Cheese coming to the club. Cheese coming <laughs> to the club. Fuck, that's impressive. You know, there's even whispers of the Mad Dog getting offers from the Roosters. Uh, again, it's Can you imagine if next year the Mad Dog or the year after signed with the Roosters, just the bedlam in rugby league? <laughs> Mate, they'd be all right. Suali'i, Tedesco, Munster, <laughs> Cheese. Manu. Cheese. Cheese. <laughs> if, if Munster was to go to the Roosters, would it be like, would, would that announcement be bigger than when Kronk went there, do you think? or? No, I think Kronk, no. I think Kronk was such a stalwart of the Storm system and he, and he had to such a clean cut look and like the whole loyalty thing and again i'm not saying he's been disloyal but i think that even took the storm by surprise like i think even storm were a bit like what like you're leaving fair enough but to the roosters like um yeah fuck. could you imagine oh my god there, there are whispers though again nothing confirmed or whatever but there's genuine people have seen the articles of monster to, to the roosters fuck. it'd be wild absolutely wild um yeah, so if look, that happens if you're the Dolphins, you must just be sitting there <laughs> fuck, what? What's going on there? I mean, the Dolphins have been in... They've been used by so many players to yeah. get bigger contracts. It was always going to happen. Um, yeah. You know, I think I think it is a really good learning curve for the next club to come through. It's like, if a player agrees, get it riding straight away. Yeah. But the problem with that is that, that doesn't even matter because you don't want a player that doesn't want to be there. I think, like, the, I guess... Probably if they did it again, they'd just be more mindful of the fact they may be being used to get to drive value up. Um, it's going to be interesting. Like if the whole Dolphins thing doesn't work out in the first few years, like it's going to be tough to bring another team in. Mm-hmm. I wonder yeah. if with all of Wayne, like Wayne missing all these targets, if with his England connection, he's just about to go whack, whack with a couple of big name signings. I mean, that, like there hasn't been anything about it, but you know, <coughs> options are getting limited from the NRL, aren't they? So I wonder if he's yeah. got a, like there's 
talks of like Johnny Bateman in talks with the Tigers is I think yeah. I saw the other day just something like that if he just goes whack whack with two big ones from the Super You know what it was interesting about the Johnny Bateman Tigers one is I reckon again full tinfoil hat on tinfoil hat put her on no evidence for this whatsoever I reckon the Tigers intentionally put that out to put a bit of pressure on Papaliti to make to make him go hang on a sec I might fucking lose this massive contract and I and because like that Bateman came out <coughs> the week and a few days later Papali he confirmed yeah. that he's going. I honestly like reckon it. that they fucking did that to put a bit of pressure on Papali and go. This contract just isn't sitting here for you. If you want to fucking not commit, we'll whatever. Um, we'll bring in Johnny boy. Because like John ba- Johnny Bateman back from the. Oh, I mean I'd love it. I'd love it. Oh, and I tell yeah. you what, if there's one player the Tigers need, it'd be a player like oh. Bateman because he's a ripper and terror. Look what he did at the Raiders. I think that, and look, maybe there's way more to it, but I think that is something the Raiders probably look back on and go, you know what, we, we probably should have done more to keep. Because, like, my understanding was that Bateman wanted a longer contract because he wanted to be able to say, look, I've got a long-term contract, I can bring my family over and live with me. The Raiders came, came back and said, look, we just don't have that money in the cap for you. Um, you know, you're more – because we don't have that money, you're welcome to speak to other clubs. Mm-hmm. Um and then he was of the mind of like, you know what, I, I should just go back to England because my family's already there, my kids are in school, rah, rah. That, that's my understanding of the situation that had happened. And if that is the case, I wonder whether the Raiders sit there and go, you know what, maybe we could have moved a few things around to keep them. What, yeah, had you heard anything different or the same? Yeah, I, like, to my knowledge, it's much to anyone else's. It was just a family thing. He, he had his daughter who'd be, you know, 12 or 13 years old or something over there. Obviously a really hard time to bring them out at that age when they're younger you know not to settle into schools and that but mm. you know pretty pivotal time <clears throat> of her life and the family life so i think among internal things at the raiders there was it was just family it was so much yep. of an influence on that so you know no matter what you you moved maybe it wouldn't have had it made a difference anyway yeah it's interesting like the george williams one like i, I thought that was really sad how it happened because at the forefront of that his wife had just become pregnant COVID and everything had hit like, how can people not understand? Like, I understand he signed a contract and there, and there may be some people out there that would stay and they would allow their partner to go back. But, you know, do we really expect a father to be away from the birth of his child? Mm. Like, it, the support system of a family is so important with children. And, and they're basically in this country, barely know anyone. Yeah. For her to have that child during COVID as well, where you bloody, you can't do anything. Um, I thought it was sad how that, that all panned out, how there's such a negative public spat about it with, you know, all the um, – anyway. But, yeah, so back to the Roosters. I don't know how we got all the way down there. <laughs> Fucking hell. Um, <laughs> yeah, look, I, I think they're building nicely and they're a very scary side to be playing over the next few weeks. Um, now, on to the Cowboys. Are we concerned, boys, with the Cowboys, the performance? They've been – they haven't been – the last, I feel like the last six weeks, they haven't been where we hoped they would be. Now, they're still top tier, all that kind of stuff, but I just like they've had a lot of points scored on them, whereas before, now it may be the standard of people that they're playing has increased, but I, I do think last six weeks, they haven't been as convincing as maybe the, the period before them. Um, I thought Le Lewis try tip on was amazing, amazing. Uh, you know, I, I personally, they went through so much this week as a club. I don't think there's much to really take away from this game. But I will say, like, when you look at the broader scale of things, like not just this week, mm. 
I think there was a period where they were only averaging like 12 points a game. Whereas I think if you actually look at their last six weeks, they'd be averaging around the, you know, 16 to 20 or something like that. Um, thoughts, boys? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned there that maybe other teams are, you know, the few teams that come up against. I mean, they played the Sharks up in North Queensland. They lost that one 26-12. They beat the Tigers. They shouldn't have. Mm. Um, they then played the Dragons. They then played Canterbury. They won both of those. But Canterbury took it to them for... Canterbury took it to them, yeah, mm. yeah, for sure. Um, and then down by the Roosters, like, it really hasn't been a great six weeks for them. Mm. I mean, if you take out that Tigers win, which they shouldn't have got... Mm. All of a sudden, we're probably looking at it a little bit differently. Yeah, and I know people don't like that. They're like, "Oh, if if you if if you didn't win this game or that game," but that genuinely is something that's, you could say. And and fine, don't don't worry about wins. Look at performance. Yeah, they yeah. didn't perform well in that game. I don't even fuck about the result. They didn't yeah. perform well. Yeah. So yeah, I, I am starting to get a little bit nervous about the Cowboys. They play the Warriors this week in North <laughs> Queensland, then South Sydney, and then they have the Panthers up there. So it'll be interesting to see. Perfect game for them before finals. Mm. Because it just it's a it's a tough game you, you want you don't want to go into the finals playing uh, what was it dogs and then uh, warriors and then south warriors and then south like south obviously a decent but per- I reckon Penrith is perfect because it's just a barometer of where you need to be what do you got there money so I just did the maths on what you said so for the first fourteen rounds they averaged twelve points conceded a game twelve point five and since then which is the last seven weeks they've averaged twenty two point five boom wow I think it should be noted that. That origin period would have taken a big whack on this team too. Mm. Like not like that they only had a couple of guys that played. They still had a fair few, but they also had like your Chads, your Dins, all these guys that were coming in and out of Cowboys mm. camp for five or six weeks. Jordan McLean, Reese Robson, um, yeah, the Reuben Cotter injury. Like I think injury did make it. Uh, I think Origin made it a little bit tough for the Cowboys. Not that that. I'm not trying to excuse them. Mm. But I just think it probably should be noted. It's probably something that Todd Payton's never had to deal with before mm. either. I think um, what's going to be interesting is that sometimes when you have these crazy preseasons, and we've all heard about the crazy preseason that the Cowboys had, especially the first crazy preseason, sometimes it, you can fatigue at the back end of the season. And I'm not saying that that's the case, but like let's say they go, you know, lost, 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 and then lost first finals. That could be something that they need to look at as a club again. To be really clear, they deserve a lot of reps for that preseason because that preseason has put them in the position. But sometimes there's like little things you can tweak. You know, for example, Penrith did it so well in their long runs where they like Ivan Cleary came out and was asked like, "How how are you keeping these boys up for everything?" Rah rah, mm. and he said, "We don't rest on the weekend. We rest during the week. So like, we we send guys away for four or five days. And so I wonder if." If it is the case that they are feeling a bit flat or fatigued, again, I'm, I'm, I don't know if it is, but if it is the case, maybe they can look into that going forward next year of like resting certain players in certain periods. Well, mate, that's where I wonder if that, you know, if over the next three games, if they will <clears throat> rest a couple of players at some point. Mm. Well, are they guaranteed a yeah. top four well, spot? They're, they're not. <sighs> so they're on 32. So would you say, let's say they win next game, would you rest them? At least for one game? I'd, I'd seriously consider resting them for the Rabbitohs or the Panthers game, especially if they play the Panthers and they rest a heap of their guys too. I, which I don't I, see the Panthers. Do you think the Panthers will rest guys? I don't know. I, I know we keep saying, oh, the Panthers, are, you know, they didn't do it last year. They didn't. But, like, surely the more and more years that go on, the more and more footy they have to play, you start to consider it, don't you? Mm, I don't know. They or, they've, already, they've already had that rest, though. They've already had that rest where they rested a bunch of boys. 
Mm-hmm. I don't think they do. I think they play. I think because they've already got Cleary, Luai are out. Yeah. Martin will probably be out. I I, th- I don't know if they'll rest anyone. Oh, but the Cowboys, for example, if I was to rest some, it would be the Rabbitohs game. And if we lost, we lost whatever. Um, as long as they win the Warriors game, I'll just say though the Cowboys will be desperate for a home final. Yeah. So they yeah, might not rest. So anyone. if they if they win the Warriors, if they win against the Warriors, they go to thirty four points, where it's almost like. I mean, Storm could go on to win. It, it all depends on what happens next week, really. But, the, but what I'm saying is the Sharks are on the same amount of points. And if the Sharks go second and the Cowboys go third, they have to go down to Sydney in week one of the finals. Mm. Yeah, they won't be able to rest because of yeah. that reason. Okay, yeah, you're right. My bad. Which, yeah, yeah, well. And I mean, without coming back to it again, like if they didn't have that two points from the Tigers game, like if, if the Sharkies lose a home final off the back of that, they'll be filthy. filthy. But I, I, you know... I think Fitzgibbon is such a yeah he'll uh, deal with it. Just but deal you, with internally, it. you'd be yeah you'd be absolutely. Off. Um, well, the good thing is though that they're they're now on equal points. So, what sharks run home? Have you got sharks run home? Soft yeah. as anything. Manly this week, which is the toughest by a mile. Um, but you know we saw what they dished out on Sunday, mm. uh, and then Bulldogs and Knights. Yeah, Bulldogs so at Bulldogs in Cronulla, Knights at Newcastle. So Sharkies could have a home big chance. Ooh. I tell you what we spoke about last week. They've just been swimming yeah. along, just fucking cruising. Um, okay, sorry, back to the Cowboys. Yeah, so like as I think we well, – I mean, Timmy, what do you think about the Cowboys? Oh, just to be honest with you, for me, statistically speaking, was the meters of the pack. Cohen Hess, 30 meters. Ruben Cotter, 108. The back rowers, Gilbert and Nanai had 45 and 41 metres, and then Tao Malolo had 70 metres. Now, McLean came off the bench back from injury. He was 100. That was solid. And Luciano Lua, 141. But the metres of the starting pack, they're, like, horrific. Do you think it, like, has a lot to do with the emotional drain the week had on them, maybe? I don't, I don't know. Yeah, don't maybe. know. I, I, think, I think it was always going to be a tough game for mm. them. Like... Greeny is such a big part of that club. There's uh, numerous players and coaching staff that you'd just be hurting, man. Yeah. Fuck, you'd be hurting. You'd be fucking hurting. Um, so, yeah, it, it by itself, guys, I wouldn't look into this Cowboys fan. To be honest, 32-18 against a, a, a Roosters team that's hitting peak form yeah. at home, yeah. that's not too bad. It yeah. really is. And they also had some really tough calls. Like, for example, take away the Verrill's try because that was outrageous, like absolutely outrageous. You're looking, you're looking at um, what 20, 28, 18? It's not not bad, not bad at all. Sure. So nothing, not not too, not not alarm stage. There's even at like, all. like some of those, like the pass that Victor Radley threw that floater, like ninety nine times out of a hundred, that wouldn't happen to you. Radley's just a freak to be able to see that in that split. Like second. it's kind of like they score tries by being incredible rather than a lackey yeah. of the, the Cowboys. Yeah. yeah. Like if your lock forward can pick out the three defenders wide yeah. and shooting in that split second and float it to your winger, you know, you're wearing it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah you're totally right. Um, yeah, so look, Cowboys, I think it's just amazing what they've achieved this year. I really do. So, so good. Um, and Tualangi's try. Oh, fuck. <laughs> what a beast. How good was that? So what I loved about the Cowboys' performance is that like their tries were so impressive. Like that lay lure tip on, mm. one hand, a big boy like that, so good. And then a Tuolungi, he just goes, oh, Sam Walker, there you are. It's your ch- – you've got a chance to tackle me. Let's see if you can do it. Fucking boss. He hit him so hard that he hit Tedesco. He used him as a shield pretty much, yeah. Fuck <laughs> me. 
Tuolangi. What a great story his year. He's been he's had such a good year. Um, so yeah, Cowboys fans, I think that uh, it's all good. Uh, again, again, the only it, the only I guess negative can be if you look at that six to seven week period, they have looked less dominant in defense than they have in the past but I, I do think they can turn it around who knows maybe you know we do find a storm as well leading into finals footy they like really load their training and sometimes storm teams get a bit uh flat just before finals and it's because their training's load is so heavy and so the cowboys could be doing that right now where they're just training them really hard so that as soon as they just before they hit finals they really back off and they get this kind of springboard into finals um, Rooster, uh, Rabbitohs do it like they struggle all year then they get to finals and they're fucking incredible um, the, the only guy we didn't mention there who I, I thought he was really good on the weekend Ruben Cotter mm. once again um, when is he not good seriously? he's never, he's never going to play ne- a bad game yeah like, he he's just, just but to come back from the injury and the hamstring and he just he's not missing a beat mate like he wasn't even in a lot of our fucking 13 he wasn't like he wasn't even in the starting 13 for a lot of our Cowboys you know packs now I know you know, we probably had him. Like, were you super convinced that he was a starting in the starting side? Like, you had him there because you were a fan of him. Oh, I was in my team, but I wasn't convinced Todd Payton was going to have him there. Yeah, that's yeah. that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, it wasn't like this guy that you know we had. Like, that everyone had these huge wraps on him. We knew he was going to bounce onto this. Like, if, if he put, wasn't there, you would have gone okay. Yeah, I okay, he's it. off the bench. Yeah. He's, he's I would have done it, but I get it. Yeah, it, it, I'd go as far to say is if if he came out and played poorly and ended up in reserve grade this year, I don't think people would have been shocked. Because we hadn't seen, we haven't, he, we hadn't given been given an opportunity with all the injuries had to see how great he was. Um, that's how far he's come in a short span of time. You could argue he's the most reliable player in the comp at the moment, like or at least one of the most reliable players. Incredible what he's managed to do this year. Now onto the Sharkies, Tigers or Tigers versus Sharks. Um, I mean, I, I thought this was a great win by the Sharkies. I thought this was a really just you could see the difference in levels. I thought that they turned up. They didn't seem complacent. How about that quote earlier in the week where Toby Rudolph said that Craig Fitzgibbon does an hour and a half of jiu-jitsu the day of the game so he feels like he's earned the right to be able to tell <laughs> the boys. And I saw a few comments going, what do you mean he's an ex-player? He's, um, of course he's earned the right. It's his job. And it's like, yeah, but you don't get the, the mindset of the elite like him. He has to prove it to himself, not just – Yesteryear, every day, every day. That's why that, and you know what? That's a good. That's why the sharks have been so good this year. Well, I had him on my podcast two years or so ago, and there were so many things he said that, looking back now, I'm just like, fuck, can't believe that didn't hit me more. Mm. I remember we're talking about like before the like he, he played, in, I think five grand finals in six years or mm. four in five or something like that. I remember talking about like nerves before the game, and he sort of said, oh, no, I was never nervous, but like my number one fear was just exhaustion. And I wow. said, what do you mean? And he sort of went, just that fear of being on absolute empty just used to rattle me, but I used to love it. Yeah, wow. Interesting. Is in, So the fear of being on empty is just if being he had prepared? Empty and just having nothing left in your body and being out in the field. But he's like, that, he's like, that was my fear, but it was also my aim of where to get to. Mm. Yeah, just wow. Mindset was just something else. Well, when you, when you, you go deeper into that, you're like, then, then he's training. He's constantly putting himself in that environment. And so by the time he gets to game day, he's comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, yeah, wow. What a beast. What a fucking beast. Uh, now, on to the Sharkies. Uh, great win. Seriously, great win. Hines, I thought, was outstanding. Um, I thought Dykes was, was really good. Um, I didn't mind Lockie Miller on the wing. 
I still reckon Lockie Miller is putting a bit of pressure on Dykes um, for that fullback spot if Kennedy uh, isn't there. I, I will say Kennedy Dykes is young, obviously. Like, he's going to improve. But I do think you can see the difference between the slick ball playing of Kennedy and a Dykes. Again, that is understandable. That's expected. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I thought Dykes was really good. I thought, uh, I mean, Jesse Ramian, I just want to give him a massive rap. Like, I, th- I feel like this year it's, it's really bizarre how some players – we get on the hype train and we get behind and then some players, they just go about their business, rack up these incredible, you know, years and they don't get the same, I guess, raps that they did a couple of years ago. Um, mate, I, I thought the Sharkies were fantastic. What did you guys think of the, the Sharkies? Yeah, I think considering the guys that were missing, I mean, from that back line, you had Ikevalu playing, you had Dykes playing, you had Miller playing, like three out-and-out stars that were missing. Mm. Um, I yeah, for the, we said it all year. Just their depth is crazy. Like I don't even think Cavallo's a centre, and he looked great there. Mm. I don't think Lot Lockie Miller's a winger. He looked great there. Mm. I mean, just plug these guys anywhere, and that's without you know Connor Tracy, who might be the most versatile bloke in the competition as far as outside backs. So forwards are really good. I thought um, our boy Roycey Hunt. He was very strong once no, again. Royce the choice. You. Very good game. Uh, it looks like Toby Rudolph's going to be out for a couple of weeks with an injury, so Royce is going to be very important. Over the next couple of weeks. Uh, I wrote literally in my notes, uh, great try, Royce Hunt. I think over the next two seasons, he might become one of the game's most improved forwards. I just, I reckon he's not even close to his potential and, and he's beginning to reach his potential. He's got like Andrew Fafita sort of qualities about him. The way that he runs, mm. the way that he bumps, the way that he has got this this big engine. Like he, he can play for a lot more minutes than what they've been using him to just because they've got the depth that they don't need to. Mm. Mm. But yeah, I, I think over the next few weeks, I think we'll be talking about Royce Hunt a lot. Mate, I think he's really good. I'll tell you what else. I'll tell you what wasn't good. That sin bin was outrageous. Ugh. That was one of the most outrageous sin bins I've ever seen. And the crazy thing was, is it wasn't even the ref's split call that did it. The bunker watched that and... and gave it like either said down to him 10 in the bin or whatever how can anyone watch that and think he can pull out of that tackle even that, in super super slow motion it didn't even seem late it, it's it literally because in super slow-mo you can see he's already committed as laurie turns his back it just makes how can you watch that and say that that's <laughs> the defender's fault I, as soon as you get out of the slow-mo, you know you're trying to convince yourself of something. Didn't they go back a few tackles as well? I'm pretty sure yeah, they went yeah, back Yeah, I a think few so. Tackles. That's what I mean. It was a bunker, I think, that tipped him up. Like, I cannot for the life of me understand, like, what is he supposed to do there? Not tackle the guy with the ball? Especially the play that it was. Like, he was turning under. The ball was in a blind spot for the defender. Like, if he holds it and goes, it's a missed tackle and he scores. 100%. If he goes, oh, shit, I better not tackle you because you might turn around. Absolutely bizarre. Like, oh, anyway, Timmy, what do you think about this game? Yeah, Sharkies very dominant. Uh, they did everything they need to do. The Tigers didn't show up too much, I don't think. But I mean, the, the Sharks ran for five hundred more meters uh, in this one, which is very dominant. We spoke last week about how poor their completion rate was, and we just thought, you know, with their expansive brand of footy that they play, very attacking, love to move the ball. If they can complete at a high rate, like. Again, sky's the limit because mm. they can put points on for fun. Completed at 83%, scored 36 points. I think that's no surprise there. Um, so the challenge will be now if they can complete at that rate in the bigger games come finals time. Mm. And it was, it's, as you, we discussed earlier, like they still have Kennedy in that to come back. Like 
we give all these other teams a pass for like missing key players. Like they're missing three of their key players from their backline that have such a big role. Um, they have Moylan still too. Manny Moylan's gone, and and they're still doing stuff like this. Get, and people say, oh, it's against the Tigers, but they did exactly what they're expected to do. They won thirty six to twelve, and the Tigers never looked in the game. And, and as, as poor as the Tigers were. It's still the same side that almost beat the Cowboys and beat the Broncos a couple of weeks ago. Like it, yep. There's a football side in there. It's, Absolutely. As Guru said, there aren't many easy games to win at an NRL mm. level. Like you've got to do something right. Yep. I will say this though. I think Nakoro's line running has got to be top three in the oh. game. Minimum. Fuck, he hits that line perfectly. And that like building up a relationship with his half, whether it's Hine, Trindle or Moylan, it's just getting better and better. I remember when Britain first came in the grade and he kind of just – just burst onto the scene and we're all sitting there going, fuck, this kid could be anything. Like almost like a little bit smaller Boyd corner, a real fucking tough hard line runner, tough defender and just love to get amongst it. And then a little bit quiet for a year or two, but he's, again, like Fitzgibbon and the coaching staff there deserve such a big rap because all of these boys are probably playing career best footy. Like, and that shows good coaching like how to get all 17 playing arguably career best footy outside of maybe for feeder but feeder is like in like he's mm. not injured sorry but he's older and his body's but he's still playing his role perfectly. exactly yeah. Yeah. outside of that like they're all playing arguably career best footy Nakora's lines are incredible um along with everyone that comes in as well the, b- no the, one beauty, the, the beauty as well of because they're sitting so high at the ladder They've had a few injuries to the pack in and out. Not a lot at the one time in the pack, but it's allowed them to sit. Dave, uh, Andrew Fafita, should I say, and give him weeks off. He didn't play on the weekend. Um, he sat him at a couple of different stages this season, not because he hasn't won him in his 17, but yeah. like, let's not push him. Like we're, we're not scraping to make the eight and play finals footy. Mm. We're in a position to do it, and it's, it's only going to benefit them come first week of finals. Like, they've still got that hooker sitting there, Jaden Beryl, and most fans wouldn't even know it. Yeah, and he was like signed as, oh, we might need a hooker this year because... And then Braley has just gone to another level this year. Fuck, his service is so good. He's so consistent. Doesn't get the raps he deserves. Um, the Sharkies, seriously, the only concern I have for the Sharkies is they might walk into that para territory where a lot of clubs start poaching players because they, they sit in the, you know, that third or fourth or second to fifth and, like, they create these superstars. Like a guy like Mulatalo or even Katoa, like last year were good, really good wingers, but they didn't have the hype around them. This year, they're starting to be compared to the best wing combinations in the competition. And so the, the hard thing for the Sharks is they're going to get raided. Like they're absolutely going to get raided by other clubs. But the positive for them is that, you know, similar to the other good clubs, they've shown they've got the depth to be able to cover if they do get raided. Oh, for sure. For That'd sure. Be right, mate. They'd... Living in the Shire, God's country, going to take a lot of money to make a move. <laughs> Just on that, um, they got two players in the top 50 of this list, and that's Andrew Fafita, who's definitely getting downgraded, and Wade Graham, who, mm. like, he's, he's, like, at and the end of his career. That's what I was even saying. Like, after they went on their recruitment run last year, I said the scary thing for the Sharks is next year they're going to have, what, 1.2 million sitting there in the cup. Like, they're not Jeez. even done yet. They could, they could go out and buy a million-dollar player next year. It's fucking – they're in such a strong position. I think the club is in a real strong position, isn't it? They bought all that yep. real estate or whatever. <clears throat> I, think it's, I think we're witnessing the birth of a powerhouse. And even if you – you know, even if they were to lose for Fida and Wade Graham and not buy anyone and just reinvest in the guys they've got. They've got it. Easy. Like, like, if Wade Graham is out, 
Teague Wilton will come in and he will do a job. Easily. And be okay. 100%. If the is out, and they've got all these guys in reserve grade that can come in and do a job. The only team. thing they might lose is a little bit of leadership, yep. but I feel like they're developing. They've got Dale there. Uh, Moylan's been around for a while McKinnis, now. Yeah. yeah. McKinnis off the bench. They're not bench. short on leaders. like Mate, McKinnis off the bench. Fuck, he's been good. What a, like, how a club can get, I mean, not to dig the boot into the Dragons, but, yeah. Anyway, we'll move on. <laughs> oh, I just... A guy like McGuinness for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, we won't. Hold on. Oh. But, I mean, am I crazy or what, boys? Oh. Yeah, no, I agree Am I crazy or what? Yeah. He is the heart and soul of a club. I just... And he was their hooker, and the year before that, they made the decision, don't need Reese Robson. And also, he was literally like a, 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 a millimetre away. When Cookie was getting brought into the New, New South Wales side... He was a millimetre. It was between Cookie and McGuinness. People forget that. Like, he was that yeah. close to origin. And uh, it just, it makes, anyway. Apologies, Dragons fans. Apologies. That's a, you got a stray bullet there. Um, <laughs> hey, look, we got rid of Reese Walsh. So what can I say? We've done it as well as the Broncos. Um, now, on to, so yeah, really exciting <laughs> times with the, the Sharkies. And I, I genuinely believe we might be witnessing the, the next big club now i'm not saying that they'll go on to be the storm or whatever but i think that if they're not playing for a premiership in the next two to three years i'll be fucking very surprised i i think in them i think they're giving it a shake this year oh for sure for sure but like i'm saying two to th- if so they should yeah it's like an expectation you know like this year it's like how good we did it rah yeah. rah next year and the year after it's like no no we should literally be in the finals going against the best teams um Sorry, in the grand final, going against the other best team. Now, on to the Tigers. Um, uh, some positives. I think Brown has been a real good find for them. Mm. I really do. He just has a knack for finding the try line. Um, and sometimes he goes when he shouldn't go, but he, he's still finding the try line quite quite often. Um, you know, the, Adam Dewey tried his heart out, he, as he does all every single week. Um, I think that... I really think they're missing Hastings, but I, I get the feeling out of the Tigers that maybe Hastings isn't their man. That's the feeling I'm getting. I might I might go as far to say is I don't know if Hastings will even be at the club next year. Mm. That's, the again, no evidence, but, like, they haven't locked him up or extended him, and I, I get the – like, I feel like he would want to extend. Um, Adam Dewey, I think he comes off contract next year. I'm just – I'm not understanding, like, that. I feel like they're treading water a little bit and they haven't committed to who they're going forward for, with first. Like, there's there's part of me that thinks that some people at the club think that Brooks is the future and then there's other people that think, no, no, we need to go in a new direction. Where where do you see the direction? Do, yeah. do you agree Hastings might be there, not be there next year? I definitely think there's a really good chance he won't be there next year. I think there's a good chance Brooks won't be there next year either. I wouldn't be surprised if neither of them there. I said this a few weeks ago. Um, and, yeah, I, I think the Tigers, either they're trying to work out which one they want or they're trying to work out which one it will stay. I think that would be more the worry for me. I mean, Which one is willing to stay? Willing to stay. But surely Hastings would be – like, he seems like he fucking loves that club. Or, like, as in, Yeah, but I also think Jacko would walk into any club and do whatever he could for them. That's the sort of personality he is now. Like, okay, put it this way. Do you think if they said – you're our seven, you're playing seven, that he would stay? Potentially, but they're definitely not saying that to him. Which is fucking crazy. <clears throat> it's wild. 
And so the only thing that makes sense to me is they know that him playing 13 is going to make him move on. Uh, I don't know. It doesn't make – Timmy, what do you reckon? Uh, I don't know what the Tigers are thinking. and I'm not going to do myself the disservice of trying to think, work out what they're going on in their minds because they're mad. But I would love it to be Jackson Hastings and Adam Dewey in the halves next year. I just seems don't, so obvious. I, it seems so obvious. Luke Brooks – I'm um, sorry, but he's been there for 10 years or something. They haven't played finals footy. So if you think he's the answer, I think it's time to part ways. Um, and I think it'll do. I think it's the best for both parties where Brooks can potentially thrive elsewhere. I, I think we've seen it uh, two weeks ago with great performances against the Cowboys and the Broncos in particular, <coughs> where Hastings was at lock, basically playing as another yeah. half. Mm. Uh, and Adam Dewey was at 5'8". They've just looked excellent. And you, you saw we got excited for the Tigers. Mm. And then... Two weeks without Jackson Hastings there. Dewey's looked a shell of himself. He tries and tries, but I like him uh, being given a bit of a licence to play football and mm. not have to worry about managing the game and getting him around the park. Mm. And without Hastings, and to a lesser degree, without Brooks there now, he's struggled the past two rounds. So mm. uh, I just – we spoke about two weeks ago, but going to next year, if you had Dewey at six, Hastings at seven, you bring in Papali'i, Api Korosau <laughs> – Geez, you've got a footy side you can work with there. So if it's anything less than that, I'll be so disappointed for them. Just another one, and I know it's not the Tigers' fault, but it's so fitting. They let go of Oliver Gildart last week. Mm. You know, he scored five tries in reserve grade this weekend. <laughs> no way. North Sydney, they won by 60 points. He scored the first, the last, and three in between. Oh, fuck. It, well, oh, I don't get it. I don't get it. Like... If Who's Oliver Gildart was at the Tigers this week, he wouldn't be getting picked. Yeah, no. They wouldn't be looking at him. No, no way. Um, who's going to be their seven next year then? If, if, if Brooks isn't the guy and Hastings isn't the guy, like, oh, it just doesn't make... Tim Sheens obviously has a plan, so maybe they're bringing someone in, but I'm just, I'm just really surprised. I don't, I don't know what the direction is. And it, it looks so obvious. The Hastings, the Hastings-Dewey combination excites me. Yeah. It excites me. I go, fuck. They're, they're both crazy winners. Like, they'll win at all costs. And then you throw in Appy Corsair around the ruck there with a Papali on the edge. Well, that's the thing. If they can't convince them to be there when they've got Appy coming, something on. Like, and, like, yeah. why haven't they and, – and, like, even Adam Dewey. Adam Dewey wanted to go down to the storm to experience it. David Nofaluma, is, he said no comment, but when they asked him, you know, well, do you want to stay at the storm, he laughed and said no comment. Um, <laughs> mate, I just... To be fair, if, if I was the Tigers, I wouldn't let Adam Dewey go down there. Well, yeah. <laughs> he wouldn't come back. Yeah. He'd be, he'd be sitting on the porch for a long time. But then, like, extend him. Yeah. Like, give him a big contract. Like, you know, give him the, the contract that Brooks pretty much has. Anyway. So, look, yeah, the Tigers... Uh, I think Abby Coruscant will change a lot there, though. Yes. He will attract people. He's so fucking skillful. Do you play Papali on the edge or in the middle? Because I kind of feel like they need him in the middle. Yeah, I think they need him in the middle, unfortunately. Um, in saying that, they're losing Garner. They've already lost like Lua. They are going to be short on edge. So, yeah. But I, I think they need him through the middle. Just on that the halfback thing, I'm going to be a good little rugby league narrative to see Mitchell Pearce come back and finish it at the club that his dad did. That's yeah, that would be cool. Mm. Um, another thing as well, Jock Madden, apparently Penrith are about to sign him, so they'll lose him as well. All right. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, the good stuff. Um, yeah, sorry, Tigers fans. I, I just think you're missing Hastings. I really do. If Hastings isn't in this side, it's a different side. It really is. Um, now, on to 
Imagine if they lose Jock Madden, who's going to take an opportunity just to sit behind Cleary and Luai <laughs> instead of being the seventh. <laughs> it was, uh, it's tough. Just it's before tough. we get to Brisbane, a uh, bit of breaking news, and it's not official yet, but Buzz Rothfield is reporting that Zach Hosking has signed with the Panthers. Oh, no, you've broken his heart, Maddie. <laughs> Fuck. He's so good. <laughs> no wonder he hasn't been playing. Fuck. Because I was like, what the fuck? He played so good in his first two games. Oh, no. Oh, well. You win some, you lose some. Be good to win some more, though. Fuck. He's so good. It has been weird that he hasn't got a gig the last few weeks. Yeah. Makes sense. Mate, he was, he was our best. Like, oh. oh, well. That's what happens. That's rugby league for you. That's rugby league. Oh, that hurts. That'll be a good battle between him and Garner now. Hurts me heart. I'm going. From, like, Garner has a ton of potential, and if he kicks on, but Hosting's in that system with what he's shown in the first few games. I'm going Garner. Going Garner? I like him. Fucking hell. That hurts, man. That hurts. Oh, well. What a good uh, story, though, to come from. Like, he's a little bit older, isn't he, Oski? Um, no, or I think not? he's a young, like, 21, 22, I okay. think. Look, to be fair, like, Ricky's potential is through the roof. No, he didn't have the best game on the weekend, for sure, no doubting that. Um, but he's, we all know the potential's there. It's just about getting it all together. Uh, Zach Hosking is 25. He's 25. Yeah, gonna, yeah, yeah, he's floated around Cup for a couple of years. So a good oh, story okay. for that, him to... That eases my pain a little bit then. That eases my pain. I thought he was a young 21, 22-year-old. Mm. Okay, yeah, well, fair enough. Like, good on him. Fucking good on him for getting that contract. Come in first grade, played really well, got the contract. Good on him. Um, yeah, I can understand that decision from the Broncos. Like, let's say they had to choose between Ricky and Hoskins. Like, Ricky is still quite young. How old? Can you please get how old Ricky is? 21? Um Again, I, I didn't think he had the best game of the weekend, but I think his potential is through the roof. 22. Yeah, so still quite young. Um, anyway, let's get, to, get into this Broncos-Knights game. Uh, I'm going to sound like a Debbie Downer. <laughs> Wasn't impressed. I, thought I, I was pretty disappointed with his performance. Nobody likes a Debbie Downer. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I was a bit disappointed with this from the Broncos. Like, yeah, they eventually ran away with it, but I, I thought that um, they... <sighs> Like, Cobbo made five errors. Like, he scored three tries, but he made five errors. And that's where we're getting the concern is like, that's what Cobbo was doing, you know, when he was struggling a little bit with form. And, and the, prop, the concern for me is just like that three tries is going to mask. As an NRL player, you can't be making five errors. Um, <clears throat> like, the, he's such a hard person to judge because he is so incredible. Like, the tries he scores, some of the runs he has are just electrifying. Um, so I, I thought that was a bit disappointing that there was a five errors. Um, look, a win's a win. A win's a win. But it was just how he got the win that I was a bit um, disappointed for because the 28-10 doesn't really reflect how close the game was, um, in my opinion. 69% uh, completion rate. Uh, just not that great. But a win's a win, so that's great for us. The problem is is we play the Storm this week. Mm. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's the Storm. And that's going to be a tough, tough yeah, it game. Is. It's uncool. Yep. And so, hopefully, if we if we just take the confidence from the win and we focus on the good stuff and we bring that to the storm, we can absolutely take it to them. Um, but yeah, just just a little bit disappointing. Like we didn't we didn't. If we want to be a premiership threat, we need to just put those games convincingly away. 
uh, instead of running away from them. Some positives, some positive. Tomato Martin was outstanding. He was so silky at the back there. Uh, I thought Corey Oates was absolutely outstanding. I thought Adam Reynolds' kicking game was, uh, you know, back to its nearly its best. Maybe not its best, but close to. Um, uh, outside of that, I didn't mind Ryan James starting at 13 to just toughen up that middle third a little bit. Uh, Payne Haas was amazing, like absolutely amazing. Uh, Flegler was a little bit quiet. He, he only ran for 75 metres. Ezra Mam, outside of the error that he had, was electrifying in attack. 141 metres. Um, I thought Hoyter did a real good job. 22 tackles, zero misses in the centres. Renko uh, come back in for him this week or not? I don't know. It was, it was only listed as missing out due to it was calf or hammy tightness or something. Yeah. So, yeah, to Pretty big decision to make. They yeah. tend to hang around for a bit with Branko, though. When he's injured, he tends to miss a couple of weeks. Yeah, so okay. I'm surprised. I, I thought Hoyter did a quite a good job. 22 tackles, zero misses. Like That's pretty good. Mm. Um, I will say Kurt Catewell, missed tackles are getting quite – he must be injured. He really must be injured because I, I kind of feel like – I felt like defensively he was a bit better last year at the Panthers. So I think we need to tighten that up a little bit. Um, but, look, a win's a win. We, we came away 13-plus in the end. Um, I thought the Knights actually didn't play that bat poorly at all. I thought their first probably 60 was quite good. Um, but, yeah, I thought the Broncos, it's great we got the win, but if we want to be a top-tier side, we, there's a, quite a few things we've got to clean up. And I think that if there's ever needed more evidence of how important Paddy Carrigan is to this side, like – you could even go as far to say is he's almost number one priority to, to re-sign. Like, I'll, I'll put the question to you. Payne Haas wants 800K. Paddy Carrigan wants 800K. And you can only choose one. Who are you choosing? Fuck. Um, that's fucking tough, oh, eh? That's so tough. But it shows you how far Paddy's come. I'm kind of into Paddy now, to be honest with you. It shows you how far he's come. What do you reckon, Timmy? Yeah, I mean, if, if, if we're talking straight football, it's like... It's got to be paying half. Yeah, yeah. But look, I, I particularly go on so often about club culture and how important it is to have these leaders and just good blokes that you want to play for you around. And Pat Carrigan is the epitome of this. We've seen it time and time again this year. And just the present, and that's not a knock on paying half. It's a credit to Pat Carrigan. Mm. So I, look, <laughs> I think his presence at the club is probably more important in terms of if you had to pick one of them. So yeah, <laughs> look, I'd go Pat Carrigan. And Which is I feel crazy saying exactly, that, exactly. Um, Payne's in. Uh, a, oh, sorry, yeah. I'd go Haas by the length of the straight. I'd, Would I'm, you? I've got to disagree. He's Not that much. He's a, he's a generational front rower. He's probably going to be the best front rower of all time. If I'm throwing eight eight hundred k at either of them, I'm definitely giving it to Haas. Uh, Carrigan's, really? Carrigan's awesome, but yeah, for me, I it's think some, you've just let a Queensland captain lead the Broncos. Yeah, Australian yeah. captain. <clears throat> but, like, imagine if Haas was missing on the weekend. We've won games with, yeah, like, Haas You're missing. You're right without him. Haas is a better footballer. Oh, for sure. when you bring in the whole package. The, the only thing is, is, like, so last year, Paddy does his ACL. And, and you know, Haas was incredible last year. But there's only so much a front rower can do. Mm. There's only so much a front rower can do. Whereas I kind of feel like if Paddy – like, let's say – we had a year without Paddy and a year without Payne. Which which year would we go worse? I don't know. It's a tough one. It's a real tough one. I think we can all agree footy players, like as a footy player, you're going to paint us like he's a freak. But in terms of like being able to get the boys up in the changing room and like 
all of that stuff, like Paddy is, is crucial to that club going forward. That video of him on field earlier this year, of him just talking, talking, talking like that, that takes out a few extra running meets and tackles and whatnot. Mm. Like that is worth so much to a team on Mate, the field. he was in game one origin in a Queensland jersey in the changing room doing these ones. Mm. And he's pretty much like, I don't know, if, was it his debut? Debut, he's doing these ones in Queensland. Like he, he was so good that Cam Smith was literally like, I genuinely could see him eventually, potentially captaining in the state. For sure. It's a, it's a tough, tough situation. I, if I'm being totally honest, I actually think Payne has most likely won't be at the club next year. Next year, you reckon? Yeah, I, I reckon he's going to sign a big, big deal with somewhere else. And I think that the Broncos are, are, are probably going to be resigned because another report came out like that they're going to have to make a decision soon. I mean, it's it's no it's it's not news to um, it's not news to anyone. Like he, it's open that he wants a bigger contract, um, and so I think Broncos are facing the decision of we either sign Paddy and Flegler, and and we lose Haas, or we sign Haas and we lose Paddy and Flegler. I'm sure, he'd love a swim at Bondi Beach, Payne. Oh mate. <laughs> Yeah, and, and, that, and again, that's, that's not, it's not me having a crack at pain at all. I just think that he probably can get a million somewhere else, a five-year, a million-dollar-a-year deal. Um, and I, I don't know how you keep Paddy, Flegler and Haas in this because they're all, you know, Flegler looks like he's going to develop into a five, six hundred, oh, probably a six, 700K front rower. In my opinion, that's where I see his ceiling at. Paddy is, is going to be the captain, like pretty much lock that in right now. Uh the only thing I hope is I hope is that Paddy can talk to Payne and Flegler and be like, boys, if we just take a little bit less together, because like the thing with Payne, like all he has to do, I mean, it's, it's easy to say, but like if he takes 800 instead of a million, we can keep this pack together. Um, but it's easy for me to say that's his mm-hmm. money, but it just shows you how far, like, like it's interesting. Cause if you put, imagine putting Payne in the forward pack of like Roosters, Penrith, Storm, um, even the Sharkies, like, fuck. He would kill it. He would kill Storm's got to be the one, don't they? I reckon. Oh. Roosters? Oh, yeah, you can never rule them out. But just show the Storm with all the people coming off and, you know, even have, have, have a look at that list. Like, like Jesse Bromwich was that. It's obviously a back-ended deal, but him leaving next year. Like, He's on 1.1 or 1.05. Could you shift that straight to Haas? could you definitely could and they haven't really aggressively gone into the market the only thing is with the roosters is that like sunny bill connection mm. like they sunny bill i think does communicate with pain quite well, a who's bit like takiyahu's leaving hargreaves will probably go at any moment sorry they could let matt Lodge yeah go and apparently moment. he's on like 900 but i'll oh, worry he's probably paying most of that yeah, yeah roosters are only paying 100 of that okay so <laughs> oh. do you, so so takiyahu's gone yeah so he's i'm pretty sure he's going to super league he is yeah and so what that what Hargreaves would have to retire pretty much. Getting a year older, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. You know, yeah. Wow. I think it's hard for Roosters. Especially if they've signed Crichton as well. Re signed Crichton. Mm. A lot of money. God. Going to paint house on top of all that. Yeah. We just spoke it earlier. It's just like when if he's if they've already come out and said they want more money, how do they how do Brisbane keep him when they just can't mm. afford to? Like they just can't. Yeah. Um, anyway, back to the performance. Uh, look, got a win for sure. Uh, Jordan, Jordan, look, I think, I think just bringing him off the bench for a few weeks would just help his Ricky. Yeah, Jordan yeah. Ricky, I just bring him off the bench for a couple of weeks and just say, mate, I just want you to rip and tear. 
for a, you know, like he's like, I would, if I was a coach, I would sit him down and be like, mate, you're here for however long you want to be here. You're a part of the club. We see you as a key person going forward. Um, but just take a step back to take two step forwards, I think. Um, because at the moment, you know, playing 80 minutes, he, I, he does have it. Even though defensively he was actually quite really good, he just seems to sometimes get fatigue and he makes those little fatigue mistakes. And I feel like if he's coming off the bench, he's not going to get fatigued and impact it. Um, but as I said, we got the win. That's great. Uh, I'm surprised Kobe Hetherington doesn't get more minutes. I would actually have him starting. It really does surprise me. Uh, Corey Pakes, I think his impact off the bench when we were going really well was good. Um, so I think that although we won, there may still be some changes that come in. Uh, but I thought Tomato Martin was fantastic. Obviously, Payne Haas, as always. Is he like the most consistent footy player ever? Mm. Like, when right do you ever there. see him play poorly? Um, I'll tell you the other, uh, just a play that I thought went under underappreciated. That pass that Martin threw to Ezra Mam at top speed yeah. around his body... <laughs> To get that right, Mate, so silky, unbelievable, so silky. It's honestly watching him play made me go, "Ooh, why did we get rid of him?" <laughs> we didn't get rid of him, but like, and I understand Reese Walsh is a superstar, but oh man, Tamade Martin, he's special, man. I, two I, line break assists, two try assists. He was. You could tell that, like, we looked so silky, like when he was involved in the, the plays and attack. What do you think about the Broncos, Simi? Yeah, I mean, two ways of looking at it. They. They were definitely unconvincing, but at the same time, they had 47% possession. Mm. Uh, they said completed at 69%. So with those numbers behind you and to still, A, put on 28 points, but only concede 10 points, it's pretty encouraging. It's like, mm. well, if they do get the completions up a little bit better and credit to yourself and to Kevin Walters calling on the Tamari Martin thing because when you mentioned it, I think it was last week, I was like, oh, Maybe a little bit harsh on Tessie New, but you know, you could be right, just lacked that bit of class. Well, it showed straight away, didn't it? Tamari back in at fullback, mm. just so much more polish on the end of the back line. So it was it was a big call to make from Kevy, but uh, it was completely justified. And you just you look a lot better in attack. Yeah, he's fuck, he's good. What do you reckon? Any changes you'd make? What, what did you feel about the Broncos' performance? Yeah, I think you guys summed it up pretty well. Not your greatest performance, but got it done. Good teams play shit and win. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, like, as I said, there are a few key things that I think we really need to approve. Like, 69% completion is just like, we have to be better than that. But a win's a win. We need to go in next week and we need to put it this way. If we completed 85% completion, all of a sudden, it's probably a, a, a much bigger store. And so, um, yeah, could have been anything. <laughs> uh, both of you let's continue uh, now uh knights uh thoughts on the knights boys thoughts on the knights and we'll, we'll be quick here guys because we don't want to repeat ourselves constantly and just dig the boot in but i'm really i'm i'm concerned about the knights as a club yes. like is it not as a like their, their existence but just as for so much hope over the last couple of years a few key decisions and now we're sitting here going like, what's going to happen next year? And you get a vibe that it's not quite over yet. You feel like there's yeah. there's just little issues that are popping up Monday to Friday that feel like they aren't resolved yet. So kind of, well, they play the Raiders this week, then they got the Titans up there on the Gold Coast. Who we'll talk about them in a minute. I thought they played pretty well yesterday. Then they got the Sharks as well. Like I'm, 
I'm kind of chalking Newcastle up to go 0-3 to finish the season there. I don't mm. think they'll beat any of those sides, to be honest with you. Well. They're playing the Titans. Like, if, if Titans played Newcastle today, who would you back in? I thought the Titans were good for 60 minutes. Yep. I really did. Uh, oh, sorry, not the Titans. The Knights were good for 60 minutes. But you're right, it'll be a like a, a close match for sure. Yeah, I'm really worried about them. It's... Uh, it's becoming a little bit alarming up there. Because mm. once again, you look at them on paper and you go, why are you so shit? <laughs> well, you it makes go, no sense. Well, you go Saifidi brothers up front. One made 153 metres, another made 176 metres. Like, it's a great... And then you got Braley in at nine, who's a gun. He was great. I thought he was good. Like, you got Bradman Best, who's, you know, was literally like a smoky for Ocean a couple of years ago. Um, Dane Gagai, we all know how great he is. Yeah, like... The thing is, it's. I think it's becoming clearer by the day. It's not the roster that is the issue. It's clearly standards that they are setting, you know, it, day in day out. Um, what do you reckon, Timmy? Yeah. Oh, look, boys. I'd anything that I said would just be repeating what we've said for months and months about the nights now. So I won't, won't don't have anything to to add to that. Like I, I love the club. I love the supporter base. How mm. loyal they are to them. But um, it'd just be dwelling on negatives that just frustrate me about about what they're producing on field at the moment so yeah what do you do with, with milford he's not going to be there next year do you is it do you give phoenix crossland three games in the half see what he can do the problem is is like i'm not even convinced that phoenix is considered their next up in line yeah he's probably not but fuck, what do you like jack is injured do you what's like kind of like well, what's the point like uh, like honestly whoever whoever they have identified as their new young gun seven even if he's 18 years old, I'm playing him. Just get him game time. Like. Yeah, just get him game time. Whoever, that, surely they've got someone in their top squad that's a gun, schoolboy, seven. If they didn't, though, would it surprise you? Surely, no. There's no way. There's no way. They've got to have at least a half in there. Then why'd they go and buy Clifford and Kloon? And well, Milford? Clifford and Kloon played at NRL. I'm, talk, yeah. I'm talking about a guy that's come out of school it's probably his first year in first grade training. I would seriously just bring him in and go, mate, get these three games. This doesn't mean you're going to be starting next year, but get these three games and see how you go. I think that kid was Pizzette, and I think he's playing for Melbourne. <laughs> yeah, they've got to have someone. There's, there's just no way, because what that means that they've got is Phoenix Crossland the only seven that they've got, and they don't really seem to back him. He's been playing nine. Um. Yeah, I, I would seriously, I'm, I'd be very shocked if they didn't have a young gun coming out of school. Yeah. The the only other ball player in their 30, as it stands right now, was Sasagi, who they're playing at lock and centre at the moment. So, Just, yeah, uh, hopefully there's a kid that they can bring up through the grades, but off the off the dome, I don't think their cup and everything have done too well over the last oh, right. I'm like, what about What about this bloke? He's a half. Can you tell us more about him? <laughs> No, I don't know who he is. <laughs> Can you try? You're a dickhead. Proceed. <laughs> who is it? I just can't pronounce the last name. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Give me a crack. I don't give... I've ruined them all the time. Is it Mapalungi? Here we go, boys. <laughs> Christian Mapa, Mapalungi. Mapapalungi? Mapapalungi? Christian Mapapalungi. 5'8". 5'8". Mate, honestly. Get him in. Just get him in, seriously. I think he's been 18th man a little bit for him, hasn't he? he might have seriously? Been, yeah. Can you check his age, please? 19. Mate, you know, there get he him is. In. Honestly, I, I'm, I'm being serious. Just fucking put him in. What's, what is the point of playing Milford? 
Like it's unless you're trying to avoid the spoon. But it's like at this point, who gives like you've won it that many yeah. times before. Um okay, now to the next game. Absolute robbery, this one. Absolute robbery. Was that justice? <laughs> Got him. <laughs> Got him. Um no. You know what's crazy? Is that like if there ever was like two wrongs don't make a right. But if there ever was a time <laughs> where two wrongs made a right, this was the time. I cannot believe for the life of me that the, the world, everything that can happen, the butterfly effect, all this shit, the same year, the exact same scenario happens and they both trade two points. I, I am okay and I know it's wrong, but I'm okay with the ref doing that and just trade the two points. Seriously. It's heaps wrong, but I'm also okay with it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's heaps wrong. It's bad refing, but at the end of the day, at least they've traded two points and Very now nice. they're, they're where they actually should be on the ladder. Um, this game for me, I thought the Dragons' second half was outstanding. Benny Hunt is a joke. He's so good. That kicking game, Amon, amazing. You know, the thing with Amon is he, I just re-signed uh, with the, the Dragons and I wonder whether that contract negotiation was weighing on him a little bit and then finally gets it done and he comes out confident as anything and kills it, scores three tries. Uh, the Raiders, look, gutsy win to hold on to it. Really gutsy win. Came out, didn't blow them off the park, but dominated, dominated. I felt. Um, Timmy, what did you think about the game, mate? Yeah, they were pretty pretty gritty win from, win from the Raids. They, as they tend to do in second halves, did everything they could to lose it late on. They That last was about two or three minutes to go and they had an opportunity just to pot, try and pot a field goal, make it a seven-point margin, game over. Turned it over. Next thing you know, they're running downfield, and it was just like shout out to Big Red, Corey Horsburgh. I think mm. this really went unnoticed in the the chaos of you know the refereeing decision. But mm. Big Red was run chasing after Fenai for that one. Fenai <laughs> was one on one with Xavier Savage, who we know is not the most noted defender. The inside pressure that Horsburgh had on Fenai was just enough that mm. it meant he only really had one direction to go, and that was on the outside of Savage. Had Big Red not been chasing, would have had a one-on-one with him. He could have skinned him and scored very yeah, easily with a fend. Fenai, uh, Fey guys, Fey guy, sorry, Fey guys, uh, footwork is fucking incredible. Yeah. So he would have. Yeah, that I. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't going to say it, but you're right. He yeah. would have skinned him, uh, and it would have been game over. So. I don't think I saw anyone mention it, but Big Red's run chasing him down. Go back and look at it. It was next level. Fucking Big Red, eh? When you're in when you're in the the pits, you need a Big Red with you. <laughs> Fucking oath, you need a Big Red with you. Um, what about yourself, Gurino? Yeah, uh, I, as I said at the start, I was just so happy to see Amon finally have this game mm. where he shows what he can do. Um, I thought Ben Hunt did he get a forty twenty and a twenty forty? Yeah, yep. yeah I think he's time. the first time ever. 40-20 and a 20-40. The and last time ever too. The, like, the 2040 was like the game needed something. He just went, you know what? Boom, get in the oh. hooker, smack it. 20 minutes. As a halfback, I'll get into it. Yeah, yeah. So it's like whack it. uh, he's done literally done everything he possibly can to get his team back into the game. Yeah. So good. They could have been your halves in Team of the Week. They nearly were both of mine and mm. the losing team. Yeah, yeah. Hundred percent. I thought like that, that on that last play, like as you said, um, Big Red chased him down and whatnot. The ball that Hunt threw to put him through that hole. Oh, beautiful. Oh, God. It was a pearl. Yeah. If he would have scored, we'd be like, that pass would have been all over. And it's also a set play because you, you know it's a set play because of the way Fay uh, Guy hit his line. Mm. Like, he, he hit that just in between the centre and the winger. And it's a hard it's hard defensively as a, as a winger because 
you're a little bit back for the kick because it's like mm. the game's on the line. You think they might kick. And so your spacing is never going to be perfect. Like if he's up flat to, to make sure that, that he can't get through, Benny Hunt can keep behind. And so it's like it must be something that Benny Hunt has looked at video and, and thought about like if my game is on the line and I need to have a big play – What's the play? Because that seems like it's like specifically made for that last-ditch play. It was so good. Such a good fucking ball. How about Big Red, Queensland boy, obviously. Mm. AFL prodigy growing up. No way. He's a gun. Fuck. Can you imagine that in an AFL grand final <sighs> if you chose the AFL path? Big, big 115 kilo. Oh. Big Red, Corey Horse was snapping one from 40 to win the Swans <laughs> Premiership. Mate, how good would what that be? What can he do? Seriously, Big Red. Like, imagine him AFL, he'd be so aggressive. <laughs> Fuck, he'd be aggressive. Holy shit. Um, but, yeah, back to the Raiders. Real gritty win to hang on and get the job done like they did. Um, yeah, like, uh, there's still a chance. That's the good thing. There's still a chance. Um, Albert Hopper-White, he continues to impress me with his ball running. Very strong, scored a try. Uh, yeah, look, I, they just keep hanging on. They keep hanging on. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see... They've got a pretty – was that their hardest game? Well, we have Manly, mm. but all of a sudden that's not looking as bad as we probably thought it was after what they dished up against the Titans. So, like, yeah, Manly Manly was the hardest one we have. Mm. So, if you can get past Manly all of a sudden. Knights this week, Tigers round 25. You just got to rely on others team, other teams we, dropping ahead of you. Yeah, them. and we do. We're, we're a game off the Roosters and then we're two games off the Rabbits, Broncos, Eels. So mm. they've all got a better for and against. But again, if we win three in the trial, well, our need 31 should improve. But every chance. Mm. Fucking it'd suck if you won the next three games with a heap of momentum and Thir- no one else dropped. If yeah. we miss out on 30 points, yeah, that'd be, be hard to take. If you did miss out on 30 points, it shows you the quality of the competition this year. Yeah. Um, that'd, and, that'd, be, that'd be 14 wins and 10 losses. And you miss and the eight. Miss. And last year, the Titans made it with 10 yeah. wins and 14 losses. Oh. Yeah. Mate, the standard is so much higher. Like, so much higher, it's crazy. Um, any, any other ones stood out for you for the Raiders? Hudson Young scored the first try. I think he's having a really good last few months. Uh, I think he could be a real smoky at the end of the year for that kangaroo squad. Um, uh, mate, just got the job done. It was ugly, but your season's on the line. you just got to find a way. Mm. Anyone else for you, Jimmy? All good, mate. All good. Um, yeah, look, I just think they deserve a massive rap. Um, Papali'i. Um, let's talk about uh, Papali'i, Junior Bolo. Um, who else committed to Samoa? Anyway, Papali'i has committed Samoa. Junior Polo has. Uh, really interesting. Now, um, does that mean that Queensland don't have the... Does that mean Papali'i doesn't have Queensland spirit? Does that mean that? Um, I'm happy to run with it. <laughs> oh, look, I think this is incredible for the World Cup. Really, really incredible for the World Cup. I cannot wait now to see the World Cup. It gets more exciting um, with every single person that, that commits to some of the, the, t- the tiered nations. Um, yeah, I, I think it's great for the game. Putting Jerome Lewis in there is going to be the key. Mm. It's always been a ball player that they've lacked. I assume New Brown will probably be the nine. Thinking off the dome, is there yeah. anyone else? Havili is Tongan, is he? Yeah, he's Tongan. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd, I'd say it'll be New Brown, mm. and then I don't, I don't know who will partner Lewis. Oh, Amon, he'll be in the halves, won't he? Oh, is he Samoan? I think he is actually. Or is he Tongan? Check it. Out. But yeah, Amon Lewis not a bad bloody halves combination. Jeez. Um, I wonder if Critter commits as well. That'd be interesting. 
Yeah. So he could be in the centers. Uh, Moon's Tongan. Tongan. Who, who played? Who played in the halves for Samoa? Get it up. A few months ago. Might have been New, New Brown playing in the halves there. Anyway, uh, yeah, they both committed. Really, really good for those those two teams. They're going to be crucial uh, if they want to succeed. Now, uh, quickly onto the Dragons. Um, disappointing year for the Dragons because they're officially done now. They're done now. Yeah, yeah. We had them as a smoky for top eight footy. Um, they've definitely fallen short of that. This is just such Dragons game. They mm. hang in there. Mm. Thereabouts. It's there to be won. It's been like that all year for them. It's just they've yeah. just been there or thereabouts, but they haven't ever. They've never convinced. been incredibly impressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've yeah. never been terribly disappointing. It, but I, in games, I feel like they're disappointed. Then I look up and I go, "Fuck, okay, they're behind by four. They can't be that bad." Yeah, yeah. It's so true. It's so true. Like if you if the, if I went off the feeling they've given me this year, they'd be sitting at like maybe eleventh or twelfth. But then they like you look at them, you're like. I mean, they are 11. No, now, but yeah, I mean, yeah, like, yeah, throughout right. the year, yeah, yeah, yeah. they've been sitting around the eight mark, eight, nine. Um, it's crazy, though, that they're, they're three wins in front of Canterbury. Yeah, it's bizarre. It's bizarre. Um, I just, like, although, like, the Cody, Cody Ramsey thing seemed like like it, it's probably the right decision. Ramsey played really well. I, I, the, the concern I have is that you've got Sloan and Sullivan now that seem to be... I guess not on the outer, but it just doesn't seem like they look like they're in their plans. And you may have lost two mm. really good young players. Like the slow one for me, especially like, I just think they should have given him a little bit more time. Like, did they really improve that much when they got rid of him? Like until Ramsey came in a few weeks later and he played really well, but as a team, like, did they really, I, I don't it's know. It's hard, isn't it? Because now you're just like, <clears throat> Perfect chance you've slowing a run. Yeah. Give him us three games of the year. There's nothing on the line. But then it's like, well, you're also developing Cody Ramsey, who's been mm. really good. So it, it'd be so harsh on Ramsey yeah, for the for future of sure. the Dragons. Like, you give him the three games, see what he can produce. Mm. And, and like, Sloan was so good last year. So good. Until his credit, like, I think Ramsey's been really good. Yeah, as much as yes. so I didn't expect it. So if you were to yeah. rest him, I think you'd shatter both their confidence. Mm. But, like, long term, who do you reckon has that long term fullback? I, I would have gone Sloan, but mm. I probably think it's Ramsey now, realistically. Yeah, look, Dragons are in a tough spot, especially when you look at the fact that they have 10 players in that top 100 list. Um, and I just don't know who they bring to the club that's going to change much. I really don't. Like, th this is essentially the squad that they're going to be dealing with next year. Is there anyone that you know of? Like, this is the squad they're rolling into next year. They're not getting well, younger. Just minus a few. Yeah, minus a few. Tariq Sims, yeah. But there's there's no one coming in. Yeah. So, disappointing. Look, I I, I would say it's a disappointing year for the Dragons now. Like, to, to bow out, you know, I think a satisfactory year would have been around eighth or ninth. But to bow out, what, f with four games to go? Three games to go? Yeah, three games to go. It's crazy that a halfback can play so well. Yeah. And it can <coughs> still be such a disappointing season. For oh, Ben Hunt. He, he, he might win the Dally M from a bottom eight side. That's how good he's been. Um, well, I, I'd like who, who, who have you got winning it at the moment? Far out, I mean, Hines would probably be up Hines there. Hines would be up there. Benny Hunt would be up there. Um, I think Dylan Edwards might even be a little bit of a smoky because he's just killed it every game he's played. He's been and he's been getting recognised for it. Again, smoky, not yeah, saying yeah, he will yeah. be. Um, Munster's racking up points lately. Yeah, Munster with a big finish. Yeah, Munster, but probably Benny Hunt at the top. Could right Latrell now. be in the conversation or? I reckon, like, even the last two weeks, Cam's got three Yeah, the okay. last two yeah. weeks. So, mm. my mind is Heinz for sure. 
Hines, you reckon? Yeah. Hines or Benny Hunt, I'd say, right now. Because Benny Hunt is the guy every week for the Dragons. Yeah. But there's no one else from – like, Edwards probably is the best shout from Penrith, considering mm. how many games he's played. Mm. I don't think there's been anyone from the Cowboys that could win it. Melbourne, it'd have to be Munster or no one. I don't think Brisbane – Adam Reynolds hasn't done enough this year. Like, he's missed footy and he – Yeah. Parramatta, no one could win it from there. Roosters got too many troops, so – Oh my God. Manly had 55% completion. Oh, yuck. Holy shit. Save it for Wednesday. Oh, my God. Anyway, okay, let's get into the last game. Titans v Manly. Uh, great win for the Titans. Like, yeah, okay, they leaked 24 points, but look, we're talking, this is the Titans. I thought their attack looked the best it's looked literally all year. <coughs> Yep, and there was – mate, when I saw Tino was ruled out – I thought they were going to – Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. I thought they were going to get house, belted. Like, yeah. Belted. Um, I said it to you last week, and I might have sounded like a crazy person. Is Tanner Boyd a genuine – the guy? I know it's a small sample size, but, like, there's, there, there was even reports like Sexton may not play again this year. I feel like they look like a better side at the moment with Tanner at seven – I was just waiting for Sexton to come back into the side. I just thought I must yeah, have yeah. given him a week. And then when he didn't come in, I sort of went, jeez, <clears throat> I don't know. Because like, then it also meant that they played Aaron Clark at nine. Like It just made no sense to me mm. to do what they did. But, yeah, he was really good, Tanner Boyd. I've always been a big fan of him. Well, I've he was the Australian seven schoolboys, wasn't he? He's was a gun. And he's, pl- and he's been fucking slaving away at nine and 14. God. What? I just – I don't understand. Anyway, we'll talk about the positives. I thought Tanner Boy was really good, really good. Um, I thought Fafita's try was fucking <laughs> Jesus, honestly. See, and guess what it come off? Good ball. He got a ball where he got to isolate players. He was running onto it. He wasn't flat-footed. And he, like, he, guess who the two players he broke tackle? Schuster and Aloya. Yeah. Big fucking boys. And it was all because he got to isolate Schuster <clears throat> and push through the line. Um I thought Brimo, I think Brimo deserves such a rap, man. For a year that has been so bad for the Titans, every game Brimo is turning up, impacting the game. Uh, what did you boys think about the Titans? Yeah, I, I think AJ was sensational. I thought both Furman was really good as well. Mm. Fuck, he's been a fine for them. Mm. Just out of nowhere. Like he'll, he'll, he'll never be on the, the 100 list or anything, but he's just, he just puts in every single week, both yeah. Furman. I'm a big fan of him. Uh, yeah, I thought the Titans were very good. Great to see them. Winning. It's just been such a fucking tough year to watch for them. So uh, I enjoyed watching them get up yesterday afternoon. I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to get next week. Yeah, yeah. We don't no know idea what going. to expect next week. Who, who, <laughs> they, who, who they got next week? Oh, no, I'm not sure, but, but yeah, just uh, savour it, Titans fans. Fuck, who yeah. cares? Honestly, yeah. you won. Enjoy it. And it was a good, solid win. 44 points. Yeah, bloody oath. Um, yes, yeah. yeah, so that's winnable. Oh, he's, yeah, we said it. Yeah, I think yeah. they will win it. Sorry, yeah. Um, Can't wait for that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I wonder, I'd love to know what Kieran Foran was thinking, standing on the other side looking over, going, <laughs> like, yeah, they won, it was great, but, like, yeah, I, don't, I, just, I just don't know what that team's going to look like next year. So, someone big's going to have to miss. And mm. I honestly thought four weeks ago Toby Sexton was the safest one. Yeah, same. He might be in the most danger now, which is just so typical of the Titans <laughs> that it can change – so quick yeah. i mean yeah but they, 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 uh, i think it broke after we, we were on last week but sam Verrills 
signing as well. Really good signing. Great signing. Really a good, good signing. weekend for the Titans. You watch Sam Verrill's brain it for the Chooks, and then yeah. they get this win. Four and coming. Four and coming. There's there's positive. I, I put it this way: even though Dragons like finished higher, I actually am more excited for Titans next year with who they've brought into the club. With Dragons, I'm I just. They may finish better next year than the Titans. My just concern is, is I don't see any progress there. Um, you know, in saying that, they've got Ben Hunt, who is literally one of the best players in the competition. But I, honestly, Ferrells and Foran really excite me for the Titans. They really do. Mm. What do you think, um, Timmy? Yeah, you boys touched on most of them already. Same thing. I thought when Tino was ruled out, it was going to be one-sided very much. They're just great to see the Titans humming in attack again. They, they made a name for it last season, even though they conceded a lot, scoring a lot of points. And it was just like last season for me. They obviously yeah. had their issues there, particularly defensively. But uh, humming in attack, Bowie Furmore, just fantastic. So consistent in a struggling side. Mm. Um, I mean, realistically, you mentioned the completion rate of Manly. It's... As I said, enjoy the week for what it was. Yeah. I wouldn't get any uh, false ideas of what might come at the end of the year, but mm. a win's a win. They scored a lot of points. Happy days. Good luck mm. to them. Uh, now, Manly. Is it concern time? I think so. I think the... Uh, Do you think the incident in the middle of the year... 100%. Has, has rattled them? Yeah, it seems that way. I don't, well, what else could you put this sudden... I, have, I haven't to? seen Manly play like this mm. in... Like two, 2018, like four or five years. I've never seen a Manly side play like this. And in the most respectful way possible, it was the fucking Titans. Mate. Like, they are a team that have shown the entire year that if you put 30 minutes of good footy on them, they will roll over. Mm-hmm. I, can't, I cannot believe how poor Manly were. Yep. Conceding 44 points. They, the Titans missed more tackles than the Manly. So Manly had 55% oh. of the ball. The Titans missed more tackles. <laughs> Jesus. Um, oh, fuck. I, there's got to be more going on at Manly. Manly had 40 less runs. <laughs> Titans missed more tackles. <laughs> Holy heckers. Um they had equal line breaks as well. Like, wow. Like they they finish with Sharks, Canberra, Bulldogs. There's a good chance they lose every single game after the incident. Do you, do you reckon Desi can galvanise them? That's been the thing that surprised me. I mean, that's been his bread and butter for the last yeah. 15 years. Well, I mean, years. The, the weird thing was is I feel like their best match – was when the, the situation happened. Like, they came out ripping mm. and tearing. And, like, when I watched the, these guys play on uh, Sunday, like, this isn't a manly side that we know. Like, what's they don't look anything – we're near as committed for each other. What do you reckon, Timmy? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue that didn't rattle them because, you know, for a side that's been so, so gritty for such a long time and, and really, you know, they get up against adversity so well, they were just – how disgraceful on the weekend. Playing for a final spot yeah. against the side on the bottom of the ladder and they get 44 points put on them. They weren't even, what? I don't think they were missing any players either, were they? Well, Not really. Pr- pretty close to full strength. Um, so Manly fans would have been gutted watching that. Yeah. It's, oh, I cannot believe it. I, I, I never thought I'd see... Well. I mean, every every club has these poor games. You look at the Broncos when they were struggling, but this just feels like it's come out of nowhere mm. because 
few weeks ago, we were sitting here saying how impressed we were with the fact that they lost Tom Dravojevic and they, they circled the wagons, they they galvanised. Just And then the, the report came out the, the week of the game that if Desi doesn't win this game, he's in trouble. And, and also that they haven't enacted an extension, like as if to say that Desi might not even be the coach next year, which is crazy to me. Crazy to think. Like Desi to get – have we not – have they not learnt – the lesson, Desi's the guy. He can get them to a premiership. They were in a prelim. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's not Desi's fault. Oh, mate, mate. There's Tom Trebojevic, their best player on big money, who basically doesn't play all season. They've, you know, the saga a couple of weeks ago. Like, all of that's out of Desi's hands. Oh, man. I just. I can't believe, and without going into it, I just can't believe that they put him out there for the press conference. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. The fuck is that about? Mm. Yeah, there has to be more to that. As in the press, like as in press conference, yeah, and then potentially. Like how second? on earth could the whoever's making these decisions at Manly go? Okay, we'll put the coach out there to wear this one. We'll hang him out to dry, and then three weeks later, when they go shit, go. Maybe we need to change a coach. Mate, it's bizarre. Buy a fucking mirror. Good it's, God, it's bizarre. I like won't get more into that press conference, but yeah. the fact that there was an admin there is very surprising to me. Very, and, as now, in, and now they're pushing reports that it's that he might be his out. Fault? Like, yeah, I just oh, oh man, I, I'm worried this could get worse before it gets better. I think it definitely, yeah. And now, if there is one man, the mad scientist is Desi Hazel mm. that can turn this around. And we said that even when it all happened. I thought personally he handled the situation really, really well. Um, but I am really concerned. That performance is so out of the blue for me for a manly side that impresses me every week. I just, yeah. So hopefully they can turn it around. I really, really hope they can because um, they're exciting to watch. They really are. Uh, they've, they've really become a team that I enjoy watching mainly. Just that they, they battle and when their back's against the wall, they seem to turn up. So anyway, that's us done and dusted, guys. Done and dusted. Uh, make sure to give at Rugby Lou Guru a follow on Instagram and also subscribe podcast NSC Playbook. Make sure to grab a case of Bloke in a Bar. Also grab a dad shirt. Go to bloke.shop. We've got plenty of stuff there. Got anything to say, boys? Beers and break-evens will be back on Wednesday, so if you'd like to join us there on YouTube. Beers and break-evens, make sure to be there, and as usual, I'll go and fuck myself. Thank you.